Hi everyone, this episode of How To Wrestling was requested by one of our lovely backers, Alex Thompson, over on patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. If you want to support the show and get immediate access to 40 bonus episodes, as well as our new spin-off series, How To Revisited, where Kevin and I revisit all our old episodes, become a $5 backer now at patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. But for now, enjoy the show. Hey pal, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe how to enjoy wrestling. And this is, well, yeah, I've got to say right now, this is both the biggest episode, probably the most stressful episode, the hardest episode, and the most important episode I think we've ever done. It is about the head man, the business icon and self-proclaimed handsome, virile son of a bitch, Today, Joe is learning all about the genetic jackhammer and the CEO of Titan Sports and World Wrestling Entertainment, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Oh man, that's uh, sent a little bit of a shiver down my spine even saying all this. Uh, hello once again, I am Cowboy Kevin Mann, joined as I am always by my better half, my comrade through this journey of knowledge and learning about wrestling, it's Joe Graham. Hi. How are you doing, Joe? Researching this episode gave me a two-day migraine. <laughs> so thanks, Vince. Thanks. Thanks, Vince. This is day two of that migraine, yeah. is it not? Yeah, it's day two. Why was this so hard? There's just so much going on with Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I feel even the subject of who is he is enough to give someone a migraine. Yeah, I think this is one of those episodes where I don't want to use the phrase bitten off more than they can chew, but it's very apparent when you're looking at the different parts of of this person that you could have like five episodes on him as an in-ring character alone. We could literally have this whole podcast be How To Vince McMahon and it would be probably a podcast that could go on indefinitely. Yeah, it could, yeah, because stuff keeps happening as well, mm. like at the end, so this is just kind of a constant. I mean, when Vince eventually dies by like, you know, I don't know, like strapping himself to loads of fireworks to promote a new thing on the network and, you know, explodes in a, an explosion of steak wraps and ketchup, you know, it'll age this episode quite badly mm. it's a very difficult one for putting aside preconceived notions ideas the difficult thing as well is that this is someone we're talking about who is an on-screen character who thinks it's very different from his real life persona but the two seem very much in line and the same i will start things off by asking very simply joe who is vince mcmahon vince mcmahon is the owner and CEO of WWE. Okay, so that's World Wrestling Entertainment. That's the, that style of wrestling that is most popular, yeah. that is consumed the most. The most mainstream wrestling company in okay. the world. How important does Vince seem to you? Because like, you've been watching for a couple of years now. Like, How important has Vince seemed to you Like, just from watching WWE programming, like how he's put across and stuff? I'd say in the day-to-day -day current programming, he doesn't play a huge role. He mm. was in a small storyline quite recently involving like Shane and Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens like gave him a massive headbutt. Yeah. He was like, bleeding everywhere. <laughs> I think that's Teaches you all you to know about that, That's him Episode done <laughs> So that's like I think that's the, the most involvement He's had in like The last four years mm. I think in wrestling 
most of my familiarity with Vince comes from earlier eras of wrestling. Right. Like the Attitude Era, a lot of the stuff we covered for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. I know your podcast, the Attitude Era podcast, he's quite a key component to those storylines. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's as important as Darth Vader is to Star Wars. Right. That's, you know? that's a really apt analogy. Pretty much, like, you know. <laughs> So Started Vince, out good and pure, fell in a volcano and became corrupt and evil. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, except I didn't lose a hand, you know. Weak. Come on. Ridiculous. Weak. Losing hands are our enemy, JR. So what words would you use to describe Vince? Now, he has appeared kind of, he's been mentioned quite a lot on this podcast beforehand. And mm. I kind of, I resigned myself with the fact when we started How To Wrestling, that if we did Vince at the start, you would not want to continue doing this show. And that's true. I don't think I would. Even now like four years into being a wrestling fan i found this hard it was not fun to research this the way i hoped it would be right because it's interesting because he has like i kind of resign myself to that fact that we were gonna have to do him after a while yeah imagine if we'd done this as like the first oh Oh, my god no no more wrestling like for one i don't think we could have handled it at all (laughs) no just Jesus fucking I don't know if I'm ready now I feel I need another 10 years it's interesting because it is a a guy who even though I was like you know I thought all right, the problem with this is that we can't do it immediately but he's going to come up so often with Austin with Hogan with Piper like everyone who we've done Paul Heyman Shane McMahon keeps showing up (laughs) but even though he keeps showing up I still didn't feel like you knew who this guy was so I was wondering if you had some words you would use to describe Vince McMahon as he kind of has come across to you. I'd argue a genius. People often say, like, through gritted teeth. Yes. That's sort of like a Like a reluctant... Yeah. yeah. Oh, for fuck. He, yeah. He, he's... I'd say, I'd say he is a genius. Within a very particular type of genius. Where a large part of that geniusness... That's a word, for Geniusness. Geniusness. Now, that is opportunism as well. Right place, right time. Yes. And bravado. Calculated yes. risk. He's an innovator. Yeah. You've been very nice to him so far. Oh, wait. I'm starting off on the good words. Okay. And I figure I'll, I'm slowly softening everyone up for, for where I'm getting to. <laughs> With this. Yeah, everyone listening at the moment, like, Joe seems very uncharacteristically nice about this. Yeah, you know, that Vince McMahon reaction gif was like, genius, oh, a bit of, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He's going to start pulling his ear now. <laughs> doing, the, doing the backstroke. Like. I'd say hardworking. To a fault. Like, literally to, to a fault. To the point where it is, yeah, it's not even... I don't know if you could cause it that a, a compliment. Mm. I'm sure Vince would argue otherwise. And under normal circumstances, I would say hardworking <laughs> is a compliment. Yeah. But in this situation, I'm not sure if it is. I would also say he's an asshole. Mm. He's an opportunist. Mm. He's a megalomaniac. Oh, yeah. I'd say that probably fits him too. These are all things that I don't think he'd disagree with as well. Because like, if you're in business, you have to be an asshole. Yeah, that's Maybe the thing. Maybe I do have a bit of a megalomania. I don't think that anything I could say about Vince McMahon, he would like necessarily... Maybe he'd disagree with it, but I don't think he'd necessarily be offended by it. How about how about this? He's weird. He's Yeah, he's fucking weird. He's but a I don't weird think even dude. that he wouldn't be like... How dare you? 
He was like, yeah, you have to be weird. This is the WWE, the weird wrestling entertainment business. It's hard to try and sum him up and also to view him as being like these other people we've talked about because he is as big as a character and as, mo- as bombastic and egotistical, I think, as the likes of Hulk Hogan or, mm. or Steve Austin or whatnot. But at the same time as well, he also is not just focused on him out there as a performer as a character he has built up this this empire and ruled it with an iron fist at the expense of a lot of other people's hard work at times and also at the expense of a lot of the people's jobs and livelihoods but i do think that word that we use there weird is an important one because before we start talking about vincent man i do think it's important that we maybe bring up a few of these little weird tropes of vince that we're aware of so when we're talking about all the good and bad things that he has done we're aware that this is only in the most technical sense of the term a human being that we're dealing with here so joe have you like got some little bits snippets from research of vince mcmahon the perfectly normal totally not an alien dinosaur pretending to be a human human Mm. Obviously, Kevin does a lot of research for this show. He does all the the, the easy stuff, like the knowing the facts <laughs> and knowing <laughs> timelines and when things happened. You know, the stuff that's not really important in in a post-news world. Oh, I see. In. Yeah, we're in a post-news world now, making me redundant. I like that. Yeah. So I did my own much more important, valid research, and this is what I found. And this is all true, okay, everyone? This is all true. Multiply corroborated by several yeah. independent people. Or Vince McMahon himself. Both people who love and hate Vince have usually corroborated this stuff yeah. as well. So it's not just people like having a pop at him. No. Right. So first of all, Vince McMahon never sleeps. Sleep is our enemy, JR. Very famous quote that, Ugh. yeah. He uh, doesn't believe in sleep. He will often find himself just lying awake doing nothing. So he works instead. That happens constantly throughout like... Rest, like kind of wrestling lore, which what I'll be the term that I'm going to now use to describe a combination of bad autobiographies, shoot interviews, and DVD documentaries that have been made. But wrestling lore always comes up with the story of I got my phone, it was four in the morning, and Vince answered on the second ring. Yeah, is like boom, always fucking on. Like, yeah. you think kids are bad with their phones and their notifications? Can you imagine what Vince McMahon is like? He is looking for an excuse not to sleep. I would say. All the time. Mm. I don't know if he's ever taken a vacation. No, he doesn't seem to... I know the documentary we watched, even when he was, like, horribly injured, he managed to spend as little time off as is possible like and then some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just... I, I think he's got a bit of a phobia. About of sleep. Of sleep and of rest and of... Weakness. Yeah, I Any guess. Any sort of thing that can be perceived as you're not grabbing life by the throat and squeezing every last fucking drop actual quote he is he is offended by and i think to an extent scared of almost so okay the man doesn't sleep what else about this weird human he hates 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 people nodding that seems like such a normal thing i like i nod to reassure people yeah like if i didn't like I think if I was left to my own devices, I probably wouldn't nod that much. But I know, particularly from teaching as well, that if you nod, you're giving someone the cue. Like, yeah, go on. You, well, it's and good as what well, you're doing podcasting. I know you've got a background on radio. Yeah, it's yeah. actually like one of the most important parts is to like <laughs> non-verbally encourage people to continue speaking. My head's nodding like fucking 90. I'm Churchill on crack yeah, right at the moment. It's a good here, thing yeah. there's no webcam here because <laughs> we are both nodding all the time. To a hypocritical extent, yes. Yeah. But... <laughs> 
specifically for Vince is because he believes that when people are nodding a lot, it's just them agreeing with him for no reason. It's, he hates yes men. Yes, people who appear to be trying to placate him. Mm. Just to like, there's someone who I think is going to come up an awful lot of time as a good comparison for this type of very strange, very powerful man is going to be Donald Trump, I think. Oh, his, God. his close personal friend, business associate, and uh, his wife's boss, uh, Donald Trump. But that's one of the reasons why I think those two are quite different. Yes, absolutely. In that uh, Trump uh, uh, likes people to argue with each other and compliment him. Vince does like people to argue and what amongst themselves. Mm. He does agree with that whole kind of put in, like he put Paul Heyman into WWE writing team because he thought it would make Stephanie argue and bring out a side of her almost. But if you're seeming that you're a yes man and you're just going along with it, he fucking apparently, you're out the door like. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why writers turn over so much in WWE is that nervous writers try to placate Vince and be like, here's an idea. No, I fucking hate it. And they're like, oh, okay, how about this idea? Fuck you, you're fired. You should have fought for your idea instead. I admire that in a way. It's such a hostile work environment. It is. is, There's a right way and a wrong way to do that. I think you can do that to an extent and it'd be very beneficial. Mm. I will say there was a a podcast out there back in the day called Formerly Creative, where it was former since <gasps> fired writers from WWE basically it's like a support group for each other oh it was oh my god I think it's still up on iTunes I'm pretty sure it stopped a couple of years ago but just to get a sense of the fucking madhouse and how stressful it was mm. like you'd have things like writers are like shipped off to a 10 hour flight to go to Connecticut to meet with Vince for a very important storyline and his meeting runs long so it's sorry guys go back home 10 hour flight back and that's a Sunday you know oh. that type of shit so yeah all right, what's his next uh, weird trait? His next weird trait is uh, that he hates this. I think he hates this a lot more than he hates sleeping, mm. and a lot more than he hates people nodding. Probably combined. This one is all. This is the most off-sighted weird thing about Vince. I think that we yeah, have to say it's it's probably a very very key defining factor of who he is. Mm. He hates sneezing, and I don't mean. Just people sneezing. Like, obviously, it, no one likes being, like, around people who are sneezing. No, yeah, I mean, sneezing sucks. But it's... He hates himself sneezing, too. That's like, so Like, to weird. the point where it makes him miserable. Like, he will get almost depressed or furious if he himself finds himself needing to sneeze. I forget it was. I don't think it was one of Foley's books. Mick Foley's written a number of uh, autobiographies about his time in WWE and elsewhere. And there's one of them I remember where he was talking, and it was like had this really important thing that it was really it was literally aching at his heart like this thing about a storyline he just had to talk to Vince about it and like Vince was like not paying attention to him and then all of a sudden he sneezed and it's like fuck that's it the conversation's over like it's just like that's it you know it's it's kind of like someone like going to bed almost it's like oh we're not gonna be able to talk now because a sneeze happened Kurt Angle once said that he saw Vince sneeze on his own and catering literally like what the fuck like literally just like what what was that like (laughs) it's so interesting and weird because like I'm not weird, right? I I love sneezing. Oh, I fucking thank you. <laughs> oh god, every time I, I love I you. I love you. You know I love that. You. Just don't sneeze on me. No, but, but like separately, it feels good. I honestly, I love. I I will look across <laughs> and see someone do a huge bit. Like if as long as it's far away from me and they've done the vampire, the Bella Lugosi sneeze. Yeah, you've got to protect. It's protected. Yeah. Okay, I'll nod to a stranger on the train. Like nice one. Good one. Yeah. Was that, was that good? Yeah, oh, it looked good. In the same way that like, when you really need to pee before it gets mm. like uncomfortable levels of need to pee, when you pee, it's like, oh man, this is a <sighs> great time, you know? Yeah. 
So Vince, I automatically can't relate to him to an extent. No, th- that I find weirder than the fact that he doesn't sleep. Like, I know on paper, a man saying that he doesn't sleep is, like, weirdly unhuman and robotic, but him saying he hates sneezing is way weirder to me. Yeah, because you can see, I can see, I mean, if I could not sleep, I kind of, yeah, I mean, I do love a good sleep, don't get yeah. me wrong, but if I could, like, only sleep two days a week and not sleep the rest of the time, that would be pretty, mm, that'd I, be pretty I, sweet. I kind of like that, I might appreciate my sleep more. Okay, I'm going to say two words I think might resonate with Vince. Almost a, a yin to Vince's yan. If mm. the yan is the evil dark one, this is the yin. Chris Traeger from Parks and Recreation. Oh my god, Rob Lowe's character. Yeah, right? yeah, the yeah. The guy who loves working out and being really healthy. And when he gets sick, he like is fucked is, up. Yeah. Like all weird and depressed about it. Stop pooping, goddammit. I just, I can see Vince McMahon with a cold, furious I can't. Himself. I imagine if he had a cold, I imagine him just like working out like through sweat it out the, the sweat virus, out like. the illness <laughs> and it's so weird as well the, specifically the sneezing because like I like I said I like sneezing mm. so I can't relate to that but like I have all the things to do with illness to dislike that's why, the only good one yeah why would you not dislike coughing coughing yeah. is fucking awful and it's it hurts, gross and it's it gross. hurts it's the worst mm. why why would that be less it's one of the few involuntary pleasurable things that your body does. Yeah. You know, that and farts, you know. <laughs> well, Vince, that, okay, that takes me on to the next fact. Okay. okay. Vince McMahon fucking loves toilet humour. Oh, yes, he does. Farts, piss, jokes about shit. He fucking loves all of them. That will explain why that has happened a lot. On, like, Vince McMahon, the character on TV, has been doused in piss and shit and he's pissed himself and he's pissed himself don't think he shit himself at least not not he made a bit of shoot he shot himself once or twice in a match what about other wrestlers who have shit themselves how did he react to that if Vince found out about a wrestler pooping himself because Tommy Dreamer once shot himself when he got slammed by Mark Henry yeah was that the one where the ref had to like pick it up oh no that was CM Punk oh uh, yeah so that's a different thing oh allegedly Allegedly, I might add to, okay, to that. Okay. Allegedly, it was a poop. The, the jury's still out in there. It was very dark, the poop, but also he was very sick at the time. So we know once that sickness is in there, you know, your coloration chart's out the window, pal. So mm, that's and true. That's true. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. I will say it, you're, that's kind of a nice, like, fun, jovial. Hey, Vince likes toilet humor. Mm. Like, I, I, I love all those things. I think all those things are hilarious. Mm. But Vince has got a mean side to his humor as well. Vince also finds uh, stuttering uh, and speech oh, impediments God, to be very yeah. funny. He has constantly made jokes about Jim Ross's Bell's palsy he's made on air before. He thinks it's very funny to do a lot of very low-brow things. There are segments in poor taste that we have talked about before. Katie Vick as oh, a pre-chief. Oh no, I'd repressed that. And like Vince, like we watched the McMahon documentary, which is what WWE did, which is something they're so proud of. It's not available on the network anymore. <laughs> uh, thanks, Patty, for getting me for that for Christmas back in 2006. But yeah, in case you're wondering of the one person out there who found the Katie Vick angle to be enjoyable, it what, it's in the notes you took. Yeah, you got it? <laughs> it's not quite about toilet humour. Oh God, fucking hell. The full quote is, fucking hell, this is so hard to say. Can you say it? Do you want to say it in a Vince voice? I can try, but okay. I might make myself laugh too hard. Okay, if you want me to do it in a Vince voice, I'm, I'm happy to try as well. Okay, because I'm worried I will just laugh too much. There you go. 
Okay, as well as if anyone's going to call us, I'm like, oh, I can't believe you watched the, the McMahon documentary. Right? It's the same way I go to the Daily Mail website once a week, just to see what the other side's up to, you know? you got to get both sides of your story. What actually happened, and then the other side of the story. Also, I must <laughs> say, with this documentary, like you would think, considering it's an in-house, WWE-made documentary, it would be like really super biased, and to an extent, it definitely is, but... Because it's made in 2006, it's before a lot of the industry had a kind of awakening. Yes. So they're proud of things that they really shouldn't be. It really is. like It's hard, It's a hard one to pass out a recommendation for because I'm pretty sure that the DVD is out of print. It's not on the network. So I don't know what to tell you. It's I know like Adam like I, I told me watched it recently. He was like, what? I've been looking for that for fucking ages. It's really interesting because it's pre the Benoit scandal and pre PG and pre a lot of things. So, yeah, a much different tune. So, on that note, Vince McMahon regarding Triple H simulating necrophilia. When you're kind of making love to a dead person in a thong-like tit... <laughs> Shit. See? You're it's, laughing. It's hard. It's hard. You know, when you're making love to a, a dead person in this, like, thong-like thing, that's high comedy. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I exercise my right to free speech, and quite frankly, I believe I did that quite eloquently. Quite eloquently are two oh. words that do not enter into anyone's mind. Folks, if you've not checked our episode on Kane, there's a video about Katie Vick on our Facebook page. It is not high comedy. It's not even comedy. It's comedy that you may have done when you were high, but it's not <laughs> high comedy, okay? <laughs> it's a difference. I thought it was really interesting on this how because they interview a lot of different people from WWE they have uh, Stephanie they have Shane they have Stone Cold Linda's there Linda's there they have JBL fucking so fucking what about you fucking kidding me about you don't like yes men JBL's there basically <laughs> sucking his anus JBL can't be yes man because he can't actually say yes because his head is so far up his ass if he says the word <laughs> yes you'll get a lower intestine in his mouth Vince can't see JBL nodding to him all the time <laughs> because every time JBL nods his head is so far up Vince's own ass Vince is nodding along with him he just thinks that JBL's a really expensive bidet he just needs to realise <laughs> that he was an announcer all those years but with regards to Casey Vick they interview Triple H and he is like probably one of the best people in terms of like standing up to Vince. Him and this. him and Shane, I think, are the two who kind of like yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, what he's done there, yeah. and Shane, I can kind of expect because Shane's Vince's son, so he gets a bit more probably mm. leeway in that regard. But Triple H is very <laughs> clear that he didn't really get the Katie Vick thing, mm. and he was cool to go along with it. Yeah, but he was cool to go along with it. And it was so funny watching the documentary and the timing of this. Mm. And it's so close to him marrying Stephanie. You said back in our Kane episode that you thought that yeah. Vince did it as like, a, let's a see if you, if you love my daughter. And At the time I said it's a joke. I 100% <laughs> believe that to be true. So if I want to marry you, does that mean I'm going to have to like get it on in a thong type thing with a corpse simulated necrophilia to please my dad is your dad how like Vince McMahon is your dad about as opposite to Vince McMahon as you can get awesome that's great I picked the right family to marry into back on to uh, Vince quirks then regarding food mm. Vince eats a lot of steak wraps okay now steak wrap you might think oh has that got like like it's kind of like salad and some different things mixed up with lovely kind of charbroiled meat and a nice mm. kind of no 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 the steak wrap it is a plain tortilla wholemeal tortilla 
Because I think that's the only fibre he gets in his diet. <laughs> a wholemeal tortilla with cut-up steak. I think it's really well done, the steak. Oh, I him even... and Trump need to fuck yeah, off with that. It's either really bloody or really well done. It's one of those. Gross. Both make sense in a weird kind mm-hmm. of animal way. Ketchup, and then it's wrapped up. Plain. And if it has anything else on it, he will not eat it. I remember you telling me ages ago that Vince McMahon had been eating these basically one a day for like his whole life. And some one time someone came up to him and was like, oh man, I really, hey, you really like your burritos. And Vince was like, what's a burrito? And he hadn't he heard even, it. he didn't know what it was. There was an angle they were doing with, uh, I forget who it was, it was an angle they were doing with like Big Show and Eddie Guerrero involving like food that was being stolen. And someone was like, oh yeah, you should like put, put like, you know, drug the burrito or something like that. Like Eddie was going to drug this burrito. And Vince is like, a burrito? Like, what? And it's like, yeah, it's really... And Vince couldn't buy it that it was a pop... Like, he accepted it was a food stuff, but he didn't think it was popular enough that you could have it on TV because he thought people would think it was weird. That's so strange. (laughs) He has, like, no knowledge of what is popular outside of, like, very Western, I think, standards. Because I remember reading a weird fucking racist interview with him and JR. Oh, right. JR mentioning about having Gail Kim on the show. Right. And Vince McMahon being like, Asian women? What the fuck? No one will ever watch that. And JR being like, well, actually, lots of people would love to watch Asian women on TV. And then he gets a bit gross and he's like, oh, there's Asian porn sites and things. It's a bit unnecessary thing to say. But Vince is like, no, no way. There's really? no chance anyone would watch that. He's like, I would say it extends. Like, you might be giving him too much credit saying that, like, you know, Western culture is what <laughs> he's into. Vince is notorious for not even have not even having his hand on the, the, the pulse, not even having a hand to put on a pulse. <laughs> like just being in another room where there are no people on his own <laughs> eating a steak wrap, laughing at piss. He was proposed that Metallica play like SummerSlam ninety four and he was like, never heard of him. And this is like literally the wow, height of Metallica. Yeah. There's been, so, and like, I remember like WrestleMania 19, and we'll actually talk about a match on that later on. Heyman was one of the head creative guys. 2003, System of a Down, Toxicity, literally the hottest fucking yeah. thing going. Heyman was like, I've got connections. I know someone who knows someone. We can get System of a Down. And what? Vince is like, come on, we got Limp Biscuit, pal. Oh my God. So. He doesn't know, like, he knows the people who are brought in who get reactions from the crowds, and he, he likes that. That's why he got the likes of Kid Rock and whatnot will come on. But Vince is really, when they did this whole angle for like two years of having guest hosts who would come on, people like who are celebrities and stuff, and it really showed how bad Vince was at like knowing what was going on outside. Because Vince still thinks, you know, America is like, Kind of like the 80s. Like, <laughs> the, the wrestling circuit in the 80s specifically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, what do you mean the kids don't watch ALF? What the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean? Get Harry into Henderson's for Raw next week. We're going to do a big angle, pal. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely not uh, not in tune with the outside world as it pertains to both food and all media outside of his own wrestling company. Another thing Vince hates... I don't know where I even heard this one from. I don't know if you have any further information about this, Kevin. Yeah. He hates poetry. I've never heard that, but it makes total sense. Makes total sense. 
And the opposite of end of that, we've got a lot of things here that he hates. Hates nodding, hates yeah. sneezing. Poetry, I thought Vince would hate any sort of literature that wasn't instructions to do something. Yeah. Like to get steak wraps or to, <laughs> to build a furniture or something like that. It doesn't seem like Vince would sit down or curl up like, with a good book. what's the point? Yeah, I don't understand. Because you know this pertains to Vince doesn't even watch other wrestling. Really? You know, when, this is one of the saddest things I remember like we read in Mick Foley's book how he came into WWF in like 95 or 96 with a lot of buzz from ECW, all the kind of promos and stuff that he had done. And like JR and all the people who hired him, they're like, oh man, this stuff is amazing and all that. And then Foley's like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Vince about my character. I mean, what did he think of those promos I was doing? They're like, oh, he, he's not seen literally a single thing you've ever done. Wow. Being, he'd been arrested for like 10 years at that point. Fucking hell. And, but Vince, that's an important thing about Vince, thing, and maybe not a quirk, but an important thing, Vince always has his little inner circle. Mm. There's a few names that'll pop up over and over again throughout coming episodes of Vince's trusted group. Mm. And in terms of the people Vince trusts the most, you got Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, Kevin Dunn, the longtime director and producer of WWF and noted millionaire. Back in the past, it would have been Pat Patterson, former wrestler, who was his kind of creative guy, viewed to be one of the best creative people ever in wrestling. Gerald Briscoe, again, another former wrestler who Vince trusted a lot. A lot of the people who worked with his dad, Vince held on to in the 80s, is kind of a very close circle, people like Lou Albano. So Vince has always had his guys who he trusts to tell him everything, pretty much. Mm. So Vince hasn't got time to watch wrestling and shit like that. He doesn't even have time to watch, like, media, generally. There was an instance of a character with Vince, yes, where, like, Vince's lack of knowledge of mainstream media extends to I know it's hard to believe folks even Hollywood classic actor John Depp is not immune from Vince McMahon's ignorance there was a character by paid by the wrestler Paul Burchill who came out one week he's like I've discovered I've got pirate ancestry next week he comes out it's 2006 straight up Johnny Depp fucking Pirates of the Caribbean Captain Jack Johnny Depp there he is now with his eyeliner and his fucking fluffy hat and everything and Vince loved it then Vince saw Pirates of the Caribbean on a, on a plane the character was dropped wow he didn't know you know and it's funny because there's a lot of other characters like there is a character called Simon Dean which is basically just Ben Stiller's character from Dodgeball and if Vince ever saw Dodgeball that character would have been dropped but there's a lot of characters that got pitched to Vince by you know you're a 20 something year old writer what are you going to pitch Vince something he's probably not heard of that you've just taken from pop culture it's why a lot of pop culture gets kind of regurgitated in a bastardized form in WWE sometimes because Vince doesn't know. Jesus. <laughs> it's why the New Day half the time are doing like jokes for the Chappelle show and stuff like that because Vince doesn't know. If he knew it, he'd probably say don't do it. But he doesn't, so they do it. <laughs> wow. So yeah, a lot of things that Vince hates. Hates sleep, hates people nodding, hates uh, sneezing, hates poetry, loves snow cones. Really? Yeah, loves them. It's like favourite thing. That's I always that always humanizes someone. You know what their treat is. There's like a couple of elements to Vince that kind of almost almost offset the weird alien robot. Like mm. the fact that yeah, he loves snow cones and he loves like toilet humor. They're like universal relatable quirks. I think. I I, I could sit down with Vince, eat a snow cone, watch a fart compilation on YouTube. Hell yeah, that yeah. would be a probably a laugh of for some an sort. hour. For, yeah. yeah, maybe fifteen minutes. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then. Final Vince Quirk, he loves to sing his own entrance music while wandering the WWE headquarters. I love to sing his entrance music as well mm. while wandering how to wrestling headquarters, aka Orhouse. Yes. <laughs> 
I really like the idea of being like a new wrestler in WWE, really intimidated, and you see Vince coming down the corridor. Here he comes, the CEO, and he's going, no chance, no <laughs> chance, with his big walk. And be like, oh. Do you know what Vince McMahon's favourite thing in the world is? Above all else, absolute favourite thing. Above farts. Above farts. The funniest, most, not just funny, because it, it brings him joy. Well, is it even more than watching that man make himself sick? Yes. Pushing people into a swimming pool. Really? Yes. Oh, well, that's... I don't... I mean... There's all these instances, like back in the day, the way they used to write the show, before the company had a big staff of writers, the people involved, people like Jim Cornette, Vince Russo, Jim Ross, they'd all come to the house, Vince's house, they'd sit around his dinner table, go out to the pool, and they'd write the show, and they'd book it. And almost invariably, Vince would push someone in the pool. Wow. And Vince has, like, there's a, so there's a promo, there's an interview with Vince somewhere where he's asked, why do you like it so much? And li- his eyes close in ecstasy. It's like, when you push someone and they're mid-air, and for that split second, they're like, wait a minute, what am I doing up here? Hang on. And then they fall in the fucking water and they get wet. And it's so, oh my gosh. He loves it. He thinks it's the funniest thing. It's high, That's high comedy for Vince McMahon. How many times do you think he's masturbated to that thought? I don't know, because it's such a joyous thing. You know, it could be almost too joyous, too pure. Mm. Oh, it says bonus points if they're fully clothed as well. Yeah. Can you imagine how many times those fucking people who have to come over like, have to write the show and fucking get dunked in a pool, like, by your boss? <laughs> I must admit, I think seeing Vince McMahon get pushed into a pool would be very funny. There is actually, a, I think, a photo floating around of him being pushed into a pool as well. And he's oh, like, ah, oh, you motherfuckers, you know. Having a whale of a time. Joe, I'm a bit worried because this is our section to try and humanise Vince McMahon and now it's kind of like, funny, weird, odd, definitely not human man. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's maybe us trying to humanise Vince to an extent. I don't think we were very successful, but neither as it may, we have a lot to get through. We are going to talk about Vince the person first, the promoter, his upbringing, and then we'll get into Vince the character, some of the kind of on-screen things with Vince, and we'll get into some matches in the tail end. So I do want to kind of frame this as one thing that's most important. You're going to hear a lot of stuff about Vince in this episode. A lot of it will be shocking. A lot of it will be bad. Some of it will be good. You know, there are going to be things that are entertaining from a wrestling point of view and troubling from a not wrestling point of view. But I think it's worth mentioning this. Vince McMahon, if there is one person you can point to to being solely responsible or having the lion's share of responsibility for wrestling as it exists now in this form, how you consume it, even outside of WWE, it is this man. He is the person who is responsible for modern professional wrestling or sports entertainment, you may call it, through gritted teeth. And I will say that extends to even smaller companies who are trying so hard to distance themselves from that brand of wrestling that they try to just do what Vince does, but different. That is the extent of his influence. And I think a lot of companies now, when you look at them, there's so many things from WWE, from the way that it is shot, to the way it's promoted, to the way angles play out, the format of the big pay-per-view that we all build to, even though we're living in an age where pay-per-view is not a way to make money, it's all down to Vince. And even still, how all these small companies are now trying to set up their own version of the WWE Network. Again, people seem to follow suit what this man does in wrestling, for good or for bad. But we're gonna talk now about his upbringing. And 
We watched that documentary, Joe, and I think we got maybe a sentence or two about it. Mm, if that. I grew up in a trailer park. My dad was Vince McMahon Sr., the promoter, and he was great. Then Vince became an announcer at the age of 27. <laughs> I, I, I think we should compare him here to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Okay. Because Jesus, similarly, was born. Mm-hmm. Then you hear nothing from him <laughs> for about 25 years. Yeah, and then he's wrecking up temples. And um, Yeah, then he's uh, kicking banks around. Yeah, I mean, Vince is very private about his upbringing and his past. There is one instance of him talking candidly about it. It's a Playboy interview. I will read it in a That's moment. That's fucking as Vince as you can get. Of yeah. course, the only place he really feels it safe enough to open up is Playboy. The most open I've ever seen Vince is an interview from Playboy in 2001. Go out of your way to try and find it, folks. Like, honestly, I know you all read Playboy for their articles anyway, but this one is actually particularly good. Vince, his father is Vince McMahon Sr. And his father before him, Vince Sr.'s dad, was a promoter at Madison Square Garden, promoted boxing and some wrestling. Vince's dad, Vince Sr., was a promoter of boxing and wrestling in New York City. Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena in the world, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the WWWF, which was one of many territories that existed back then. If you want to learn a little bit more about the territory system, we did a potted history in our very first episode, so do go back and check that out, folks, for more info on that. But it was the simple case of he was his father's son and that was it. Uh, Vince's parents actually got divorced when he was 12 years old and Vince went to live with his mother. Vince's relationship with his mother is shrouded in a lot of secrecy to an extent. Vince's mother actually lived to ripe old age of 90-something. Really? Yes. You know in The Simpsons when you find out that Mr. Burns' mother is still alive? Yes. Yeah, and how he doesn't like talking to her but is quite protective and secretive about her? Pretty much that. All you need to know about Vince's upbringing, and I think it's important that it's framed in this, so much what we talk about about Vince's relationship with wrestlers, and this has come up in a few episodes in the past, and it will come up with episodes in the future. Wrestling seems to be built around, in WWE, a persistent, strange father-son relationship Mm. that Vince always seems to have with performers. How many wrestlers when you're seeing WWE 24 who've come back after a while Kurt Angle Goldberg you know, Steve Austin Hulk Hogan whoever it is always talk about how they have a father-son relationship with Vince he's like my dad yeah seems so innocent at the time but it is a power dynamic that's there mm. I think Vince's upbringing sheds a lot of light on that I'm gonna read you a few quotes from the Playboy article so you can hear it in his own words about his upbringing regarding his mother now he's brought up in a trailer park in Manly, North Carolina. Right. Dirt poor. Yeah. As in, like, Vince came from absolute nothing. So I have a question about that then. Yeah. How is that the case when his dad is this really successful... I assumed I assumed he was very successful. Oh, his dad was a very successful promoter. Yeah. yeah, so how come Vince was so poor? Because Vince lived with his mother the whole time. And I'm not sure the circumstances of it. I've never been able to find out a lot more. But all I know is that Vince and his dad did not interact until Vince went to work for him when he was in his early 20s. So I'm immediately wondering, what, did Vince's dad not pay child support? You're talking about what, like, there's no day in my mind there was probably some dirty shit going on with the promotions and stuff back then. I mean, you're talking about wrestling before people knew it was fixed. Mm. You're talking about, you know, the the mob in New York and all that stuff. I mean, I don't know, I have nothing to back that up, but I mean, they were dirt poor, though. Or they were, maybe they were getting money and they weren't spending it on Vince and themselves. But Vince grew up with nothing. He did not grow up... 
his father's son. Yeah, because that's like kind of what I assumed. That's how I, they put it across. Yeah, because you hear, you know, he's, he's Vince McMahon, son of Vince Senior, yeah. who is massively successful mm-hmm. promoter, huge name in the wrestling industry. And when you see Vince McMahon on commentary, you know, he looks like a smart, well-dressed young... Yeah dapper lad who looks like he could have gone to a fancy New York university. Oh, yeah. he, he he doesn't look like he's, you know, he doesn't carry himself as someone who's come from from nothing. Like he very much has the uh the trappings of luxury. Like he looks like a a well-to-do man all most of the time. Yeah. He will mention now and then how he considers himself a redneck. Yeah, like. which is really interesting because I thought he grew up in New York. No, he grew up in North Carolina. Oh, right, is, okay. Yeah. So North Carolina, forgive me, everyone listening, my knowledge of American geography is very weak. So North and Carolina is where? <laughs> it would be to the southern part of America, pretty much. Right, I see. So like Ric Flair's from North Carolina, okay. Charlotte's North Carolina, that kind of... It was, you know... Self-styled rednecks is what Vince would refer to himself as. Trailer trash is what he's referred to himself as as well at points. So he said he's always he always got the Stone Cold Steve Austin character because of that. There was abuse in his childhood. There's no way to, to, to get around that. And Vince has not spoken at length about it, but what he has said, we'll talk through now. Regarding his mother, he's always spoken of her in quite high terms. He refers to his mother in the interview as being a real performer, like a female Elmer Gantry. That was a character in a famous movie like kind of like a you know the episode of Trail Park Boys where they go selling Bibles and it's like a scam mm. yeah it's pretty much that as a movie like this small town these Bible scam people come around so she was a confident woman she was sung in the choir had an excellent voice she was very striking he said he lived with her and his real asshole of a stepfather a man who enjoyed kicking people around Jeez. a gentleman by the name of Leo Lupton Leo Lupton, and this is a quote from Vince, it's unfortunate that he died before I could kill him. I would have enjoyed that. Not that he didn't have some real redeeming qualities. He was an athlete, great in any sport, which I admired. I remember watching the Jackie Gleason show with him. We used to laugh a lot at Jackie Gleason. And the interviewer comes back. Lupton was an electrician. He hit you with his tools, didn't he? A pipe wrench. Vince, sure. Fucking hell. Uh, interviewer, he hit your brother as well too? No, I was the only one of the kids who would speak up, and that's what provoked the attacks. You'd think that after being on the receiving end of numerous attacks I would wise up, but I couldn't. I refused to. I felt I should say something, even though I knew what the result would be. You fought with him when he hit your mother. Absolutely. First time I remember, I was six years old. The slightest provocation would set him off, but I lived through it. And the interviewer says it, and I agree as well. That's an awful way to learn how a man behaves. Fucking hell, six years old. Jesus. Uh, continues. Vince, I learned how not to be a man. One thing I loathe is a man who would strike a woman. There's never an excuse for that. The interviewer. Eventually, you escape from your stepfather. Vince, by the time I was 14, I was on my own. I was pretty much a man, physically at least. In other ways, I'm still becoming a man. Interviewer, was the abuse all physical or was there sexual abuse too? Vince, that's not something I would like to embellish just because it was weird. Interviewer, did it come from the same man? Vince, no it wasn't. It wasn't from the male. Interviewer, that's so mysterious it sounds like a difficult thing for a kid to deal with. Vince, you know I'm not big on excuses. When I hear people from the projects or anywhere else blame their actions on how they grew up, I think it's a crock of shit. You can rise above it. This country gives you opportunity if you want to take it, so don't blame your environment. I look down on people who use their environment as a crutch. Interviewer, surely it must shape a person, though. 
No doubt, I don't think we escape our experiences. Things you may think you've pushed to the recesses of our minds, they'll surface at the most inopportune time, when you least expect it. We can use those things, turn them into positives, change for the better, but they tend to resurface. We can leave this topic, but one thing first. You said that the sexual abuse in your childhood wasn't from the male. It's well known you're estranged from your mother. Have we found the reason? Vince McMahon pauses and nods. Without saying that, I'd say it's pretty damn close. That's something that I think, and I'm not using this please as an excuse by any means for any of the many things we'll talk about with Vince in regards to his own abuse that is alleged to have happened on other people, Mm -hmm. the way he conducts his business. But I do think it explains a lot. This very strange thing. I might be getting a bit too deep here, folks. Fast forward five minutes, I'll be back to normal. But when you look at the likes of Piper, Austin Hogan, everyone who's coming into wrestling, always seeming to have some sort of fucking daddy issue. And Vince McMahon is there to play the role of father figure. So many people, even people like Daniel Bryan, who had a lovely relationship with his father, still would write in his book about how Vince has that. His relationship with you is so personal and so mentor-like. It is like a father-son relationship. Mm. People are drawn to that in wrestling, I think. And whether Vince knowingly knew that or not, it has definitely been used to his advantage, I think. Oh, God, that is fucking rough to hear. Had you heard that before? All I had heard is that he had suffered abuse as a child, and Mm. that is it. I heard he had a stepdad, so I... Obviously, you make assumptions. Yeah. I mean, I I had heard as well that there was abuse, and I heard that he had been abused by his mother. But I went back and I dug out that interview, and it's like, he got fucking abused from six years old with a fucking, like, electrician's tools... Like, everyone always talks, Vince McMahon, he's been fighting his whole life. He's a fighter. You know, he doesn't take anything lying down, doesn't take no for an answer. Like, talk about fucking circumstances that mold you into, like, all those things about him. That fucking singular tunnel vision, everything about Vince seems to... A part of it you can explain, it seems, a lot of Vince with, with this. Being sexually abused by a family member? By your own mother, like, Jesus Christ. It's gonna wreck any founding information you have on what to on what you think love is. It's mm. immediately if you're suffering from that from as a child. You can't pull those two apart then, can you? There's always gonna be like the way he says it there, the way at the most inopportune time you think you've gotten rid of it, you've pushed it down and it comes back up. It's literally just PTSD what That's you're saying. Pretty it's, much, yeah. Yeah, he's reliving trauma. And yeah, to, to go through that during your formative years when you're trying to work out what a family is and what love is and what, what parents are and you've just, you've lost your dad, you've got this new father figure. And also as well, like, how much of that in terms of framing the mind of I want to be the fucking success, I want to be that guy. You grow up in a fucking, this, you know, your dad, your actual biological father is this fucking high-flying promoter flipping his quarters, fucking Madison Square Garden Hall of Fame and you're in a fucking trailer park with your stepfather who's beating you and your mother who's abusing you. You know, it's... It's clear to see where the ambition would come from. Oh my God, absolutely. Because, like, what else would there be to do other than to, like, to escape from those from that hell that he was living yeah. through. I mean, that's that's like such an obvious escape is to think about one day I will be, I'll be a grown up. The best I'll, revenge. Yeah, I'll be big and strong. I will fight back. I'll be successful like my dad. He's literally like, he's a poster child for uh, like, you know, 
broken masculinity in many sense. Toxic masculinity, absolutely. You know? And I was thinking that when we were saying about how he doesn't sleep. I was thinking, oh, that's quite a toxic masculinity thing to think, is that sleep is weakness and that being ill is weakness and all this. Mm. Suddenly very, very clear. And you hear stories as well. Like, I mean, we're, we're going to dip around here and there because so many times where like stuff like illustrates other points that we're, and when we're going through. But, you know, you hear the story of when Vince blew out both of his quadricep muscles. There's a famous clip at the Royal Rumble. Mm. Vince was meant to come out and restart a match, which is a messed up finish. He runs to the ring. He hadn't been warmed up. He tore both of his quad muscles pretty much. Yeah. And like he went, so he tore one of them. He went backstage. He's like, sit down, we'll get an ambulance. He's like, no, God damn it. And he stood up and he tore the other one. And like, he literally was like crawling on his fucking hands and knees. He wouldn't take no for an yeah. answer. They're like, you need to go to hospital. He's like, no, I don't. I'm fine. And I don't want to be the person where it's like, Vince is like, oh, I better act real tough. Otherwise people are going to know that I'm you know, all broken. He it's just, not that. No. It's that he knows he is tough. Yeah. When you fucking lived through what he's lived through, of course, he's fucking tough as nails. And what happens that young as well, I don't think you can even recognize that in yourself. It's just, that's how he's wired. Yeah. That's Vince. If that's your experience and that's who you've become as a result of your entire upbringing, Mm. the whole sexual abuse from his mom, again, I I don't want to make out that I'm excusing any of his future behavior. And also as well, we will bear in mind, this is like a fucking shred. This is Vince McMahon nodding silently in an interview 17 years ago. That's all we have to go on, folks. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation here. Yeah. But his relationship to his own family as well, I think, adds a bit of kind of clarity to that. Mm. We'll touch on it later, but Vince does not have what most people would consider to be a healthy relationship with his kids. No. In some ways. In some respects, it's quite strange, yeah. He is very loving as a father. Definitely loves his kids. I don't think anyone would ever argue that he doesn't. And his wife too, Linda, as well. He definitely, he loves his family very much. It's one of the most important things to him. But yeah, as as we'll talk soon, he maybe doesn't process that love in a healthy way. Yeah. With some of the angles to do with Stephanie and and Shane and Linda and It makes it difficult when you look at those angles and he's kinda of like, oh it's just a bit of fun doing French entertainment. Like, yeah. yeah why, why does your mind go there? And also his treatment of women. Mm. When your relationship with women is uh, formed on abuse, yeah, it's it's gonna mess you up. I think so. It it, it definitely goes a long way again to explain, maybe not excuse me, to explain a lot of his behaviour and also his kind of his his seemingly his viewpoints on a lot of those, those things you've touched on there. So I have a quick question then. Yeah. Massively assuming here, mm-hmm. I may be totally wrong, mm-hmm. but would it be fair of me to assume he didn't ever get therapy for this? I would be very surprised if he did. That's such a shame. That is... Yeah, I'm I, not surprised. I don't think that's something that's relegated to Vince McMahon. Honestly, my kind of viewpoint where I hold on to in terms of a damaged figure who feels named to, to, to be powerful at the time, Tony Soprano's a name I think I might invoke a few times here. In terms of, I think Vince McMahon would have the same difficulty explaining to his peers going to therapy and be embarrassed about that as a sign of weakness in the same way Tony Soprano has. Even though, like Tony, he's had a fucked up upbringing and has a lot of shit to deal through. So, I don't know if there's a Dr. Jennifer Melfi out there for Vince McMahon. That's, um... Maybe it's his hairdresser, he chats with them, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's really sad. It's really sad. Mm. So, Vince went off on his own. Uh, There's kind of like a a period where he's 
kind of unaccounted for. I know he went to like, military school. He became a traveling salesman very briefly as well. All, I mean, Vince McMahon is a Willie Loman type figure. There's a HBO series in itself there, folks. But Vince arrived at the WWF around the age of 24. I uh, started working with his dad, just doing like odd jobs here and there. Always looks up to his dad. Oftentimes when he talks about his dad in interviews and DVDs and stuff, he's been moved to tears more often than not when he's talked about him. I'm not surprised. Um, and some people have different viewpoints on his dad. Because his dad was a promoter of a territory, people feel that Vince betrayed his dad by his expansion. Mm. Vince started off as an announcer, filling in for someone who was sick, and before you know it, he bought the company from his dad. <laughs> told his dad, you know what, I'll keep... There's a couple of commitments he made. He's like, I'll keep certain people around... Like, Vince's dad's top star was Bruno Sammartino. He, like, sold at the Garden, like, record-breaking sellouts by drawing that crowd from Bruno Sammartino. That was his dad's top star. Andre was another star that his dad used. I want to keep around some of the stars. I want to keep around the inner circle. Some who I mentioned earlier before, people like Captain Lou and uh, Chief J Strongbow. Almost to a detriment, people felt they were kept around just to kind of appease the, the existing power structure. And he wasn't to compete. Because he was one territory, New York. You do New York, you run Madison Square Garden, Bruno can be there, you're part of the NWA, this National Wrestling Alliance. Which, when we look back on it, it seems very much like a co-op at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, they really had the uh, cooperative values down yeah. from uh, quite an early time. Yeah. We, all, we all have shared values, we yeah. don't compete with each other, we help each other out by trading talent here and there. <laughs> And as Paul Heyman so beautifully put it in that great shoot promo we talked about back in our How To Heyman episode, and when your father died, what did you do? You competed! And Vince had a plan. He thought that wrestling could be national. It could be global. That's a big thing to think in 1981 when wrestling was relegated still very much to local news, local stars, local papers. And the one thing you couldn't get for wrestling back in the day and the reason why it was always local is because you couldn't get advertisers. No one's going to advertise your show. You couldn't get primetime television. So Why, why was... Because I know that's, that's mentioned quite a lot on the documentaries. Yeah. Vince says how one of the main things that gave him success was that everyone said he couldn't get advertisers and he did. That is the main... That's the absolute number I mean, one thing. It's the only reason it worked, really. Yeah. Because without advertisers, you've got no money. Without money, you can't fund the expansion. Vince's father would have paged the local affiliates to run his wrestling show. They, they viewed TV as... I pay you three grand, you run my show, that means at the end I can advertise tickets to the MSG show and I'll get a good house and I make my money there. Vince was more like, I'll I'll put on my TV show, you'll pay me because it's a great TV show and there'll be advertisers there and yeah. you'll make money as the TV station and I'll also advertise our shows and we'll make money there and also we'll sell merchandise. Yeah, like thinking about that now, because like that, that strategy is almost like a, a key component of like, what you'd consider like digital marketing <laughs> like content marketing yeah. is, is very similar to that very early method of, of gaining advertisers mm. of, of thinking about advertising almost mirrored it was about the image that's how vince was able to do it because if you ever look at any of the older kind of 80s wrestling that we've watched you know the, the kind of the rick flair type type of era and it's bloody faces gouged eyes fucking bloodstained mats, dingy lit arenas, men smoking cigarettes in the front row. It was college students and men who would go to wrestling shows. That was kind of it. And maybe you get some kind of, some groups of ladies who come to see Ric Flair, you know? But Vince said, wrestling is staged. It's entertainment. It's a show. 
and it's family entertainment. You're not going to see blood on my show. You're not going to see violence. It's going to be like watching, you know, a family show. And people are like, oh, it's cartoon wrestling. And Vince is like, yeah, sure, whatever. It is. Also, we've made a cartoon about our wrestlers. Go watch it and buy our shit. What I find really funny about that is that he's basically saying that he stopped all the, the, the non-PG, the blood, the violence, yeah. the all of that to make it PG. Yeah. But then he brings it all back again yeah. and makes it again for teenage boys and young men. It's so strange because like, we, we've we talked about how Vince hasn't got his finger on the pulse. Mm. But one thing Vince is probably better at and like he doesn't know about pop culture but he knows the national mood. And if you think of like 1984, you're talking about Reagan's America where you're talking about this kind of a little bit of a wholesome image of pride of America again. And no, we don't want to do, to do the kind of all the protests and the violence from the 60s and the 70s. It's kind of family time now. It's 80s America. And he just, he he had what people wanted. People wanted to go to a show with their kids. Because like, if you were someone who grew up watching Bruno in the garden, you're 30 or 40 now. You've got kids. You want to mm-hmm. take them to see wrestling. But maybe you don't want to go take them to see someone get their eyes pulled out or, you know, a spike driven into their forehead or yeah. have Abdullah the Butcher run a fork across someone's backside. Mm. You want to see Hulk Hogan point at things and wave the American flag and tell your kids to say their prayers and take their vitamins and respect their parents. He had what they wanted. The late 90s, you know. Those kids had grown up. They'd become teen boys, apparently, all of them. And everyone (laughs) realised that they loved masturbating. And Vince McMahon was more than happy to cater to that very male, very teen boy demographic. Young adults. It is so weird, though, that he, he changed it from being all about four men to being for families, to yeah. taking it right back for men again. The reason that was is because as much success as Vince had in the 80s, we talked a bit about this in a WrestleMania episode, huge success with the early WrestleManias, up to WrestleMania 4 or 5, really big, you know, he pioneered pay-per-view as well, folks. Merchandise is another thing. All these things alongside the advertising made it incredibly successful, but it started to get a bit stale then in the mid-90s because... Oh, Hulk Hogan again, mm. and Hogan wants to do other things. The stars are getting old. People aren't watching as much, and it was stale. And the reason the Attitude Era came along is because Vince needed to, to shake things up because his brand was cartoonish. At the point where it was getting crappy and cartoony in WWF, you had WCW who were doing edgy stuff with the New World Order mm. and spray painting. And also in Philadelphia, ECW were setting people on fire and having really like shoot promos about being fired and stuff. So Vince is always very good at seeing what else is around and assimilating it. I think the same thing's happening at this moment, you know, in time. People loved all the great indie wrestling that was around a few years ago. Now wrestling seems to be a bit more of a focus, the in-ring product on current WWE TV. He does it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, as we said, Vince has had a lot of success uh, as a businessman. But the biggest downturn for him was that mid-90s period. And a lot of times it gets framed of... Like I kind of just said, it probably shows you how biased we all are as wrestling fans, the older ones of us, I guess. The long-term wrestling fans are sort of biased against it. It's like, oh, people got bored of Hulk Hogan and that was kind of it. But there was another big thing that happened in the mid-90s. Big steroid scandal rocked the World Wrestling Federation. Vince was actually taken to court by the federal government. Now, I've heard this mentioned in passing. Yeah. Like, they talk about it very briefly in the documentary, but like... They don't talk about it the way you'd expect someone to talk about being taken to court by the federal government. It wasn't yeah. like, a, oh, that was a dark time for us. It was like, a, we fucking owned them. We wrecked the federal government. So basically, there was this time period where it was well known that steroids were used widespread in wrestling. And the viewpoint was this. Wrestling isn't competitive. Vince has come out and said as much that it's not competitive. It is a show. 
We're not here getting an unfair competitive edge. We're just making our bodies look good because Vince likes big guys and the fans like big guys and Hulk Hogan, the superhero muscle man. I mean, look at the people from that time. Hogan, Savage, uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Fucking muscles on muscles on Mm. muscles. The only reason why Scott Steiner always gets pointed out as being such a weird muscle man is that he looks like they used to look like. Yeah. You know, in that time period, you would have been like, so what? Like, he's slightly smaller than them, if anything. (laughs) So... It was known that steroids were taken a lot. And it actually wasn't illegal to do so. Steroids trafficking only actually became illegal in around 81, 82. Oh, wow. And at that time, it came out that there was this gentleman doctor who WWF would use. And there's so many damning and incriminating like memos and messages left where it's like, anytime we come to Pennsylvania, let's make sure we use this doctor so the wrestlers can get their candy. Now, that's a quote from Pat Patterson, who was Vince's ah. number two. And this... Doctor who was actually indicted because he ended up being caught out. He was selling steroids not just to wrestlers but to other athletes and bodybuilders and stuff. He sold stuff to a mole and then uh, they ended up being, you know, they kicked down his door. He was in the middle of like shredding documents and stuff like that. And basically it came out that, yeah, he was giving all stuff to, to wrestlers. And because of the, they would use him as a ringside doctor. And he would also sell the drugs when they were in certain towns. And right. it basically looked like on surface that they've got a bit of a system here. We come to this town, you give Vince all these drugs, Vince gives them to the wrestlers. Now, like most great federal indictments, this one was slightly overreached because it then became Vince was pressuring people to take steroids. Ah. Which was where they fell at that hurdle. Oh, these silly fools. Oh, I totally see where this is going. So, I mean, pretty much like Vince was using steroids. Yeah. Hogan was using steroids. I mean, 1993, that's when we went from Hogan Savage to Brett Sean. That's when Hulk Hogan lost like around 10 inches of those 24-inch pythons. That's when everyone shrunk down mm. because all of a sudden the spotlight was shone on it and everyone's like, oh shit, we can't do steroids anymore. So Vince was doing steroids, but they weren't able to prove that he was distributing them to his wrestlers. Or specifically, I'm guessing, pressuring them into doing it. Yes. I'm not sure personally if I think he would do... Th- I don't know. I, I personally... I know he loves the big boys. Yeah. And I know he would never discourage people from <laughs> becoming bigger. But that's a strong word, pressuring. I think it's an indirect pressure. Because I don't think Vince McMahon kicked in a door. It's like, hey guys, the steroids are here. Steroids. What do you mean you're not taking steroids? Well, I guess you're fired then, pal. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's go do some fucking lines of coke off the edge of a knife. But similarly, the pressure of, if you are a big guy, I'll you give you more airtime. Yeah. You'll be a top guy. You'll get to make more money. I mean, look you know? at Vince McMahon himself. I mean, yeah, right? That's it, isn't it? It's like it there, I think there's an indirect pressure there. Vince is an explicit... Maybe he doesn't even realise it, but he wasn't going to push the guys who were small. Mm. And the guys who were small were technically the guys who weren't doing steroids. And even if you were someone who could work out forever and be massive, you're not going to be at the same size as someone like a Hogan who's just taken something, you yeah. know? So the case fell apart for two reasons. Number one, star witness number one, Hulk Hogan, for the federal government, didn't actually say Vince pressured him. He said that he took them and there was a culture of taking them, but Vince himself didn't pressure them. That's not what the federal government wanted him to say. Right. So even though Hogan testified against Vince... So Hulk Hogan was the federal government's like witness? Yeah, star witness. Oh, wow. So they really thought that Hogan was going to say stuff, and Hogan didn't. So was Hogan working for the WWE at this no, point? No, he had just left for WCW. Oh, shit. I know, it's so fucked up, because there's all these conspiracy theories, which is Hogan's literally planting a seed, so you can hire me back later on, because it's like, there's no way I'm going to... Even though I've left the company and I hate him, there's no way I'm going to actually let him go to prison and all that. Like, there was real concern Vince was going to go to prison. 
For a wow. long time. Uh, Linda technically became the owner of the company at that point. He transferred what? over to her. There was rumours at the time that Jeff Jarrett's father, Jerry Jarrett, had been brought up to be like be a caretaker owner of the company, like just to do the booking and stuff because Vince, because Linda didn't wasn't involved in that side mm. of it. So Vince was preparing to go to jail. And what year was this? 1993, 94, the, the trial was I taking see, place. right. So yeah, literally during the darkest era of like their lowest ratings and stuff. But also, like I'm trying to think in terms of timeline of WrestleManias, mm-hmm. which WrestleMania would this have been around? Around WrestleMania... Eight, eight, eight okay, nine. right. So, so yeah, long enough established. They've got their their, their groundwork settled at this point. Yeah, you know, like uh, basically after the time when Hulk Hogan came out and won the main event of WrestleMania nine, after Bret Hart and Yokozuna had a full main event around that time when wrestling was really shit. Basically, <laughs> the other star witness was a wrestler by the name of Nails who played a former prison convict who had been abused by the big boss man and come back for his revenge and he had previously accused Vince McMahon of sexually assaulting him what? Uh, however Nails had also been accused of choking Vince McMahon when Vince fired him he literally grabbed him by the neck and started choking him and on the stand Nails Nails is a very unstable gentleman let's just say to put it at the very very least and on the stand basically Jerry McDevitt who's Vince's uh, and WWE's longtime lawyer who's very good at this sort of thing mm. got on the stand as basically like tell me what you think about Vince McMahon and more or less in two sentences he was like I fucking hate Vince McMahon I want to kill him ah. and Vince was in a fucking neck brace and it's like oh okay disgruntled employee star witness says that you didn't do it so all charges were dropped fucking hell sounds like the federal government really fucked up with their yeah the whole Sloppy. system the lawyers sound like they really weren't doing they their underestimated best. is this WWE. because it was wrestling do you think they I think thought, a lot ah, of it is that it's hokey carnival sport it's and not of course real, they're all on steroids yeah they're all silly drug addicts I bet yeah, do you reckon that's what it was absolutely they underestimate him and massively. definitely underestimate Vince McMahon as a oh, businessman yeah. and Jerry McDevitt their lawyer as well because he's like there's a reason he's had him for the last 30 or 40 years Wow. He fucking good. I bet he knows some serious oh, yeah. fucking dirt. In the same way that Tony Soprano's lawyer also knows <laughs> a whole lot of shit. But again, folks, that's a massive box history. We could do a whole episode on, on that. Very much a forgotten part of wrestling's history. It's so funny when we're looking through all this stuff, how quick people are to jump on storyline stuff that Vince has done and forget about the real life stuff. I mean, if there was a storyline that Vince McMahon got sued by the federal government, you'd be like, oh, that's a bit too much, lads, isn't it? I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, he fights God. <laughs> More on that in a bit, folks. So, yeah, big scandal rocked the company. After that, though, Attitude Era. Vince, again, one thing that is strange about him is that he is actually quite good at deferring in some senses. At being like, look, you guys know what's happening here. You do it, you know? Mm. Vince Russo, a lot of the writing of the Attitude Era, a lot of the direction of the Attitude Era, it was down to him and Vince kind of, that's not ideas Vince would have come up with himself, but Vince is good at using other people's ideas, channeling them, fine-tuning them, and going in the general direction he wants to go. Right. And the success of him as a character in Austin, Austin, and all the company did, it kind of culminated in them becoming a publicly traded company, which is huge. And you were quite shocked when I told you that WWE seems to be the only publicly traded wrestling company that's out there. Yeah, I thought this whole publicly traded company thing was like one of the most interesting aspects of the whole documentary, if I'm honest. Partly because of the timing of it. So it comes just after the case against the federal government. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting, I thought, was that they became publicly owned at the same time 
as they started putting in a lot of charity initiatives. Mm. They had a whole campaign where they encouraged people to vote in the election. Smack down their votes. Smack down their vote, yeah. That's really clever. A lot of stuff that I would say you could argue is public image. Oh, absolutely. It's very carefully timed, very carefully crafted narrative about a company going through a big transition. And if you think about it, when you're going to become a public traded company and it's a kind of dodgy, you know, has got CD associations with like scandals and carnival. Yuck, dirty wrestling. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. What a clever move to go, right, we're becoming an open public company we want all of our stakeholders to to have a visibility into how we run our business and we're going to partner up with Make-A-Wish. We're going to start donating to children's charities. We're going to start making sure all our superstars are constantly doing charity work, mm. meeting with the public, meeting with dying kids who want their last final wish to be to meet a WWE superstar. I will say, they did the, they did a lot of that stuff pre-public. Like, you know, oh, Hogan, really? Hogan did Make-A-Wish. All, like, they all, they did, were always part of Make-A-Wish and all that. But I think, yeah, you're right, though. In terms of them formally partnering up, like Vince and Linda are like board members of Make-A-Wish. Wish yes. and you know, be a star, their bullying campaign thing. They're always involved in some, you know, C- Susan G. Komen, they're always involved mm-hmm. with some big name. I'm not saying just because they're all charitable, that means they're all good. You know, Google no. G- Susan G. Komen, folks, you'll find out some stuff. But yeah, they are very much a public company, and Vince has always taken the ground since then. It's very rare that Vince has been like kind of like something's been brought up like we need to do more drug testing or mm-hmm. we need to do something about the, the public image or about how we're being treated in the media Vince has always been very proactive since they've went public to rectify the image problems that the company has had and it's really clever because it's worked for the most part well, I think totally because in PR you get sent a press release and let's see you've got two press releases you've got one that's like a dodgy scandal stuff but you've also got one that's like huge charity partnership or massive charity donation mm-hmm. And that's a good story to tell. Yeah. Like, if you want the media on your side and you're giving them all these, like, nuggets of... Good like, news. Good news stories that people love to talk about. Or oh, the media, they only ever do the negatives, Joe. We never hear about the positives <laughs> that you're doing here in Iraq. <laughs> and you're right, yeah, the, one of the things that surprised me was that WWE is the only one. Yeah. Because in wrestling, you'd think it would be such a logical step to take to have a publicly traded company yeah because in wrestling it's one of the few industries where you have such interaction from your fans and stakeholders mm. and it just makes sense to be as open and transparent about that as possible maybe vince did it because he likes the idea of having conference calls where someone asks someone the undertaker is going to come back <laughs> i don't know i i can't answer that question for why others haven't done it i mean i'm sure there's very good reasons it's funding is probably yeah. primarily it and most wrestling companies are only going to raise money they feel through a big private investor you look at what tna has been through the last few years with you know billy corgan and previous to that there was you know some big country music stars who were trying to put money into it it always seems to be someone with money puts money into an existing wrestling company which is a shame because it really doesn't do much for the wrestling industry when you've got like a very wealthy wrestling fan yeah. who runs a company it's the way they want away, to do it. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to run my perfect wrestling company just like I've always wanted to. And therefore it's not good because really wrestling needs to be honest and transparent mm. and it needs to have loads of different voices to keep it good. People would point to the fact though that WWE managed to be a publicly traded company under all the scrutiny 
and yet doesn't get called out on oh, the yeah. fact that they're all independent contractors yeah. Yeah. who have no insurance or 401k yeah. or anything no like that. No union. No guaranteed holiday. But that, does that maybe show you that maybe people are kind of like, well, what's the fucking point of being a publicly traded oh, yeah. company? Oh, no, totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Vince, the promoter, has had success in the World Wrestling Federation. But Vince, the promoter, has had less success elsewhere. Joe, have you heard about the XFL? I am familiar with the XFL. Do you know what the X stands for? No. I don't know what any of the letters stand for. It... Uh, the football league exciting football you know, league I thought it was extreme it's not it's just X football league oh maybe it stands for extra fun league quite frankly mm. the NFL quite frankly is the no fun league so the XFL quite frankly is the X football league Joe where's my football Figure skating sucks. Sorry, I just love being XFL Vince McMahon. <laughs> Little bits that you've seen about XFL. It obviously was in the news again recently. Yeah. Vince has a vision for football. Do you think that he's a madman? A madman? A madman. for. I mean, Vince lost tens of millions. Mm. Huge scores. Not just Vince. He made NBC, one of the biggest networks in America, lose tens of millions. I have really complicated thoughts on the XFL. Surprisingly, because I, I think... You were there when me and Billy yeah, recorded a lot of it for the Attitude Podcast. People would be surprised by how much I know already about the XFL, because mm. I, I know like more about the XFL than I know about Ric Flair. You've, you've watched an XFL game with me and Billy, I, have. I think. Yeah. When you guys were recording the XFL episode, I was there the whole time because we recorded it at my granny's house. She didn't have internet or TV or anything. <laughs> Let's watch the... So all we could do And was... she doesn't haunt until after five. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I had some time to kill. So I watched it along with you and I saw that awful fucking segment with... What's his name? Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah, right. Coming there. out of a shower. Yeah. And it's yep. like a weird dream sequence and there's naked women there. And oh, it's very strange. So Vince basically just has a, had an idea. He still has the idea. He's trying again 2020, folks. Um, I will say, check out the ITR podcast. Uh, my other podcast, we did an episode about the XFL. We kind of explained the whole ups and downs of the league. A lot of good things that they brought in there. Like there's things that Vince tried to change about how football was presented that they actually have incorporated into the NFL since. Oh, really? Like having, you know, interviews in the locker room and stuff like that or having cameras on the side of the pitches. A lot of things like little changes that they would make and how it's actually presented. So most of what I know about the XFL is it's the NFL, only two main differences. Mm. One, it's off-season. Yes. So... Is that in the summer or the winter? I don't know. It starts in kind of winter time, yeah. So kind of January, February, yeah. I know that Vince argued that it was ridiculous that football season was only half the year. And there was another half of the year where all these fat, talented footballers were doing nothing. And all the fans had nothing to watch because Mm. there's only figure skating on and figure skating sucks, apparently. (laughs) Vince McMahon obviously has never watched any figure skating because it's fucking awesome. Should we watch WWE Raw when NFL is not on on Monday nights? No? Figure skating? Okay. (laughs) So that's one of the key differentiators that he had. When it was on. When it was on, which is a really clever Idea. Absolutely, yeah. What a gap in the market that he's identified and gone, actually, we can fill that. 
Now, the second angle to the XFL that made it different was that he it seemed to bring an element of sports entertainment mm. to football. Which no one seemed to agree on how much they should, mm. or like because they're like, no, we don't want to have you know, you know the the car. It's not going to be fake football. You know, it's not going to be a scripted football game. By the way, when me and Joe were watching his, in- we watched his interview with Bob Costas around this time <laughs> talking about the XFL. And if you want to see how the outer world views Vince McMahon and for all the reasons they have bad opinions, just Google Vince McMahon Bob Costas. No one seemed to be able to agree if it was a good idea for it to be sports entertainment or not. You and I thought, like, the idea of a fake football game that was completely scripted, that sounded actually really fucking awesome. Real talk, I think there is a huge, massive gap. And If I had the money, like the funding, anyone listening to this who's like a millionaire <laughs> who wants to give me this, because I am 100% sure this would take off, is sports entertainment as a whole outside of wrestling it's genius like how you got kick-ass anime that is based on like you know tennis or something i want to see scripted ice hockey with a with a set outcome where it's all decided it's all predetermined Mm. but you still have the action you still have the pacing so it's it's like sports but better vince used the he was asked about this and he was like come on now don't be ridiculous you have to catch the ball you have to throw the ball and you can't script that now I think that's bullshit. I can see where he's coming from, but I think that's bullshit and I totally disagree. I'm not someone who's ever really been able to get into sports. I used mm. to play some as a kid, but the idea of watching sports for me has never been fun. I tried watching football, I tried watching rugby, I tried watching ice hockey, fair few in my time, and I just found it a bit boring. You can, Yeah, for me, I always came down to for every match I saw where I was thrilled, there was five matches where it's like, I've wasted a whole Sunday. Exactly. It can be very hit and miss. There's no consistency and mm. there's no guarantee that it's going to put on a good show. Yeah. Whereas with a sports entertainment angle, you can make it what you want to make it. Yeah. And if you're going out with the fact that, yeah, it's predetermined, it's inverted commas, fake. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. But you market that to the type of people that don't really care about sports sports. Mm but they do care about maybe sports entertainment, mm. just take the principles from wrestling and apply it to any other sport. And I think you've got yourself a very entertaining, innovative new concept. That's what people assumed Vince wrongly was doing with the XFL. Yes. What he was doing was trying to get some of the presentation aspects and in his own kind of the brand, the attitude of it's smash mouth, it's in your face. You know, it's not going to be like, no, we're not pulling any punches here. Full on tackles, you know, guys who are going to get paid to play, paid more to win. So it's like that fucking urge. Like he wanted to make it like have the spirit of mm. WWF, but they weren't able to translate it across because the only people they could sign were cast offs from the NFL. The quality of play was poor. People stopped watching. It was so expensive to run. Also, the marketing involved was shit. In the documentary, they're like, Vince McMahon is the the king of branding. And yeah, okay, he is within wrestling. Mm. But when you see his attempts at trying to market the XFL, he doesn't know how to do it without doing it as a wrestling show. He brings on The Rock. He brings on Stone Cold Steve Austin to give promos (laughs) at the beginning of the show. I know, right? He's trying to make it a wrestling show about football but it's not either and that's the trouble it's not it's not enough of one or the other mm, yeah and so do you think his idea to bring it back now in 2020 because it seems like 
with Vince, it feels like he was in that documentary which we watched is from 2006, and he's like, I still think it's a good idea. God damn it! I think there are elements that is a good idea. And I here think we are now. He needs to work, I think, very closely with the existing NFL to kind of almost oh, partner with not do them. that. Like. I just don't think he can do it on his own. So 2020, he's going to do it again now, the XFL League. We're, we're greatly age-dating this episode, but what do you think? Do you think he's going to make a go of it? ESPN did a documentary about the XFL. It was expected to make fun of it, like we all do. They actually were quite complimentary of us. I've not heard enough about what he's going to be doing differently this time, because I do think it could work. I think mm. if he fine-tunes some elements, there's, there's definitely bits there that aren't going to work he's just got to change like he, you mm. can't use wrestlers to no i don't think he'll do show. that that's a mistake he won't make again because football fans on the whole think wrestling is is fake and mm. stupid so why would you use that to appeal to football fans he's got a better chance now than he did then because then the narrative of the media was violence mm. in the media this is when the school shootings first started happening so the media was very sensitive to this kind of you know, this violent raunchy programming constantly anytime the coverage was about what was happening in wrestling it was like oh this fucking really gross lewd sex this is the thing that's making your kid point his dick and say suck it like mm. you know this is why Alexa Bliss wasn't allowed to watch wrestling <laughs> so if you haven't heard the story Alexa Bliss telling her mom to suck it and that's why she wasn't allowed to watch wrestling as a kid that's so the best so cute I love it <laughs> so now I don't think wrestling has that image problem of vulgarity and sexualized content and being lewd and gross It's it's more of a it's viewed being more family friendly now, so I think but, you might have a better chance. Yeah, but you still have that problem of people, football fans, thinking that wrestling is fake. Mm. And if if you have that image and you're Vince McMahon, you're trying to start a sports entertainment football show, and you've already got that label of is it fake? Yeah, it's going to put people off. I think. What if I told you that the XFL wasn't Vince's only other endeavor that he put his considerable money and his considerable efforts behind? I'm not surprised. The WBF, the world. Bodybuilding Federation. I'm not surprised at all about this. The only thing I've shown Joe of this, because honestly, I'm a bit worried about being usurped by some hunk. And I was very worried that I showed Joe just one clip. Mm. I'm a little bit worried, Joe, that you're going to leave me for Gary Striden. Wow, take a look. Look Look at the flexation there. Gary Striden. Oh my God, the striation. What a body. What a man, Gary Striden. It's him trying to whistle, but not oh. being able to. Gary- trying to spit at me. <laughs> Thoughts on Gary Striden? Thoughts on what you saw of the WBF? Would you like to watch a three-hour pay-per-view Jesus. of the WBF? I got bored with like the two minutes they showed. It seemed to drag on he and on and on and on and on. Yeah, but I'm sorry. There's only so much watching a man flex that I can bear. Even if it's Gary Striden, wow? Yes. Even He's a strange looking muscle of a man. Like, you know, I don't mean muscle as well as in like a human muscle. I mean yeah. muscle the seafood, like the shell. Oh, I see, right. He looked like a muscle. Like you pull back the layer and there's a nightmare underneath there. Yeah, it's I, like all brown and veiny and like covered I, in oil. I don't want that in my mouth anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did at the start, now not so much. Why do bodybuilders do the whole fake tan thing? I've never known... Uh, it apparently it helps the uh, musculature show up better. Really? Yeah. You actually like you see people they will literally paint it on. Wow. Uh, I a big pumping iron fan over here, folks. Admittedly, I'm a, I'm a muscle head. I got a bit, but yeah, they, they paint it on. And one of the reasons why Arnie was always considered to be on the top is that he didn't have to paint on the dark, dark tan because he was already cut up to fuck. There's a couple of like 
body transformation, like weight loss things, you mm. can see it's like faked ones. It's yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, the person is is just done taking the picture on the same day before and after before. Yeah, but with some clever lighting and different mm. underwear and stuff, you can mock a quite a big difference. And I know one of the techniques that they use is to wear fake tan. That's why Vince is like pretty much dark orange from 2006 onwards during that period, I think. God. When he went on that muscle fitness cover. So WBF had one pay-per-view. Yes, you can imagine that. An actual pay-per-view. Three hours of flexing. There was a contest on it where it was a tug of war between the superstars of the WBF and WWF. It was made primarily as a vehicle for two things. One, Lex Luger, who was a big wrestler in WCW at the time, was being brought in. He was from a bodybuilding background and wanted to do less wrestling. And Vince was like, look, I'll come in, I'll sign you. You can do WBF. You'll do a few appearances for wrestling, but you'll primarily be here doing WBF, not taking bumps, instead flexing extra guy stride. And wow. And also it was made as a vehicle for Ico Pro, which was the supplements that Vince McMahon marketed in the mid-90s. It's like something that Alex Jones would sell on his uh, weird podcast. You're taking my pills? I got what I can do. I wake up every morning, I take my Ico Pro. It's got the special formulation, the iodine crystals. It's only na 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 You make sure you take that and you can look as red and unwell as me. Help. That's uh, pretty much what it was. Now, unfortunately, WBF, Ico Pro, and Gary Stride and Wow all kind of disappeared in 1994 when we had the steroid scandal. And you can imagine... Oh! Yeah, there's probably a very big warehouse somewhere in Connecticut that is literally filled... With Gary Stride <laughs> He's just sitting there, just massive humanity. continued growing. Yeah, Vince just opens it up every now and then. Like, Feed him oh. those Ico pills. <laughs> Gary Strident, wow. <laughs> Lock him up, guys. But no, I'm pretty sure Vince, he's got a big garage. Like, he's got to have a massive garage. But it is full of Ico Pro. Can you think of anything worse than the fucking WWF marketing a bodybuilding supplement the year a fucking steroid scandal hits and you get sued by the federal government. What do you reckon is in those Icopro? I'd love to like get like in my in my head someday I think of how to wrestling as it evolves and like we get like an actual budget for the show. Oh right, yeah. I would love to invite like a chemist on to go <laughs> through the ingredients of like something like Icopro. You know what? I actually know three really good biochemists. They're all doctors now. Please. So uh, get them on the show. I'm gonna maybe have to send them over some info about Icopro. It, it maybe is just chalk and steroid residue, but we have to look in and see if we can find out more about it. On hashtag how to Icopro. <laughs> There was a while ago an Ico Pro shirt that was doing the rounds. What? And I would fucking do anything for that shit. Oh my god. So yeah, WBF, a big failure. XFL, a big failure. WWF New York, again, another thing where he lost tens and tens of millions. A restaurant entertainment complex set in the heart of the failing New York Times Square. Yeah, WWF had their own version pretty much of Planet Hollywood that you could go to. Back during the added chair, it started in like 2000, closed up by 2002 or three. You go there, you could buy an overpriced burger and chips. They would show the pay-per-views live. WF superstars would make appearances, and you could go and you could buy you could buy merchandise in the store. I'm pretty sure Guy Fieri has a restaurant on the site of it now. Oh wow! It was like where the Hard Rock Cafe used to be. Now I, in the past, have made a lot of fun about them for doing this, which is you know. You've got this, the rent in New York Times Square. You can imagine, it's the highest rent on Earth. It's like literally the center of the fucking universe. It's so expensive to me that they lost, 
and this is year on year they're losing tens of millions and this is during the height of the year when they were their most profitable is this I've never been to New York is this mm. the same place where Trump Plaza is and it's not owned by Trump because it's so expensive he couldn't afford it so he just puts his name on it I'm not sure if it's actually in Times Square itself I know that we're talking about Trump Tower he owns the building but he doesn't own the ground underneath yeah. it yeah and there's a lot of buildings around there that he just has his names on stuck on yeah yeah but he doesn't actually own it it's very difficult to own property there now this is one of the few times where I'm actually going to backtrack on something I think I've said and made fun of before because I've always like been like Hey, everyone makes fun of Vince for losing money on the XFL, but no one ever makes fun of him for losing money on WWF New York, which admittedly lost just as much, if not more money. Mm. But someone said to me a while ago, "Go, no, everyone who has a restaurant in Times Square in New York, uh, they lose money. Yeah. You can't make money there. It's a marketing thing. Yeah. So Vince would have written that down as not a loss of a restaurant. as actually, a, I spent money on marketing. For three years, people were like, look at them. They've got fucking their own building in Times Square. Yeah. That's Same as, like, Trump Plaza. Yeah. It's marketing. It's it's all about image. It's like, there's the WWF big fucking event is happening there tonight in their building that has WWF written on it. Something that, like, blew my mind when I found this out was that the really, really rich don't give a shit if they lose money. It mm. doesn't matter if they're bankrupt because it's so much about the image. The image. Yeah. If you can afford the image, that's all that matters. And if you think about it from like 2000 to 2002 or three, every time there was a pay-per-view, there was a billboard in Times Square, you know, 100 feet high that had the pay-per-view poster on there. You know, that's that's big. And so, yeah, I'm going to say, I don't think WF New York is as big a failure as it, people made it out to be. I am obsessed with finding out more about the menu because the food was meant to be horrible. Oh, really? <laughs> and the other thing, I keep finding little snippets of info about it. The other thing I found out was that when they weren't showing Raw or SmackDown or a pay-per-view, they would have like a two-minute audio loop of like a wrestling thing. And apparently when you ate there, it was really annoying because every two minutes, it's like the thing where Sarah Palmer is looking at the ah. boxing match. Oh, he hits him with the right hand! Out ding, again! Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> over and over again. Eating fucking mozzarella sticks. Fuck that shit. Oh. Failures as a businessman. I'm going to talk now about some big scandals. And I'm going to try and hit as many as I can. Kind of thought we'd already just done this segment. I guess no, not. <laughs> these are kind of like unobjectionable business failures. Okay. I'm going to try and go through some of these other ones. Some of them you may have heard of, some of you may not have. These are some of the big charges against Vince McMahon personally, in terms of his personal moral conduct. So, when we're talking now about these kind of personal controversies of Vince, I want to bear in mind that as every single storyline that has ever played out on TV in WWE involving Vince or not, has always had final say and at least some creative input and direction from Vince McMahon. Because everyone who's ever worked for him has said that, you know, the, the dream they've always had is to produce him a script or a storyline that he's like, perfect, let's go, as opposed to tweaking it. Because he'll always tweak. Mm. I don't want to just run through every single objectionable storyline because I'll pretty much ruin the rest of this podcast forever. <laughs> so if there is a story like, I can't believe you didn't talk about the storyline when he... Yeah, we'll get to those all eventually. We're going to try to talk about the ones that are central to Vince McMahon but these aren't storylines. This is real life bad shit that's happened with Vince, okay? okay? First of all, he's a serial cheater, or was. In that Playboy interview, he talked about how pretty much there was a set period of time for a long time where he just cheated on Linda. And <gasps> Linda knew about this and it was their arrangement. That's totally what I thought. When, oh my God, I, that makes me feel so vindicated because like the whole time we were watching that documentary, I was like, surely he's cheated on Vinda because like, he literally makes out with like every oh, yeah. every female superstar on the show I'm a very sexual show. human being Joe. and like I've always wondered actually if 
they have an open relationship? They had for a long period of time. Because, like, what the fuck is in it for Linda? I always use... I want to go back to my Sopranos analogy, uh, where Carmela tries to justify it to herself that it's like a form of masturbation for him, and it's fine as long as I know about it. But you got to wonder. I think mean, that's going to take its toll on you, like, in your relationship. I just... Oh, either Linda is a bit of a pushover, which I... I don't think she is. She's, she's yeah. ruthless in her own way, Joe. That's what I think. That's what makes me think that it can't just be Vince. There's got to be something in this for her. And I, again, I refuse to believe that it's just money. I think everyone wants money in their life and it's not... I feel it's really unfair often with these kinds of dynamics where it's like, oh, he has loads of affairs because she gets lots of money. No, because, I mean, Linda... I never wanted to, people to take a wrong viewpoint in this. I don't think we'll ever do a full episode on Linda, but Vince and Linda, very much in terms of when starting out this company, the work put in... Linda was the business yeah. in terms of the innings and outings, the books, you know, getting relationships, uh, setting up the corporate structure, headquarters. Oh, that's all Linda. Linda was like the CEO, CEO for many, many years and like ran, that, ran the fucking shit out of that company. So she has plenty to lay her hat to. It's not just she's like a Carmela Soprano getting money, no. having lunch with the girls. Exactly. You know, yeah, she's involved there. I always viewed it as it's a route to power because Linda McMahon since 2008 you know she had two unsuccessful bids for senate she spent you know again <laughs> she had her own little xfl folks and her own wf new york it was called running for senate unsuccessfully twice and she's in trump's cabinet now as the head of the small business administration there is a lady who had a hunger for power yeah you know and i'm not saying she wanted to be power because she's evil that's what she wanted she wanted she felt that she could offer something oh. to the country or whatever Seeing as she basically built the WWE, like the business side of WWE is is some of the most innovative elements of it. It going public, I would say a lot of that's down to Linda as well. Which is like, I don't think it's fair to call Vince a genius and not give the same name to to Linda. Because what she has brought to the company is really quite frighteningly good. And I don't want anyone to think as well that it's one of those cases that Linda is kind of like, oh, she's the kind of, you know, like the, the, the quiet daydream type and Vince is the big bombastic risk taker. You know, Vince and Linda together put up their house as collateral for mm. the first WrestleMania. She took just as much calculated risk and in inverted commas as he did. So yeah, she's a, she's a risk taker too. And they seem to have quite an interesting dynamic the two of them like they I genuinely believe they are deeply in love with one another yeah I mean I, I showed you after Lin- Linda lost the second race for office and you can see Vince in the background he's like nearly crying it's fucking yeah he, he loves her he does yeah there's an element of a healthy relationship in there somewhere and I mm. don't think you can have a healthy relationship with a power imbalance mm. that would be implied if you only take surface level story of oh Vince is this massive powerful egomaniac Linda just does what he says mm. he has all these affairs while she's at home sad and alone I just not I can't see that the only thing though about, the, about his affairs as consensual or seemingly she knew about it whatever whatever that is I know that there was a quote with him saying somewhere that the re- he stopped doing it and the reason he stopped doing it is because he, he felt he was hurting those around him right so I think it could be one of those you know open relationships but yeah please not that fucking open mm. you know I, I think he and that's another thing I want to kind of touch on there's so many stories of the early 80s when they were starting off about Vince really wanted to be one of the boys and going out partying and drinking with them and you know uh, allegedly a lot of cocaine used to go around uh, the, the, the wrestling locker room back then and you know Vince was, was part of that again all that's just hearsay and stories from wrestling lore which is my new favourite catch all term <laughs> that will be appearing on a t-shirt soon <laughs> wrestling lore just written in cocaine <laughs> but like there's all these stories of like Vince you know fucking hard drinking going 90 with all these you know you're out there partying with the likes of fucking Piper fucking 
Hogan, F- F- Flair, Bret Hart. You know, that's Vince going all out there. And he, he was part of that scene, I think. There has been multiple times of Vince McMahon seemingly using his power to cover up scandals or to protect his performers. Hmm. Jimmy Superfly Snooker, is that a name you've heard? Oh, yes. He allegedly murdered his girl. Is it alleged? It was third degree murder that he was convicted of, but he was deeply unfit for trial and then he passed away. But the death of his partner at the time, long, long, long mired in scandal and controversy due to the handling of the case. So... I don't really know what the result... I mean, I, I know the allegation was that he murdered her. Yeah. And I know there was some kind of, like, did he or did he not? Kind of similar to the OJ thing. Was yeah. it... Did he? Was he found guilty? He was found guilty of third-degree murder in the end. Yeah, right, but he okay. was also deemed to be unfit for trial because it had been so long he had suffered... He was had bad dementia and all that stuff at the and end. And this is also frail. linked to a different controversy con- involving concussions, right? Well, I mean, that was part of the defence and all that in there. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm trying to roll it roll it back all the way to the actual, the time of when it actually happened because it lay dormant. Like this, this, the, the whole thing with Snook only came up again the last few years because it went back to trial. Oh, after like okay. literally 30 years of them trying to bring it back to trial. But essentially at the time there was a lot of a lot of haziness surrounding it uh, when Snooker's character he portrayed on TV was that of a uh, an islander type savage from you know, from Fiji Isle and he like he he was kind of a madman you know fucking not racist at all yeah well Jesus. Vince uh, was there when Snooker was questioned by the police and all that and Vince apparently did all the talking and Vince because Snooker was one of his top stars and Vince also as well basically seemed to use the excuse that come on, the guy doesn't even speak English. You know, he's, he's a savage. Fucking Which hell! Snooker very much was not. You know, Snooker, of course, a wild man in his own sense, but he's very much aware of his actions. And there was a very alarming quote from Vince, which he allegedly said to, to the prosecution's attorney, which was, if you're going to tell me that one of my performers is a violent individual, I don't think that's a very shocking thing. And he said that I'm in the garbage business. That's what wow. I'm in. Now, that's not the only time where Vince has seemingly went to bat for people. There was a ring boy scandal back in the day. There were a number of young boys who used to work helping set up the ring in the early days of WWF who would wrestle around, in inverted commas, with a couple of people, one of which was Pat Patterson, one of the right-hand men of Vince. Another was Mel Phillips, the ring announcer. There's a few of the people involved. And it basically came out as one of those things, horse bay is a child, and then as an adult, when you realise that foot fetishes are a thing and that you are probably being abused in that ring. Scandal came out, a couple of people got indicted, including Pat Patterson. Vince fired them all, and then when the charges against Patterson were dropped, Vince brought them back in. But Vince went on national TV to defend them all and to discredit the people making the accusations. So, what? sorry, what was the allegation? That these boys were being groped by uh, people in Vince's employ. Oh, my God. And they just, they didn't come they didn't out and say of, it until they had grown they didn't up. Kind of, yeah, it was kind of, oh, it's horseplay and tomfoolery. The way a lot of those kind of groping things, I yeah. mean, I know when I heard a lot about the priest scandals when, you know, back home in Ireland, it was kind of, oh, horseplay and tomfoolery. And as an adult, you realise it's not appropriate for someone to touch a kid that way, you know, yeah. in, in any scenario. So... Yeah, Vince went to bat for them and Patterson was brought back in with, with open arms after the charges were dropped. And again, you know, same thing happened with Jerry Lawler, you know, with, with Jerry Lawler, when there was a big scandal with him, dropped him, and then as soon as the charges were dropped, it's like, no questions asked, back in you come. You know, he will bring back, as long as in the eyes of the public you have been acquitted, Vince's judgment is, you're good for business, back in you come. That attitude, I feel, has made 
the wrestling industry such a toxic place because mm. you'll hear that argument out of the mouths of babe fans i want to call them naive little boys who think that the the real <laughs> the real important matter is whether or not the public that considers a person innocent guilty it's very inappropriate to say at this point when you said babe fans you went naive little boys and my immediate thought was whose anuses have been digitally touched off in post-production <laughs> just like babe just like the real pig babe yes now vince has a bit of a history then of seemingly going to bat and trying to protect people i think a lot of that comes from wrestling's carny background and it's kind of us and them the business not the business they don't understand we understand there's been less of that since the 80s but it's important to know that it has, ha- it has happened yeah and that there are a lot of people who would view that vince's role in this and the way these things part i mean i'm pretty sure the family of jimmy snook dead partner don't feel that justice was served. No. I'm pretty sure anyone involved in the Ring Boy scandal don't feel that justice was served. I'm sure there's a lot of other cases that as well that we don't know about. Recently, Rich Swan was identified as being in an altercation with his partner where he... Yeah, he was arrested for domestic abuse. Yes. It's a very public display of... He was seen to be choking his partner. Dragging she, her by yeah, the hair. She's like, please let me go. And he like dragged her into a car, which they like, creamed off and smacked. Mm. Like, literally like a fucking... A big public fucking yeah. drama of domestic violence. Now, she dropped the charges. She did, yeah. Which means that he won't be taken to court. It, there won't be any official charges made mm. against him. Does that mean... Now, to me, that is very much means he's still guilty just because she decided not to press charges. It yeah. doesn't really have much to do with... He still did what he did. He still did what he did, exactly. But does that mean in the eyes of, of WWE... Now, I know he hasn't been brought back and I don't mm. think he will be, but if things have been the way they were, do you think he would have been? If things were the way they were, I would have said no, because Rich Swan was never a big enough star in Vince's eyes. Oh, so it's only people in the inner circle that get Yeah, protected. not even the inner circle, it's people who are important enough parts of the show. Rich Swan's very entertaining wrestler in, in his time in WWE, had some great matches, but was never like, you know, business hasn't dipped since Rich Swan hasn't shown up. Mm. If it was like 1984 and, you know, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase or, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, like a big name who a show could be built around was involved in a similar scenario, probably would have been brought back. Right. But, for instance, this time with a top, top name like The Miz or John Cena or, you know, some some big name like that, I would struggle to give you an answer because one thing I could say about Vince now is that there is a deferment to, you know, board of directors, there's a corporate culture. It's not Vince's yeah. say-so anymore. No, there's an HR team. Yeah, and- they've said zero tolerance policy. If it's domestic violence or, or abuse, you're gone. And I think at the moment anyway, they're looking for any excuse where it's like, look, see, this performer did this and we cut ties and that's that. Mm. So I don't think, unless, you know, ask me again if it happens with someone who's going to affect business. Because mm. then you'll see the limits of, Vince deferring to the corporate culture and then what's best for business to use that overused phrase but yeah definitely the opinions have changed on that because you know I'm sure in the 80s if we were to fire everyone who was a domestic abuser had been involved in public altercations like that you have a fairly slim roster at the end of the day lads Vince McMahon has had a number of occasions where sexual assault allegations have been made against Vince personally one we've already mentioned which was Nails Uh, there has been a lot in wrestling lore from older wrestlers particularly, as in wrestlers who would have kind of been veterans when young Vince took over and kind of looked you know, look, looked to him as being a bit like not part of our, our circle. But there has been quotes attributed. For instance, Kamala, who was a wrestler who said, you know, if you do Vince sexual favours, he'll do you favours for your career. What? Yeah, and I've heard like just little kind of mumblings like that. 
But I will say I've struggled to find anything concrete other than people saying that. And it works in Vince's favour because disgruntled ex-employee saying something that can neither be proven or disproven. Well, mm. he can go, well, then you can't prove it. But there have been cases where Vince has, has been charged and been directly accused. Really? We mentioned, obviously, the case with Nails. The first ever female referee, a lady by the name of Rita Chatterton. She was the first ever female referee she's brought in in, like, 1984, thereabouts. That's really interesting, because I know it's, it's something I've mentioned before is the lack of female referees. I didn't actually mm. think WWE had had any. Until NXT, and this is actually where this story came out again, because the commentator was like, look at that, in NXT right now, the first ever female referee, and people are like, uh, 30 years ago, there was a female referee. So there was only one. Previous. Oh, and- no, Jacqueline used to do refereeing as well. Yeah, so yeah, she was also a female referee, but she was a wrestler who became a referee, as opposed to just a referee. So there has only been, other than the current NXT referee, yeah. there's only been one like full-time referee who was a woman yes and she was involved in a sexual abuse allegation yes with vince mcmahon ceo owner of the company that's a bad look it's a very bad look and if you look at the the kind of the facts and there are not many to be honest out there anymore like it's a story that's mostly forgotten but essentially she said that she was brought in she was told by vince look you're a female referee good-looking woman you're probably going to like make half a million dollars a year because you'll be a star by being a referee which i always thought was quite strange because vince has, has recently always taken the viewpoint of the referees the announcers all the the, the dressing of the set essentially the focus should never be on them that's mm. why referees don't even have names anymore like back when i was a kid it was, i knew oh there's you know chad Patton, there's mike kyota there's teddy long there's wow. earl hebner i know there's the skinny referee i don't know their names anymore but she was brought in and she says she was told she'd become a big star from this. If you've ever seen kind of bad refereeing, I guess it can take away from a match. They always allege that she was not as good as her male peers. I've never actually watched the matches that she's refereed. She didn't even referee that many matches. For someone who's supposedly going to be a star, she was very seldomly used. Mm. The whole you're going to be a star coming from yeah. a very powerful man in a, biz- in a business always makes me feel uncomfortable. And sure, as we all know, Joe, at recent uh, the recent news and all that, men in power never abuse it, though, do they? Never, ever, ever! <laughs> but the allegation was he invited her into a limo, told her to perform sexual acts, uh, she refused, and then she was fired later thereafter. She came out... That was, like, six years after the fact she came out with the allegations. It was, like, a big, like, daytime chat show thing. She came out, like, I know my story can be told. And essentially what happened was... She made the allegations. She did She did try to sue Vince. As mm. far as I know, Vince and WF countersued her for defamation. And then the steroid scandal happened. And then because it had been over six years, the statute limitations ran out of it. Yeah. So that's it. She kind of disappeared. So that's a... That happened. You know. Those charges were filed. No one was convicted. But... The reason it didn't follow through was because of a running out of the statute of limitations, which basically means after a certain amount of time in America for certain crimes, you can no longer be charged on those. And so did WWE successfully countersue? No, it all it all just dropped. That was it. Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. And I mean, there's always going to be cases that get settled before they go to court, before charges are filed. WWE's got an excellent legal team. These are the yep. few that we know of. The big one, which got a lot of play recently, mainly because of what Vince McMahon was saying about you know, the, his players in the XFL, they're not going to be 
you know, criminals or people who are or abusers or do, you know, D, get DWIs and all that. 2006, there was a tanning salon employee accusing Vince McMahon of attempting to grope her and kiss her and show her new pictures of himself while he was there. I've actually heard about this one a bit mm. because, yeah, people have been talking about this one a lot recently. It's again one of those ones where it was reported a lot on the time mm. and then kind of disappeared a bit and there's, again, scant information is available. Yeah, because like, I came across an article from the around that time when it happened mm. and I was horrified at mm. the treatment of it and also I think it was the Wrestling Observer I don't know if it would have existed quite in that form no it, it would have yeah, yeah. it was Dave Meltzer definitely talking about it and the way he talked about it I was so horrified as like a as supposedly a journalist mm. Not keeping up to journalism. No, 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 no. By any means. And I will say, all wrestling media, by and large, particularly wrestling journalism, suffers greatly from the, well, it didn't go to court, no one was convicted, so therefore you can't say yeah. anything. Yeah. And that's fine for discussions amongst lawyers. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have conversations exactly. about what stems out of that. And especially given that, like, I was reading about this the other day that apparently the police involved in the actual investigation said that there were causes to believe that she was telling the truth. I read up as much as I could and broad strokes what seemingly happened. Vince came into a tanning salon, asked for tanning time at this one particular one, goes in with the lady. He asked her to take a picture of him for his girlfriend in New York, he said. Yeah, so quite an easy opener, like casual chat. Yeah. Oh, it's just banter. As he's taking out the phone, he starts showing her pictures of him nude. Then he starts to kiss her, touching her breasts and her waist. I think he tried to open her shirt. She pushed him away. She ran out screaming, went to like next door to like a... She told her manager that she went next door to like the Papa John's pizza place and, and told them what happened as well. Mm. Now, the other wrinkle I found this is apparently like they called the police and Vince apparently stayed out in his car Yes, this looking is the bit them. I've heard. So her... Was it her boyfriend or a friend of hers? She yeah. called up basically afterwards and was like in shock and she was in tears. And she was like, can you come and look after me for a bit? I've just had this horrible thing. Mm. I just need someone to stay with me for a bit. And so the, the guy comes and hangs out with her and he wasn't there while Vince did the deed, mm. apparently. So all he could actually vouch for was to say that, yes, Vince, he sat in his car the whole time mm. facing the salon, staring at her. That's so fucking scary. And he, the guy said, like, he wasn't even there at the time, but obviously he was there afterwards, and he said it, he'd never felt so intimidated and uncomfortable in his life. It was, like, the vibes he mm. was getting, like, yeah. the glare. And Vince was in his car for 45 minutes. That's very scary. And did you hear all the stuff about the security cameras? I didn't hear about the security cameras, so no. So this guy, again, the friend of the girl, so he was he worked, I think, either with the salon or near the salon. He Either way, he knew the manager. And he said that it was common knowledge that they had security cameras mm. throughout the salon. Mm. And yet the manager, when the police approached her, said, oh, no, we don't we don't have security cameras. Yes, yeah, so apparently I heard from the parts I read was that they had security cameras, but the room that they went into didn't have security cameras. Yeah, the hallway which, in the room didn't. Yeah, but I think from what I remember, they did actually manage to prove that Vince did at least enter the building. Yeah, and the reason the case fell apart was that the accuser was not able to identify Vince McMahon from a photo lineup. What? Now, she wasn't able to identify Vince. However, the manager and the Papa John's employee were able to identify him. So, what's going on there? The whole thing with the manager is really weird yeah, as well. Yeah, basically, look, it's a scantily reported, criminally underreported, if anything. And very badly handled. Like, yeah. seriously, I, I encourage anyone to go look at any reporting of this at the time. With, if you can find with it, With like. 2018 eyes, because it's 
awful how they 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 like call the poor woman crazy yeah and like completely disregard her comments for like the worst of reasons it's- i'm not sure the timing of it because this is like this is vince mcmahon after he came back from his quads both being ripped up and he oh really yeah, he came back quicker than triple h did when triple h had only <laughs> torn one of them so vince came up. back from two of them and he was a fucking he was a monster like we watched some of the bits on 2006 of vince on tv if, if anything is even more turned up and apparently his behavior was a bit weird back then mm. and i don't think it's any small feat or any small coincidence that a couple of weeks after that scandal hit on TV, they did a storyline with Trish and Mickey James where Trish had a boyfriend and Mickey was like, oh, look, weird and crazy. And look at this old crazy woman being crazy. And she's like, oh, he touched me. He touched me. It's yeah, like, it's all about making up allegations and how, oh, anyone will say anything. crazy women. Yeah. They'll just lie because they want attention. Yeah, it's great. I've got like a TV show watched by millions of people to kind of, you know, essentially work through all the thoughts in my head. That's a bit weird. The really sad thing, though, is how many wrestling fans have been worked by this. Mm. Like, I have seen so many fans try and argue that side of the story. Mm. And it's like, how are you an adult and you don't understand? You're a wrestling fan and you have been worked by this story. And it's like the most obvious of narratives as well. And I find quite strange about it as well. And like, I'll send this to myself. I, I was like this when I first kind of... This is something I was hearing about this in 2006 and reading the reporting on it. I never think it was fucked up. And then I remember, like, kind of revisiting it recently. You know, you brought it up. And I was like, oh, no, that was all... Yeah, that, that, all those charges were dropped. And, you know, and, I, and I found myself... And I can't explain you my behaviour for that, but I found myself very much being like, no, 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 I didn't know that. And like, Because, yeah, I remember at the time you said, oh, no, because if that happened, I'd have heard about it. I'd have read yeah. about it because I'm in... I'm, I'm, in, I'm an informed I'm, wrestling yeah, fan. I read up on wrestling journalism. And I had to say to you, yeah. are you aware of who writes wrestling journalism? Yeah. Have you taken a look at those faces? But I think there is an unwillingness among a lot of long-time fans, myself included, and it's something you need to challenge with yourself sometimes, which is... There's important, larger-than-life characters that you have grown up with. And this is the same thing that happened to you. There's a lot of people who have had a lot of heroes of theirs in the last couple of years come out and find some horrible shit out about them. And it's the same thing with, with wrestling, if not more so, because with wrestling, there's the added layer of protectionism of this is wrestling and you none of you understand it. Yeah. You're not a wrestling fan. And also the fact that it's pretty much dominated by one guy. Yeah, and this is the guy. You're attacking Vince... You're attacking wrestling. wrestling and you're attacking my lifestyle choice as a wrestling <laughs> fan. And we're so quick as wrestling fans to call Vince McMahon every name under the sun. And yet we're so willing to jump to his defense. Mm. If there's anything like this, that's like, oh, that's too serious. No, 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 Vince wouldn't do that. Uh, these are two reported instances. There's probably many other ones unreported. And there's we're not certainly say- a lot of rumors. Yeah. And I don't want to say there's no smoke without fire, but this there's enough cause here given the lifestyle that he leads and the person that he is and the way he presents himself and public-facing. the way facing. the industry is. And yeah, there's plenty of cause to think that there's probably some dodgy shit that's happened along the it way. It is unfortunately an industry that has been built on the foundations of abusing women and minorities. And it's, uh, it, it's true. There's a lot of fucked up aspects to wrestling. And I just don't think... I don't think it, it hurts as much to to actually confront it as you might think you know we, we just need it's quite to, freeing in a way it is as wrestling fans it's you know, we say about anything you know just doesn't mean you can't watch your media and enjoy it just kind of question a little bit about it you know uh, in the same way that anytime you're watching a you know many a movie that's going to be out now I know I'm scrolling through my Netflix recommendations like oh gee oh, oh god I wish I'd seen Rain Man before now <laughs> you know and like there's a lot of, I'm not you know I'm not saying that I'm not drawing equivalences between the, the people who've been accused currently and Vince McMahon I'm just saying 
don't be so fucking precious about this man who you're so willing to criticise no. about his fucking book. You know, he's done worse things than booking Roman Reigns. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> be, be a smarter fan. Be open. I think one of the main things you can do is just be really aware whenever you're consuming any kind of story like this, just be aware of who's leading the narrative, who has the most to lose, who has the most to gain, who has the power to tell the narrative the way they want to, yeah. and how are they putting across the people who they're against. I remember pretty much 95% of the wrestling content you consume, who's got the final stamp on it. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's hard as well as wrestling fans, when you've been consuming that for, what, 20, 30 years, yeah. 40, 50 years? Mm-hmm. It's hard to sort of look at that and be like, oh, I've absorbed so much shit (laughs) like this one guy has basically told a narrative of my brain at this point it's true it's true and not just wrestling I think that could extend to a lot of the media we've consumed as kids absolutely video games TV film comics it's all if you grow up with something like that it becomes a part of you Mm. so it's really important to understand that part yeah absolutely those are some of the scandals of Real life Vince McMahon. That's actually less scandals than I thought there would be. Yeah, I mean, you could go into individually the territories and the lives he's ruined along the way <laughs> and the individual wrestlers. I, I'm just trying to think of ones that are Vince-centric mm. that kind of speak to his character. I see. If you're kind of going, oh, what well, about the time he fucked over X, Y, and Z? You know, those will come up in their respective episodes. Vince McMahon is, is not an episode. He's a fucking theme. He's a backbone that's going to be running through 90% of our content here. <laughs> so he will come up again, folks. But I want to talk a little bit about the character in inverted commas. Oh, and, God. And this is great because it facilitates one of the last kind of Vince scandals I want to talk about facilitates the character. Because, Joe, we all know that there's Vince McMahon we've been talking about. But then there's Mr. McMahon. Mm. This confused me so, so, so much. It confused me as a kid as well, by the way. Oh, really? That's quite comforting. Because in Storyline once there was a time where Vince was out of power and Mick Foley was the commissioner and then Steffi revealed it's like oh because you know uh, Linda's unwell the control of the company now goes back to my dad and Vince goes well you know what that means Mr. McMahon is back and I'm like the fuck you been on TV like for the last six months Who, who's been there <laughs> oh that was Vince McMahon what <laughs> yeah well no I, only, I think I only found out last year that Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon were supposed to be different people. If they called him Mr. McMahon exclusively on TV, they called him Vince all the fucking goddamn time. It's why oh. it suits them. They don't always call him Mr. McMahon. Oh. Such bollocks. It's really hard as a new fan to understand what the fuck the difference is between Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon when his name is Mr. Vince McMahon. <laughs> and they use it interchangeably. And... There seems to be a lot of blurring of the lines between the two characters. And then you've got the fact that wrestling itself, there's this whole kayfabe versus shoot. The lines between that is often blurred when you get storylines involving wrestlers who are injured. Are they injured for real? Is it an angle? Wrestlers will always say the best characters in wrestling are the ones where it's your personality with the volume turned way up like, which is what a lot of people say is Vince so like you can look at some of the character. episodes we've done maybe like uh, Tristratus Steve Austin Roddy Piper to an extent these are all people who's or young books for definite you know people whose real life persona is built off of an exaggerated version of themselves so that's kind of I think what Vince comes from with that it's like I'm, I have a lot of these qualities but I'm not this crazy cartoon villain like Mr. McMahon the character is mm. 
But there's so many times where Mr. McMahon, the character, seems to be a vehicle for Vince McMahon, the person, to play out his fantasies. Yeah, I kind of feel that anyone trying to argue that there is a difference between Mr. McMahon and Vince McMahon is... Ah, uh, mis- I know, maybe misguided slightly? Because it doesn't even seem to me that Vince thinks that, truly. No, or his family, or any of his top stars. You get the interview with him, with Bob Costas. Yeah. And in that interview, Bob Costas, who is very clued up on wrestling, he's clearly a fan. Please, we'll put a link up on the website for oh, some extended God. watching. Watch Vince it. Vince and Bob Costas is fucking insane. It is. And Bob Costas tries to draw out then what's the difference between you know you've got these weird storylines involving mr mcmahon but you're you're mr mcmahon you're vince mcmahon and vince says in this interview no 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 mr mcmahon is a character Mm. i am vince mcmahon i would i would never do the things that uh mr mcmahon the the evil hyper villain would do of course we are very different people now when was that interview 2001 2001 okay Five years later, in this documentary, 2006 this was, you get interviews from Stephanie, Shane, you've got Bruce Pritchard, you've got Vince, you've got Eric Bischoff. Hogan. Hogan, JR, Steve Austin. Austin. Rock. Pretty much a who's who of wrestling. A who's who of wrestling. And Bruce Pritchard. (laughs) Then they ask them, okay, who is Mr. McMahon? Who is Vince McMahon? And I'm just going to read out a couple of quotes that I gathered from this interview. They didn't ask Bob Costas who Mr. McMahon was, by the (laughs) way, folks. So, Stephanie, Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon are one and the same. This one's from Vince. Where does the line between Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon end? No one truly knows. (laughs) Bruce Pritchard says, The same person that you see on the screen is the same person you see off of it. This next one's from Vince McMahon again. The day Mr. McMahon was born is the same day that Vince McMahon was born. And then from Sergeant Slaughter, you've got, Although Mr. McMahon is bad, he isn't as bad as the real thing. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Now, from all of those quotes, to me, that would say... It's not really as clear cut. It's not as black and white as Mr. McMahon and Vince McMahon. Yeah, it definitely isn't. For my mind, Mr. McMahon is the cartoon character who's screaming at God in church to strike him down. Vince McMahon is pretty much any time it's like he's there with his son and his daughter or his wife kind of playing on real life things or when he's doing stuff with wrestlers where it seems to be playing off a lot of real life power struggles and power dynamics. See, to me, I think it's most helpful to think of Vince McMahon, and I, I say that as an umbrella term for him as Vince McMahon and Mr. Yeah. McMahon, as a almost like a spectrum. Mm. Like a gender spectrum almost. Mm. And then, oh, of course you found a way to shovel in gender. My social justice warrior <laughs> opinions. This is just to make sure that anyone who was going to leave me abuse on Reddit fucks off now, okay? <laughs> just get out of here. I don't want you. But yeah, I, I don't think it's as, as binary as Mr. McMahon and Vince McMahon. I, I think it is. It's this weird spectrum mm. of which he sits permanently on every point of the spectrum. You can always see in storylines where he's a little bit more into it or a little bit more amped up. Whole storyline about him, you know, when he, when he actually in real life bought WCW and you see mm. his character playing out on TV. It's like, oh, the sick Vince. Like, he did the thing when he bought WCW. He, like, he went through, he was watching the last show and like oh look there's Jeff Jarrett I'm gonna fire his ass that's you tell me that wasn't him for real saying that and be like look at this guy I forgot bought the company look at this bollocks here I'm gonna fire him make him join my hall of fame and then pay for his rehab 20 years later <laughs> it'll be great there's a lot of that like where again I meant to think with Mickey James and stuff like that where it's kind of storylines start playing out and you can see Vince himself is so fucking into the idea of 
Like, he loves it. Like, there was a moment, you know, they're talking about when Steve Austin left the company and, you know, Vince, you know, as a character has to come out and tell the fans that Steve Austin is gone. He fucking loved every second But is it in character? I think it's Vince. Yeah, but it's it's presented as character, isn't it? Yeah. Now... In theory, that would be fine. They would be like, that. yeah, okay, fine, it's wrestling. He's a character, he's not a character. It doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. But it actually does matter a lot. Because you might point at anything that's very, very dodgy and go, he forced a woman to strip in the middle of the ring. Oh, that's ah, his character. Mr. McMando. He, you know, he beat up his own daughter in a wrestling ah, match. Ah, it's just his character, isn't it? Yeah. Now, the trouble with that is... He is also a business owner. He does own the WWE, mm. which means not only is he a very powerful billionaire who can almost control the media narrative anyway, just through press releases that he gives out, mm-hmm. well-timed, public donations to certain charities, very well-timed. Mm. He already has this massive control over the narrative. Yeah. And when you also have that added factor of being able to say, oh, but that was in character, or that wasn't in character, or this is kayfabe, because you don't understand wrestling. That wasn't real, or that was. And it helps Vince McMahon literally decide whenever he wants. That's whatever me, he wants. That's yeah, yeah, that's me or that's not me. And in that interview with Bob Costas, he brings up the Tristratus angle, the, yeah. the whole horrible one, which we mentioned on her episode, where she's forced to strip her underwear and, and crawl around on her knees and bark like a dog. And Vince says, ah, that was in character. You don't understand because it was Mr. McMahon and this is wrestling and also entertainment. Well, you don't understand... Because you don't watch. Mm. The only people who can even comment on that have to be invested wrestling fans. Because otherwise you're an elitist. You're one of those mainstream media elitist types. I don't want to... The similarities with Trump there are so fucking apparent. Yeah, seriously. Especially when you think of Trump's rise to fame through wrestling, through the very carefully crafted narrative of The Apprentice. Yeah. The appearance of him... It's a character. It's totally a character. The appearance of wealth. Set designed to look like his home. It's so many of the same parallels. But the difference that I would think is that I don't think Donald Trump is ever kind of going, yeah, this is all like a show and a bit of a character. I don't... Leaves this. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Donald Trump is clever enough to <laughs> realise the lack of self awareness yeah. there. Yeah. Well, and also for Donald Trump, it wasn't his doing. It was the very clever the producers, the producers yeah. of The Apprentice, that really crafted that narrative. Has there ever been a phrase that fills you with more dread about the state of the world than the President of the United States has less of a sense of self image than Vincent Kennedy McMahon? Jesus. <laughs> But I always, you know, the image, the, the phrase I couldn't get out of my head over and over again. I kept thinking about uh, Don Vito from Viva La Bam when they, he was a larger than life character who was then accused of groping people and all this stuff. And uh, in his defense, the, the lawyers were like, oh, he's playing the character, you know. And just uh, your honor, that was my character that was doing those incredibly disagreeable things that you all saw. It was not me. Same same with Dapper Laughs. Remember him? Yeah, except he was too scared to do his character in front of that mean news lady. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's it's very interesting to consider just how carefully crafted the whole image of WWE and Vince McMahon. And that's interesting as well, seeing as Vince was very, very, for the longest time, he didn't even want people to know he was the owner. Like, yeah. On, on camera, he was, the, you know, he was the announcer. That was it. Vince was there in his big jacket, doing the kind of that style of commentary that inexplicably my better half, Joe, loves <laughs> so much. What a maneuver. But he was quite hesitant to actually become mm. a character on screen, even when, and this is something which a lot of people maybe not realize, the Mr. McMahon character, the character of the overbearing boss who rules with an iron fist, 
He wasn't even the first person to do that. Oh, really? Eric Bischoff was the overbearing heel boss of the NWO and ran WCW long before Vince McMahon wow, screwed anyone. Wow, I didn't anyone. know that. God, kudos to Eric Bischoff. It's a really clever idea. And kudos to Eric Bischoff for biting his tongue for the last 20 years <laughs> and not being like, I came up with that shit! God, fuck, I, come on! You t- ah, lads! Oh! <laughs> Don't get me wrong, there's only ever one Vince McMahon, but that trope, people cred- credit that he came up with the heel authority figure. He didn't. He refined it, he made it his, but it all started, Joe, in a horrible winter's night in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, late November. He had been kind of alluded to as being the man who was controlling things on screen for quite a while now, like with Bret Hart, who's in kayfabe, was in to be frustrated with how things were going on. And he'd like call Vince out, like him and Vince got in a fist fight on TV and stuff. It's like, Wait a Whoa. second, are you about to tell me the Montreal screw job? I'm going to give you a little little, little part of the, the, the Montreal screw job here. I'm going to give but you the, all of it. the synopsis. Joe, there's episodes that we could fill about this. You need to know the basic basics of it, but there's movies, there's documentaries, there's careers that we could talk about and conspiracy theories. There's still... I'll tell you this, and you still won't know the Montreal Screwjob. Oh, my God. But for those of you at home, it's a very important moment in both their life and career. Vince McMahon, WWF, and Bret Hart, who is someone we'll cover at a later date. Essentially, Bret Hart, who was a WWF champion at the time and was doing a storyline where he was a good guy in Canada and a bad guy in America... He was to defend the title against Shawn Michaels, whose storyline was he was a dickhead in America, Canada, and the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so those two had a match. Brett and Shawn, in real life, fucking hated each other. Brett's contract was coming up. Brett was going to WCW. He's going to the other company, and Brett was the champion. And Brett, because he takes himself very seriously, something we talked about in Owen's episodes, Brett, very serious competitor, views his accomplishments in the ring as being, you know, being that very serious said he did not want to lose the title to Shawn Michaels, the man who he disrespected in Montreal. He thought it was in bad taste. The fans would hate it. He's a cultural icon there. Yada, yada, yada. Can we do literally anything else? Could you, for instance, I'll come to the next night on Raw. I'll drop the belt there. Or could we have it so that it ends with a big crazy DQ finish and you strip me of the belt and I go away? Yeah, there's lots of ways to kind of not have someone win but not have them lose in their hometown. I will say as well, though, in the grand scheme of things, it can always be viewed as somewhat ridiculous that a wrestler is like, no, I don't want to lose here, let me lose there. But that's... Uh, I mean, I think that's kind of throwing away quite a big part of wrestling, though. Yeah, it, it's, true. It's a lot about... It grows from the territories. It's about your hometown wrestler in a lot of respects. So true. I can, I can at least understand that. It's always been pitched, though, as a very selfish thing that, that, really? that Brett wanted to, to not do business. Okay. Because you All lose right. on your way out. That's always the way. You put over right. someone on your way out. That'll come up again, folks. Anyway, Brett was told... In real life, the match will end when all of DX come out and all of the Hart Foundation come out. It's a big, crazy brawl. It's a DQ, and we'll we'll get rid of the belt. What actually happened in the match was Brett got put in his own finishing move, the Sharpshooter, which is uh, you know his submission by Sean. And then Vince McMahon told the referee to ring the fucking bell, and the referee rang the bell, and Shawn Michaels is given the World Championship, and Shawn Michaels looks really confused. Brett Hart sits up and straight away realizes that he has been uh, swerved. To put it lightly. So it was made to look like he had tapped out then? Yes. Bret Hart? That Sean had made Bret tap out. With his own move? With his own submission move. And so this came as a surprise to Sean Michaels, I'm guessing? Uh, at the time it did, but later... Well, there'll be more on that in Shawn Michaels' episode, Joe. Okay. <laughs> All you need to know in terms of the Vince thing was that this was Vince sitting at ringside. Everyone could see straight away. Holy shit. 
the he just screwed fucking Bret Hart or Hero in our hometown. So they everyone knew that he he did this that he said ring the bell. Yeah, because it's very visible because he Vince do it and also Bret spat in Vince's face straight away. Oh shit! Yeah, and then Bret started like you know breaking shit and yeah, not good. Went backstage. Bret knocked out Vince. <gasps> Bret goes to WCW. Vince McMahon appears next week on Raw with the whole wrestling world abuzz. This is mine. Think of this, folks. Pre-Twitter, pre-instant, everyone knows. This is everyone sitting at home ruminating on this. Is it kayfabe? Is yeah. it real? Dave Meltzer somewhere typing as quickly as his fingers can allow him to. You know, what's going on? A lot of people thought it was kayfabe. Vince McMahon appears next night on Raw with a big black eye and said, Brett made a very selfish, selfish decision. I have no sympathy whatsoever. Brett screwed Brett. Ooh, okay. And Brett goes to WCW. I'm a bit confused as to how that's Brett screwing Brett. Because Brett didn't want to do business. Well, he didn't want to hand. lose in his hometown in his final match. These are just the circumstances as they were presented, honey bunny. Alas, that's just how it came off. Okay. But what they realized straight away, some will say this was planned this way. Others will say, oh shit, they just kind of, hang on a second, everyone hates Vince. Who'd have thought Vince McMahon brandishing a black eye given to him by our fallen hero, Bret Hart, appearing on TV in a turtleneck saying very curtly that he has no sympathy whatsoever. Also, I own this billion dollar company. Straight away, everyone's booing Vince. And he becomes the character. He's no longer just the announcer. He's the guy who fucking stole Bret Hart's dream. He's the guy who screws people. And he's been doing it for years. And he's pretending to be an announcer. He's a ruthless son of a bitch. And off to the races they went. Wow. Harnessing real life resentment, transfiguring it into heat. And then along comes Stone Cold Steve Austin, who from our episode with Steve Austin, he fucking blew up because you've got this fucking asshole boss who's fucked people over. And now here comes this tough talking, working class son of a bitch, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's drinking beer, giving Vince McMahon the finger. And what was so great about it was that Vince, the character, he starts off as being... I'm the proud owner of the World Wrestling Federation, Mr. Austin, and quite frankly, I'm your boss, too. I hate Stone Cold. I hate him. <laughs> you don't have it anymore. It's mine. It's mine. So Austin facilitated Mr. McMahon becoming wrestling's Darth Vader. He is the antagonist of wrestling. And what they did with Austin and Vince, they since have tried to replicate with many other people. It's magic, that angle. It's... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's worked throughout time. Before wrestling existed, it's it's a classic trope. Nothing will ever get that raw emotion across of the fucking, the boss who just wants his company to run the way he wants and rule with an iron fist. An egomaniac who's using his success to gratify himself. And you got the the guy who's booking the system who also has got a pretty cool voice and talks like this. I mean, come on, that's just gold. They'll never get that. And they did Vincent Bobby Lashley, Vincent Brock Lesnar, Vincent Shawn Michaels, Vincent Roman Reigns, Vincent John Cena. They've always tried to replicate. Vince versus Blank was the go-to for like 20 years in WWE, it felt like. That's the standard. As a character, we've watched some of Vince's promos. We see a lot of his interactions with Austin. We watched the very famous, Life sucks, and then you die. I always thought he's underrated. He's, he's taken as such a given as a character on mm. screen. I just wondered, for you as a new fan, watching some of these segments with Vince as a character, doing his promos. I mean, we watched him doing the, the promo in the full-length mirror, when he's talking about bringing in the NWO and injecting with a lethal dose of poison. Mm. What are your thoughts seeing this character on screen? What did he like to you? Was it entertaining? 
Yeah, at times it's entertaining. Um, Any highlights? I did really like his Life Sucks and then you die promo. I thought that was really, really well done. That can't be me with the small genitalia. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, though, it's it's so, aged so badly, his character. Really? Are you surprised? You I, sound surprised. I do, because honestly, like I could watch Vince promos all fucking day. I had literally to hold back. I, I literally, I wanted to show you hours of Vince promos, but I was like, I had to cut God. it down to some essentials because I could hear him talk forever. Like, Because mm. Vince doing everything is like, like, there was one time they were in Liverpool and he got like... <laughs> the crowd was a bit flat and during the break he came out and cut a promo on them was like what the hell is wrong with you people you're not cheering for the WWE superstars is it because we come to Liverpool we're never going to come back here again Liverpool it sounds like a goddamn skin disease it's just anything he does in that character I find silly and entertaining yeah but you think anything he does okay maybe not anything or why, why, why would you say it's aged badly because a lot of his sense of what is entertaining is either juvenile or mean. He comes from, I think, quite a cruel place, his sense of humour. Yeah. A lot of it is to do with the size of his penis or the size of his balls, making people piss themselves or be sick. Or And mm. I like like I said, I love toilet humour and I yeah, get yeah. it. And there's definitely bits of that which I think is great and very funny. But on the whole, I just think it's, it makes it feel a bit tacky and shallow. and Really? Dirty, a bit kind of like tainted. I'll counter to you with this: if he is this like kind of tacky and nasty and horrible man, isn't it like really fun to see him get the shit knocked out of him by the likes of Stone Cold and and others? Yeah, definitely. I loved the stuff with with him and Steve Austin. I thought it was amazing because that's the difficulty of this: is you, you can't use an opinion of Vince as an umbrella term because there's so many elements to his character and yeah. him and his storylines because Vince McMahon interacting with Steve Austin is not is, is obviously far more entertaining than you know, the Vince McMahon we saw when he sold Raw to Donald Trump that was a kind of yeah. strange kind of oh, here we go more fucking Vince stuff like yeah so I don't want to kind of say overall mm. because that doesn't work so I mean I love the stuff with him and Steve Austin I think genuinely such a clever dynamic mm. those two it's like I said it's a classic we saw clips from St. Valentine's Day Massacre when he battled Steve Austin in a steel cage I was struggling to think of anyone other than Mick Foley who's taken more unprotected chair shots on WWF TV than mm. Vince were you surprised at the level at which Vince got physically involved so because he went from being like not at all involved to jumping off cages and getting smashed with chairs and thrown off the apron 50 something then as well I was surprised but also not surprised because mm. I, I've heard I've heard people say that he he will give as much as he expects from his talent like he wouldn't make anyone do anything that he hasn't either done himself or wouldn't mm. expect him to be able to pull off something we talked about in our over on Patreon our Hell in a Cell review where we talked about the Kevin Owens and Shane angle mm. about probably the best thing Kevin Owens ever did when he headbutted Vince McMahon was drawing blood and like yeah. knocking him a bit loopy because Vince will respect that yeah and I said at the time I'm pretty sure Vince told him to do it for real and try and draw blood because I mean I've yeah I, I, I had heard even then that's what he was like and yeah, watching some of these clips, these matches, it's really obvious that he... He expects something from people. Yeah, and expects something from himself. And he's got a certain idea of, of what's entertaining and what should be done, which I don't necessarily agree with. A lot of, I think, his go-tos are needlessly edgy. Mm. Like blood bloodletting. Yeah, every match... Like, we do matches in a moment and everyone Vince fucking gushes. Like, yeah. gross blood. Mm. 
think there's one we didn't actually watch the whole match I showed you some clips for the build up to it where he said that he was going to have uh, the Undertaker's children kidnapped and wife raped by a motorcycle gang yeah. was when he fought the Undertaker in a buried alive match and it is the most blood I've ever seen in wrestling like literally it's, it's he can't even open his eyes it's so heavy with blood his lids it's fucking gross I would say I think he's an amazing performer, perhaps one of the best ever in WWE. In terms of athleticism compared to actual, like, the match and the performance, no, no one mean... that less, I mean, no one that unathletic performs that well. Because mm. he's, he's got two left feet and is basically a garbage bag full of fucking processed meat stapled together when it comes to him moving around the ring. But two things about that. Mm. One, he has to wouldn't be a good show if he... Because he knows he can't wrestle. I don't yeah. think he's in any denial about that. It, everyone <laughs> mentions the fact that he is shit at wrestling. He can try to do fake punches and hit you for mm. real. That's his bread and butter. Yeah. So, I mean, he knows where his strengths lie and it's mostly in his vocals, his promos. He's He is very good at controlling a crowd. Yeah, directing the crowd's hatred yeah. towards him, getting the crowd to cheer for other people. Yeah, He has, I think, an understanding like no one else of what wrestling is mm. um, and the difference between like kayfabe and shoot and blurring the lines I think he he uses that to his advantage in a way I do not like for him mm. as a person yeah but as a wrestling narrative it's very clever yeah yeah quite kind compelling of not, yeah they're not knowing what's real what's not real yeah he's uh, so, said as well uh, one thing I quite like about Vince why I think as a great mindset as a performer is he said that he loves doing live TV live pay-per-views live raw and all that because if it's live there are no mistakes mm. You walk up the ramp and you slip and fall. I meant to do that. And there's actually cases of Vince, like he's coming out all pissed off. Oh, here comes the big promo. And he slips walking up the steps. And he's like, God damn it. And everyone's like, oh, Vince fucking slipped. You mother. You know, and he, he makes a part of the show. Mm. Like, yeah. Don't think it works for everyone. Works for him, though. I don't necessarily think it's a case of working for him. I think it's a case of just doing it. <laughs> like, he knows you have to do it. And he's, he is 100% right with that. Like, he gets wrestling. He sat there with his fucking quadricep muscle blown. Yeah, exactly. Sat in the ring and he's doing in the In agony. Angle. And he's cutting a promo and he's telling people what to do. And he's in character. And I think that's really admirable. Mm. I think Vince McMahon, if he had been a wrestler instead of a promoter, mm. I think he'd be one of the best performers like of all time. I, I think his biggest weakness is that he's not had anyone to draw him in. He's not, he's not had the athleticism, I think. It's, it's really, well, I think, as well, the, I don't the timing. Know if, uh, yeah, the athleticism is definitely important, but I think Vince would argue it doesn't matter. Because if Vince was just a regular wrestler, people would be like, Jesus fucking lad just hurting everyone and can't do any moves. But when he's like... When you have the match with Vince, it's a high-profile match. It's like a secret thing. We train for it specifically. We build up the match carefully. And we work around Vince's weaknesses. But Vince always wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah. His, I, da his dad forbade it. He said, you can't be management and be involved on mm, TV. Obviously, he, uh, once <laughs> he died, was like, it's up to me now. I think I just think if he if he had been been a wrestler, like been given wrestling training, yeah, yeah. he's obviously hardworking. Yeah. He's obviously good at building bulk muscle <laughs> yeah. to a degree he has an amount of control over his body yes and he knows how to work around he knows how to perform he knows how to do a killer promo i think he's one of his biggest weaknesses is like i said is, is that he's never had anyone to tell him okay that's a that's Stop. enough come back a bit now he takes it too far all the matches we watched and it's funny all the matches we could have watched with vince's matches it's either 
awesome or you went too far. Mm. There's never a Vince McMahon match where it's like, ah, oh, that was a bit underwhelming, lads. It's always built up to something fucking crazy or just like something that's a little uncomfortable to watch because mm. it goes too far the other direction. I think that Vince really understands the entertainment side of wrestling better than like anyone else. If you could just get that entertainment side with the skill of wrestling today mm. and like merge them. I just find it so. I do find that they are lacking a character as strong as that. Oh, on yeah, TV. No, absolutely. He is such a great villain. And that's kind of a, almost one of the biggest weaknesses of Vince McMahon booking that character is that if a bit of Vince McMahon is good and a bit of McMahon family drama is good, well, then a lot of McMahon family drama is great. Mm. And he oversaturated his character. The best things that have ever happened to his character is when he's been written off because he's. Three or four times, he they just overdid it. Like, it was, like, way too much. 1999, June 1999, the end of an era match. Steve Austin versus The Undertaker. Steve Austin won, and the stipulation was that Vince McMahon had to go away forever. That was 1999. Mm. They'd come to the conclusion we'd used him too much. Right, wow. Three months later, <laughs> he was back on TV doing the same fucking gimmick. I just think he loves himself too much. I think so. I think he has more confidence in himself as a character than anyone else on the show and that's not a good thing no like for instance I remember a couple of like two years ago when Roman Reigns was really struggling to be that top guy still is to an extent the first thing Vince did was put himself on TV did a little angle where Roman got him arrested and he gave him the Superman punch and all that because Vince knows he can get people over Mm. there was a time when CM Punk was champion the ratings were in a were in a real slump they were just kind of petering out and Vince literally just showed up on TV he hadn't been a character for months just showed up as Vince like I'm gonna fight CM Punk and it was awesome, and it got a big ratings boost. And that Vince always thinks that's the that's the solution to any woe. As he's getting older, though, it's harder to do. It's harder to do. I might run through some of Vince McMahon's crazy, wacky storylines involving himself that may have went a little bit too far. Did you know that Vince McMahon was former World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion? No. <laughs> yeah, he beat Triple H for the World Championship. What year was this? Uh, 1999. He beat Triple H for the World Championship. He never got beat either. He, he relinquished the title, so he retired undefeated from the, the championship reign. Vince is also a former ECW World Heavyweight Champion as well. Wow. Vince McMahon, a former winner of the Royal Rumble. Oh. <laughs> Vince won the 1999 Royal Rumble as well. Vince McMahon also on TV has died. Okay. Uh, hmm. I don't know what to say to that. Okay, bear with me now. Okay. It does make sense. Yeah, sure. So Vince had had a hard time in the storyline, right? He had the whole thing with Trump. He had a whole thing going on with Bobby Lashley as well, who beat him up loads. He, uh, he had a bad run of it. And Vince was coming to the conclusion in 2007, as he got to summer, that no one appreciated Vince McMahon anymore. So we had McMahon Appreciation Night. And everyone was meant to basically come out and say, Vince, we appreciate you for... For, for all the things that you've done. And they had, like, you know, former stars film videos and send them in, like, Bret Hart and Eric Bischoff and stuff like that. And everyone's like, yeah, Vince, we, the only thing we appreciate about you is what a big piece of shit you are. And, like, and Bret Hart's like, yeah, if you see Vince McMahon, give him one of these. And I'll give him one of these as well. He'd lift up his fists. And Vince got really upset and he had, like, a nervous breakdown in the ring. He's like, his tears throwing down his eyes. He's like, oh, no one loves me anymore. And he walked to the backstage area and all the superstars were all lined up and all staring at him. He walks off, like, like he's lost and doesn't know what to do. Looking sad, gets into a limousine, which then explodes. The limousine explodes. Next night on SmackDown, we had a 10-bell salute for Vince McMahon, who had died. Fucking hell. Media 
Guess how they reacted. I bet they thought it was real. Yeah, they thought Vincent actually died. Oh, you see, this stuff pisses me off because, like, no fucking wonder he had this attitude to this Bob Costas interview. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, the media fucking doesn't understand. They don't trust you because of shit like this. I wish I could tell you that's the the wacky kind of peak of this. Just take a bit of a, a bit of a turn here. It did in this first instance, after they did the 10 Bell thing, they had to release a press statement saying, look, it's a it's a character like in a TV show, like like the Sex in the City, like in The Sopranos, like in The Game of the Thrones. It's fine. It's just a character. And I, at the time, was thinking like, okay, it is. All right, let's, let's try this with wrestling. It's a character that's died. It's not Vince. He's actually alive still. We know that. It's just a storyline. And they actually started a storyline, which is who killed Vince McMahon? And it was like, who shot Mr. Burns? They had the federal investigators showed up and it's like, was it Stephanie trying to get Vince killed so her and Triple H could take over? Is it Mick Foley, the disgruntled ex-employee? Is it like, you know, all these, is it Shane McMahon coming back to get revenge on his father for ousting him? And all these things are going on there. What's gonna happen? And then Chris Benoit killed his wife and child what? and himself. Literally a couple of weeks after, in the midst of the storyline starting off, Vince McMahon has died, then Chris Benoit died, and Vince and WWE had the misfortune of having to go on TV and say, no, this isn't a storyline, this performer is actually oh, dead, Jesus. and has killed his wife and child as well. And yeah, that put the kibosh on that storyline. So, whoa! Talk about putting the cart before the horse there. I mean, you couldn't predict that was happening, but that just kind of shows you... You're living in an industry where people dying tragically, unfortunately, was not uncommon enough for this to go off and you could not... I don't want say you could expect it to happen, but you should have considered that it could have mm. happened. And it did. Yeah, wow. Vince has also run a storyline after that to try and kind of get some of the juice of the, the mystery storyline. He came back a couple of months later and said, oh yeah, I actually faked my death to see if actually people, anyone cared about me. Uh, turns out you all did. So I'm back now. It's me, Vince McMahon. Waka waka. And then it came out that Vince had actually had an illegitimate bastard son who was an active member oh, of the WWE fuck roster. Sake. What? The highlight of this was them having to do a thing where the lawyer was like, all the superstars have to go into the ring and I will read out clues and then they all leave and then we're left with who Vince's son is going to be. And it's like, they are a former champion of the WWE. They uh, have blonde hair. You know, they are from this town. And it was really funny. I remember it was at the Sandman. <laughs> it was drunk and accidentally stayed in the ring. And I remember being like, hang on, is a Sandman coming? <laughs> kind of yes, please. Yes. I love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out it was Hornswoggle was Vince's son. Oh, I, that's so funny, Vince. Wow. God, what a funny, funny joke. Get it? Get it? Because the man has dwarfism, so uh, it's funny. Well, the problem with that was that Vince really seemed to struggle in storyline, sorry, storyline, in real life, because the way they booked this, of because Hornswoggle was Vince's son, but Hornswoggle was also of small stature, therefore it was treated on camera that Hornswoggle was a child. Oh, my fucking God. God. And they did this whole segment where Vince like whipped him with a belt what and stuff like that, fuck? and it was just what an absolute nightmare. This angle, by the way, culminated in JBL versus Fit Finley at WrestleMania. That's how confident Vince was in this angle. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna walk away from it now. What year was this again? WrestleMania 24, so in 2007. Fucking hell! Not even. Oh, yeah, like, this that's was... ten years ago. That's nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my. god God. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Million Dollar Mania, 
where Vincent Mann thought a great way to get rid of the slump and ratings that was happening around 2009 and 10 was to have him give away millions of dollars by doing a random phone-in on Raw. So Raw would start and there'd be a big stage. It's like, we have a match. Now it's time for Million Dollar Mania. And Vincent Mann would walk out on screen with like the Grey Cali or like Charlie Haas and literally just pick up a phone and go, boop, 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 boop. Boop, boop. Oh, they're not answering. Boop, 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 Hi, this is Vince McMahon, and uh, I'm wondering if you want to win a million dollars. Who's this? It's Vince McMahon. Million Dollar Mania. What? Oh, I think they've hung up. Let me try again. And it, it was as tooth-curlingly bad as that. Gave out like some some one person got a million dollars. Rest is like I'm gonna give out three thousand dollars. <laughs> come on, folks! Ha! Come on! You wanna play? You wanna dance? Come on! It's a little bit of money. Wow. Yeah, that culminated when the million dollar mania set exploded inexplicably and fell on Vince, assumedly killing him until he came back the next time. What? Vince will turn anything into a storyline. Yeah, clearly. That, by the way, really does bother me in terms of like, okay, from a new, like, let's go like shallow onion layer. Yeah, from yeah. a new fan's perspective, it's confusing. Yeah. From a slightly deeper layer. You, you, Sorry, I'm removing onion layers yeah, here. Yeah, that's fine. From a slightly deeper layer, you, you could say that it's, I'd say even confusing for people within wrestling who've been watching for a while. Or oh, just annoying or okay. aggravating. Th- a further layer, you could say it's deliberate misinformation. And <laughs> it's not million dollar mania. And then a, an even de- deeper layer still, you could even go so far as to say it's gaslighting your audience. <laughs> when, I mean, when you control what's real what's not and you get yeah. to say oh no but that's storyline that's Vince McMahon that's Vince yeah, McMahon yeah. that's WWE wrestling that's sports entertainment not real rest. you just get to decide for whatever mm. and that's one of the many cases where it's like sorry folks Vince wants to do this and we can't talk him out of it no one has been able to compel him enough not to do it so like Vince is at his worst when he's bored and no one is challenging him that's why like having people like Paul Heyman and stuff in the writing team we always thought was good because they're they would argue and Vince would do that like he would put people on his writing team who would argue with him because he likes to be challenged Which, thank god because I completely agree that he needs he needs to be challenged not only challenged I think he needs someone over him to mm. say no he will always have to be the one who says yes he has I to be think, that decider sorry I think that's a really bad idea and I think Vince would actually do some I think Vince could have done some great work if he'd just mm. had someone higher up than him to say no it's interesting because they mentioned the documentary as well like he was at his best when they were head to head with WCW mm-hmm. and they had that that fire under them when and they had to have the ratings up they yeah. had to make sure that every minute of television counts and that no see. one's going to switch over mm. and of course the moment they lose that competition you've got Katie Vick <laughs> Well, hang on now. We did have a uh, an eight or nine month lead into Katie Vick, Joe. Come on, we had to ruin. I remember that was really funny because we talked about that Paul Heyman promo where he confronts Vince in that episode, and a lot of that kind of might seem more relevant now. We know more about Vince, mm-hmm. I guess. But when he's like, you know, have you seen the television show lately? It's it's awful. I remember watching as a kid going, no, WWE is great. What are you talking about, smelly Paul Haven? Then like, lo and behold, like a couple of months later, it's like, oh, geez, this show's really starting to fucking suck. Like, you know, oh, my God. And I think Vince 
you can look at any time where there's like a really egregiously bad storyline and it's always when he's not been challenged mm-hmm. you know he's a creative force and he, he's so hard working he'll mower ahead with a bad idea if someone doesn't stop him I mean some of the bad ideas I've heard that he has been stopped on have been like pretty horrifying what were some of the uh, faves of yours there was the great one where Vince wanted to turn Stephanie's real life pregnancy not a kayfabe real actual his shoot door we haven't even spoken the fact that Vince McMahon Mr. McMahon character real person but he also brought his actual family oh yeah all the McMahon family came in for the ride to similarly play versions of themselves that are based on reality Mm. to an extent and he wanted to make Stephanie's real life pregnancy an angle where he was the father and then he changes like okay we'll do that Stephanie was like no I'm sorry dad this is the one time absolutely not I refuse and he was like fine my next best idea you'll love this your brother is the illegitimate dad (laughs) that's his idea of compromise look someone in this family's gonna fuck someone Shano come over here (laughs) and I'm supposed to believe meanwhile that that's an idea that didn't come from Mr. McMahon yeah that's the not the character yeah, that's, that's the real the real Vince. normal Vince McMahon yeah. Yeah. oh I'm nothing like <laughs> the, the character the character is ridiculous oh Jesus fucking Christ there is a creepiness to some of the family storylines oh god again yeah. similarities to Trump fucking oh. hell well I like to think quite frankly that if Stephanie wasn't my daughter that perhaps I would be dating her <laughs> ah. so yeah storylines with Vince's family that kind of became like a huge part, the main part of the show. I mean, as much as McMahon and Austin was like all of 98 and early 99, late 99 and all of 2000 and a good bit of 2001 were about the family. WrestleMania 2000, for instance, do you know what the tagline was for the main event? No. A McMahon in every corner. Oh. Because Linda had had a Mick Foley wrestling for her Shane had Big Show wrestling for him. Stephanie had Triple H wrestling for her. And Vince had The Rock wrestling for him. And people got sick at the time. I remember as a kid, I didn't mind. I, I liked the McMahon characters. I thought they were crazy. Except for, I thought Stephanie and Triple H were no good meanies. <laughs> which I now love them as heels. Like, but yeah. I don't know at the time, I didn't mind it. But I remember like all the adult fans, like my brother, like older people were like, oh, fuck, I hate this. This is so, there's, there's all, nothing but them on TV. It's yeah. like watching a soap opera. I'm like, but that's why wrestling is fun is a soap opera a storyline which I've always loved and one which we didn't talk about for the Shane McMahon episode and I think was appropriate to talk about now was one of my all time favourite matches we did mention this briefly on Trish's episode I will say there is a lead up to it and yeah I'll say I was shocked with the reaction to this but I think it's what my reaction in ways I was shocked in other ways (laughs) I was not shocked because this is the quintessential this is the quintessential Vince McMahon storyline that often gets kind of pointed at as being like too far and too gross it's one that I've always enjoyed to an extent because I don't think it's 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 not like one or two little scenarios or instances it was a thread that ran throughout the show for at least six months and had good parts to it and bad parts to it I've always viewed wrestling as being a soap opera and for me, he doesn't get much more soap opera than a storyline where Vince McMahon, in the midst of a midlife crisis, and he's starting his own football league, alienates his entire family, puts his wife in a sedated, catatonic state after she has a nervous breakdown because he wants a divorce. Wait, he puts her in the state or she gets in the state? So he, he, he brings her to the ring, Linda, and he's like, read my lips. 
and Linda was like oh and then it's like revealed next week she's had a nervous breakdown and then Vince because she had a nervous breakdown had her committed to a care home where she's heavily sedated and then Vince McMahon proudly said there's going to be a new Mrs. McMahon around here and she's going to be your age Stephanie and it's like oh god and all of a sudden he starts this affair with Trish publicly now it had been alluded to that he had been seeing Trish Stratus this whole time like there was loads of like Trish would come out of his locker room you know with her hat being adjusted and you know Vince was on a phone to someone you could hear Trish laughing in the background I was like what's going on there I was like oh no nothing it's just someone giddy because I'm giving him too much soup and then uh it all comes out out in the open Shane McMahon returns and he's like you are conducting yourself like a complete piece of shit how dare you disrespect our family disrespect our mother this way Stephanie was okay <laughs> it's so confusing yeah this I so many layers it's a good thing we had a bit of a chat about this before recording because otherwise this whole episode would probably be just me asking questions about this fucking angle because it makes no sense to me okay Linda's institutionalised because of nervous breakdown Vince is living which a- doesn't make any sense <laughs> it's wrestling for fuck's sake uh, now no now no stop that because <laughs> Right, you said this is... Right. <laughs> this said, isn't like when Scott Hall was institutionalised in WCW. This is different. You know, you said when... So this is all because Vince is having a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. How much of that did they cover? What do you mean? The midlife crisis. As in, like... In kayfabe. Oh, yeah, loads. And did they say it's because of the XFL? No. Did they imply it's because of the XFL? No, the XFL was actually doing quite well when this story oh, started. Okay, okay, the XFL okay. didn't fall down until around April, May. This mm. would have been around November to February, this starting off this midlife crisis stuff. I'm going to argue that yeah. saying, ah, it's just wrestling, is... A f- now, this is me. If I'd heard this a year ago, I'd mm-hmm. be disagreeing with okay. myself, but I'm, uh, I've got a new opinion on this. And mm-hmm. I think saying it's just wrestling is the most unhelpful thing to say <laughs> okay. since doing research for this episode. Mm. Okay. Because as we've already discovered, the line between wrestling and not wrestling is, is non-existent. Very, very true. It very, barely very exists, true. As, is, as is with the character of Vince and Mr. McMahon. And seeing as Vince does have, you know, it's no, it's... A tumultuous relationship with his wife. And many affairs. And many affairs. And Trish Stratus may be the first, but she certainly wasn't the last. Vince McMahon has had storylines where he has been romantically involved with Trish Stratus. Sable, I've seen. Sable, Stacey Keebler, Candace Michelle, Tori Wilson. To an extent, Victoria. It was like the three of those women were kind of together in a group. For fuck's sake. Melina, it was implied as well. Mae Young. <laughs> like, pretty much every, like, hot diva that there was. I use the term diva because that's what they call them back yeah. then. I, you know, I don't want to use that, like, as a, as a female wrestling term. You no. know, that's... Vince made out with the divas. The divas, yeah. The women who were put on TV primarily as eye candy that Vince was making out with on Mm -hmm. TV and stuff like that. So anyway, in the storyline, Vince has gone through his midlife crisis. Linda's been institutionalised after a nervous breakdown and it's implied that Vince is sedating her. Now, Ross Naroon, the Irish soap opera, ran a very similar storyline where Mick the Hackney driver was doing a similar thing with his wife, but it was obviously on a much smaller scale. Ross Naroon doesn't quite have the reach of World Wrestling Federation Entertainment. Shane McMahon has returned as the prodigal son, disappointed in his father's behaviour and wants to set a better example for the family and challenge Vince to be the patriarch. Stephanie, while initially... Oh, this is the real wrinkle here. They're fighting over who gets to be the patriarch. Well, not necessarily. It's kind of an implied thing. Like, who's, you know, who's setting the standards? Who's the man of the family? Who's the fucking man of the family? Fucking hate this already. You don't respect your wife, my mother, and Stephanie's mother. You've been disrespectful to her. Shane has always, in storyline, been 
put forward as the good son. Mm-hmm. Even when he's a heel, he was always like, you know, he would disparage. You know, Stephanie's had to slap Linda on TV, and oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, Stephanie in the storyline. While initially hesitant to be paired up with Vince because she didn't like that Trish Stratus would be coming in and taking all of her spotlight and also possibly marrying Vince and taking her rightful place as the the heir apparent to WWE, Stephanie feuds with Trish after Vince makes it perfectly clear by making Trish strip off publicly and having Trish humiliated in public over and over. Trish is just his little plaything and Stephanie is really... Oh, God, I got a shudder saying this. Daddy's little girl. Which she wears on a jumpsuit. Diamante on the back of her jumpsuit during this match. I learned a new word today Diamante. Mm. That's fucking beautiful. The man from Diamante always says yes because it's <laughs> fucking fabulous. So she is pro Vince now because she doesn't like her mother and she reckons that that's the. The ticket to top. Also in this storyline, Shane has bought WCW as well to compete with his father, Vince. I think that's it all. That whole thing with Shane and WCW is the only part of this storyline I like. I It's already fucking gross mm. that Stephanie, of all people, is like jealous of Trish. Yep, a little who, bit of an incest overtone there. Who, by the way, folks at home, if you've not seen this, there's a very graphic scene where Vince kisses Trish with his... Open mouth and tongue. He doesn't kiss her, he tongues her. He literally shoves his tongue down her throat Blah. and vice versa. And Stephanie's there, like, jealous of Trish. Not because no, she was jealous of Trish because, like, Vince was showing her more attention. And yeah, I guess that's. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with that one, Kevin. Ivanka McMahon over here, yep. like, you know, fucking hell. It's fucked up on many levels already. And then when you take the fact that there's this whole blur between how much of this is real. Mm. And also, how much of this is, like, Vince's idea that he's just making his family go along with? Stephanie, throughout time, has went out of her way to put over Vince's creativity and the storylines. I've always felt with Vince, whether he said it explicitly or not, the expectation with the kids is, you fucking do anything. I pissed my pants on TV. I've had bedpans hit on my head. I've been, you know, everything that can happen to Vince has happened kind of on TV. So I think Stephanie has always taken that viewpoint as well of, well, if he does anything, I'll do anything. I'll be just, I'll be just as adventurous. And that's why Stephanie has always done all these like wacky things have happened to her on TV as well. Stephanie is actually much more like Vince than Shane is. Yeah, definitely. When we were watching this documentary, I got the idea that Stephanie like admires her dad in a way that like JBL wishes he could pretend to do that JBL puts himself in the headspace of Stephanie McMahon yeah what would like, Stephanie okay, say what's she gonna think she's a creative genius yeah it was really good that we made me slap my mother oh god <laughs> meanwhile Shane in the documentary he says I was not comfortable with any of this it's a bit weird a bit gross and a bit disrespectful to my mum and he's like, I think he's all, it's interesting that Shane, you know, took a leave of absence from WWE when he's been quite vocal, even during these times and from this documentary, that he was uncomfortable with a lot of the things that they were they were doing on TV and stuff like that. But all comes to a head at WrestleMania 17, touted as the greatest pay-per-view of all time and certainly one of the biggest storylines of all time, comes to a head as father and son gonna teach him right and wrong. Vince <laughs> takes on Shane McMahon. He wants the best for his child. I wanna grow up and be wild, Dad. It's potato versus potato. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, the first thing that happens, by the way, in this match, I'm sure we'll come back to like 
entrances and stuff. But like the first offensive move is like Vince giving his son a black eye. Literally a full non-kayfabe. You can't fake this shit, boys and girls. It's a black eye. Now you mentioned about how you were comfortable with this because of the blurring of the lines. And there's a part in the build-up to this when, when Shane like challenges Vince. He's like, I'm challenging you to a match at WrestleMania. And Vince comes out and he's like, Lead I remind you, you tried me when you were 17. You tried me when you were 18. You tried me when you were 24. What makes you think it's going to be any different? And I remember as a kid going, the fuck is this old man talking about? And it was like complete silence in the crowd. No one reacted to it. And then the documentary, there's that line where they're like, Vince would have his study chats. Yep. And that both of us immediately were like, oh shit, moral laurel. <laughs> I think I have to word with you, Shane, in my study. And the pants fall Takes down. Like, his, yeah, yeah. Which actually happens with Vince McMahon as well. More on that in a bit. <laughs> Shane's got a really, really weird kind of upbringing because, you know, when Shane was born, like literally... You were saying like Shane would have grown up almost in poverty. Not necessarily in poverty, but Shane would have grown up not seeing his parents a whole ton. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah he, he said in the past, you know, he barely saw Vince when he was a kid because mm. Vince was, you know, starting the company out really and, you know, he was, he was away so much touring. I found myself with this storyline still enjoying some of the ridiculous lines like, I will never ever forgive your mother for giving birth to you. I mean, that's come out so over the top, Joe. Come on. Surely? How would you feel about your dad saying that to you in front of millions of people? I couldn't imagine my dad saying... Me neither. Yeah, I I can't put myself in that. I literally couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Personally, I wouldn't like that very much. (laughs) But I can't speak for Shane. No, the closest thing my dad, literally the closest thing, and this is all the entirety of my life with my dad, the closest thing to that was the time when the shower didn't work when we were going on holiday, and my dad was like, this shower's not working. And we have to, an hour is we're going. I'm not going to be ready in an hour. And he was in the end, like, it was fine. He had a bath, but like, that's the angle. <laughs> so if he said that, like, he grabbed me in the face, and then the shower's not working, and it's be gone in an hour. And we're like, <laughs> it wasn't pretty hardcore, like. We've got a, a line here from the documentary uh, from Vince about this uh, this match. It can't get any better or any more fun than a dad wrestling his son. I can't believe he says he hates poetry. <laughs> that is... Uh, That's poetry. Yeah. I keep having to try and remove like, them as being like actual people, like Vince and Shane. But they it's, are. I know they and, are. And I'm, not I say- know. I'm not saying that this is them doing it all as themselves and it's not a character because there is. But I think mm. it's important to recognise that it's both. At the same time, it's both. You can't just turn off the part of them that yeah. is actually father and son. They think they can. Yes. See, that's the thing. They think they've got the shutters by up. As far as they're concerned, it's, like it's Tyrion Lannister and Tywood Lannister. It's father and son, the struggle, playing out dramatically on TV for, for entertainment. I remember as a kid being so fucking into the storyline, the idea of Shane, who was a shit, becoming like a good person to battle his father and recognising that his family was fucked. It's a was great like, story. Oh! I, I'm honestly, I'm going to work about thinking about it now. But I know now the more you learn about these people the harder it is. And I think there's an element of wrestling dehumanising its characters sometimes, particularly yeah. with Vince and his family. And when you think about the fact that it's it's definitely Vince who's coming up with all these ideas and Vince is the one who's been throwing himself off of things, cutting his head open, taking chair shots to the head. Mm. He's doing all these violent moves himself and then going, well, come on, guys. Come on, play along. Yeah. I've done all this shit. The mm. very least you can do is uh, is is wrestle me in the ring in front of your comatose mother. 
So, what was it like, this scenario here, where you've got, you know, Shammy Man goes flying through a Spanish announce table, he's got covered in black eyes, he's been laying in Vince with some potatoes, but Shane is finally laid out, and you've got Trish Stratus, Vince's mistress, pushing out Linda McMahon in a catatonic state on a wheelchair, and he wants Linda to sit and watch as Shane is getting beat up. Now, a couple of things happen here. Firstly, is the payoff, or lack thereof, for Trish Stratus's character because Vince says in that Bob Costas interview it's like you know you're criticizing the storyline now that me making her strip and bark like a dog but I suggest you stay tuned because I'm gonna get mine no and he doesn't say I'm gonna get mine he says the character I'll say the McMahon character is gonna, gonna get, get his. his Trish comes out lifts up Vince slaps him in the face has a fight with Stephanie runs off Stephanie and you made the really really good point and I I can't defend it in that it's not enough is it it's not anything <laughs> i'm sorry it's not let's for a second mm. let's pretend that wrestling gives a shit about women and let's let's think about this from trish's angle and i know we covered this a bit in trish's mm. episode and i got a lot of hate for saying it but like she's made to strip down into her underwear crawl around her hands and knees bark like a dog She's covered with goo the week before as well. A lot of wrestling is about humiliating women, especially Mm. in this period. Mm. And before I watched this match, I had always been told, ah, well, you will get upset with that because you've not seen the full angle. You know, it gets, it's paid off. She gets her revenge. So I was expecting her to get her revenge. But what does she do? She slaps Vince. Is that a significant enough revenge for being made to be completely sexually humiliated. My only counter to this, and I'm there's an element of reaching here, but you know they always say the best revenge is living well, and that's that storyline there, that end, that is the point where Trish Stratus stops being the manager and kind of side character, and she becomes the storyline, she becomes the wrestler, and becomes you know a women's champion, and you know actually becomes a legitimate athlete and all that stuff, and it's kind of. Uh, the idea was that until, like, out of the ashes of the, this muck in the mire that Trish tried to go down this route, she buckled down and became an incredible wrestler. And because she was talented and skilled, she became one of the greatest women's champions of all time. I mean, I would say that's a rewriting of history. Yeah. Because what is more accurate is she had to do that to save her career mm. or else she was doomed mm. to be the girl that Vince humiliated on WWE. Do you think that it was like they knew that she was good enough that they could do that and she could come back from it? No, fuck off. No, I don't I don't give them enough credit for that. Likewise on Linda's front. For me now, I say this with a little bit of kind of I, I know I feel I, I enjoy this because I've watched this, a lot of the stuff that I've watched and I've rewatched then as an adult for the ITR podcast and like, oh, nostalgia was at a play there. But I can't help I get my arms stand up in my hand any time in this match where there's the moment where Linda, who's sat down like in the corner and Vince's like, oh, you watch and Vince thinks she's sedated and she stands up and she just like her hands clench up. It's the only time Linda McMahon ever shows any emotion on WWE TV and she kicks Vince in the balls. And then Vince, they get set up for Vince being taken out by Foley and Shane. Likewise, same question. Do you think the payoff there for Linda made up for being kept in a wheelchair and da 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 Guess what my answer to that is, Kevin. Is it no? Yes, it's no. You didn't enjoy the moment then? No. Was it, you didn't enjoy the moment because, was it like, hey, it's a cool moment, but it's not enough, or just completely, this is fucking, this is shit? I have... You you can't, this can't be good. I have a lot of problems with the angle, the Mm. match, 
how everything, every single aspect of it was handled. Mm. I think the storyline itself is bad because it makes no sense. It's, it's too much cl- going on, I it's think. It's too much going yeah. on. It's very clumsy. It's clear that they wanted to shoehorn some eye candy in there. Mm. They wanted to get a lot of Vince. They wanted to get Linda in Steph, there. And they wanted Shane. Stephanie and Shane. Oh, and also we have, like, WCW being purchased. That, that wasn't, mm. like, something that was planned in month. It was, like, literally, hey, do you want to buy WCW? Yeah, okay. And then that's part of the storyline all of a sudden. <laughs> a lot of the story doesn't make sense to me. Because, mm. okay, now the thing... <laughs> The theory is what? So Trish and Linda yep. were actually teaming up from the very beginning? Not from the very beginning, no. It's after Trish got covered in goop. She decided, right, they don't respect me. I'm going to plot with Mick Foley and Linda so, to, to to get ours back on Vince. But Linda is already in this comatose state yes. or whatever at yes. this point. So does that mean that the... What are they actually calling it? It's not a comatose state. Uh, it a, is a catatonic state. A catatonic state. Which, by the way, I, I googled, guys, and turns out the number one cause of going into a catatonic state is actually uh, PTSD. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, oh, uh, good God. Read into that what you will. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Well, um, I guess that is what it's meant to me, because she got so traumatised from the divorce. That's not really what you know? PTSD is. It's not triggered by a divorce, I normally. guess not. What, so she's already in this catatonic state? Yeah, and that- that's, she, it's, it's, it's kind of implied that she had this uh, breakdown and then that she's been given these drugs by doctors to kind of like, you know, kind of keep her quiet, some kind of gaga pills, you know. But then Trish goes along with yep. being very publicly humiliated. Yep. To get her own back on Vince. Yeah, to slap him. And also to keep the doctors away so that Linda can actually she, Linda was okay the whole time at Wrestlemania she was just pretending to be in the state so Trish kept the doctors away because Trish was like made to push the wheelchair around and stuff like that so what's so, the doctors away got to do anything so she couldn't be given the medicine so they wouldn't have the, the drugs that would keep her in her catatonic state that's the only thing I understand so they say the catatonic state was caused by the divorce yeah but then they also say that the medication was it was caused her. by the divorce the, 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 the breakdown was caused by the divorce and it was like oh let's instead of you know her, her working through it in therapy and stuff let's just give her loads of those real like heavy heavy mood sedation and stuff like that because she, oh, she's fragile she'll, she'll freak out won't she so she's been kept on these like mood stabilizers and like tranquilizer type things to so keep her like bleh, incredibly you know. unethical doctors who are working here. I don't know if you heard. He knows a guy. <laughs> 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 come on, Linda needs her candy. Like come on. Oh Jesus! I just think the whole thing has a weak payoff, and you can't even really call it a payoff because yeah. it's Shane. Shane gets all the glory. There's no women involved that actually get their revenge. Mm. The only people who come out of this looking good is Shane. Um, to an extent. Stephanie, to mm. an extent, Vince. Mm, yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's all Shane, isn't it? Because it's one thing. This is the problem with these Vince McMahon matches is that they usually are set up to be, and he's going to be gone forever. Like this is boom, headshot. Vince is dead. He'll be gone forever until he can, you know, come back in a few months. But like literally this night, I like to try and give you context of when things are happening. Later on this night, Vince McMahon, who's completely humiliated and completely uh, completely humiliated, by the way, by what being kicked in the balls, which <laughs> no which one ever does. Happens sure. to him all the fucking goddamn time. You can't even give them a better reward than than what Shawn Michaels does to him. Like a couple of years later, that's true. I want to see Linda McMahon beat Vince to a bloody pulp. Okay, if he's so fucking keen to prove how manly and beaten up he can be why not let that happen with like Trish and Linda beat him to a pulp 
True. No reason he hasn't. I mean, it's just that that's not how he wanted there, to present it. There isn't a revenge for no. Linda or Trish. And to kind of put it over as well, though, just as I was saying about uh, you know, when this took place, this is WrestleMania 17. If you cast your mind back to our Steve Austin episodes, where Austin and The Rock fought in this main event, and that's when Austin turned heel with the help of Vince McMahon. So Vince McMahon forms his power team with Steve Austin at the end and is, again, the focal point, the most important character on the show. So it was almost like, yeah, this storyline is wrapped up and you've gotten your revenge in inverted commas, but Vince is still big part of the show, focal point, still yeah. being Vince. And really the hero here is Shane. Yeah. Not Trish, who is a professional wrestler, <laughs> unlike Shane, right? Let's yeah. just bring that one home, okay? <laughs> professional wrestler Trish Stratus, who has been put in this fucking shitty storyline by the CEO of the company to do all this to her, Right, let's just imagine mm. for a second that there's a, a hard line between kayfabe and shoot and yeah. being told, oh, you know, divas are treated like shit, right? Well, we want to treat you like especially shit. And by the way, if you don't do it, I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to be fired, but, but you won't I get am the, opportunity, the CEO. Yeah, you won't get the opportunities that come after it, pretty much. Again, it's one of those pressure by by omission of... Exactly. Yeah. It's, I'm not going to say that Vince like forced Trish to do anything. I mean, that she that, didn't yeah, that's to. a very appealing kind of idea where it's like you're all going to there. Yeah, and she's like, no, like no, it. no, oh, I don't no. want to. I don't no. think it happened like that. I think people I, are always going to go, oh, they know what they're signing up for, don't they? They all they know what they're signing up which for. Which she did. They? She didn't know what she was signing up for. I'm not going to say that yeah. she didn't. And they've interviewed Trish, and she says she has no hard feelings about the angle, but she also didn't seem to be particularly keen on it either. No, she was like, I'm okay. Don't worry about me, guys. You know, but it wasn't like kind of yeah that was awesome oh man I'm so thankful for that no it was like a that was a necessary step I had to take in order to further my career which by the way if you're gonna start thinking about all the other allegations about oh if you give me sexual favours we can Mm. give you a head start in the company I mean that is literally what has happened here stripped in the ring gets to further her career like I guess so yeah Vince probably will view it from like it's a storyline that's well exactly and then we've got the whole is it storyline is it kayfabe I mean what was that line we had earlier perception is reality that's Vince McMahon himself saying that's true so the finish of the match comes we have none of these lovely little uh, moments of someone from a previous episode revealing their (laughs) horrible nature where Shane McMahon does the coast to coast a move popularised by Rob Van Dam and ECW who Paul Heyman told Shane McMahon to do the move when Rob Van Dam came into the company a few months later was told he's not allowed to do it because that's Shane's move (laughs) Vince McMahon is laid out in a heap and Shane wins I hazard to ask what your star rating was for this match I originally gave it no stars and I thought that was a bit harsh. Because, that implies no value whatsoever. Yeah, and I think that's unfair because Shane did some pretty good wrestling here, I think. Mm. All things considered, it must have been really fucking hard for him. Because he didn't, dad, he didn't yeah. want to do this storyline. He mm. thought it was gross. And I know Shane said he found it, the whole thing with Linda really upsetting. Yeah, Shane did some cool moves. I know the coast-to-coast isn't his, but he did do it very well. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's fabulous when he did it. Like. So I've given it one star for Shane. <laughs> Good job, Shane. Shane, and also well done, Linda, for being married to Vince McMahon. (laughs) And for heading up the Small Business Administration. And Trish, because all of Trish's involvement here is like, I I obviously hate it. Mm. It makes me horribly uncomfortable, but she pulls it off. Oh, and also as well, you pointed out to me, Never somebody ever considered a million years. Them crazy ass heels, boots that Trish mm. wears, and she's like fucking sprinting up that ramp. Mm. Holy shit, how the fuck is that even possible, right? She's super athletic. Fast forward two years. A match 20 years in the making. Vince McMahon taking on 
Hulk Hogan! In very much a match where it's your two least faves going head to head here. Something we talked about, but I don't know if Vince gets pleasure from it. As, as This has been alleged that Vince loves this, where someone leaves the company, they shit talk the company, they shit talk him, and then they have to come back to him and he puts them on TV and promotes them. People are like, oh, he gets a sick pleasure from that. He loves the kind of, the fact that you know, Hulk Hogan left his company and he had to come back then and be a Vince guy again and all that. Or, you know, Kurt Angle went out and said all those nasty things and now he has to come back and, you know, be a character on his TV show. Ha ha, revenge. I honestly think that Vince just like looks at people and it's like, can I make money off them? Can I get TV storylines, matches, whatever? Is there value left in this person? And I put my personal feelings aside and I bring them back. I don't know how he does that. I honestly don't know how he does it. No. When you find out some of the things that some of these people have said and done and how he's able to like be like, every time these people come back, it's always the big hug. Big back slapping hug. Because they're making him money. I think that's it. Maybe they both kind of realise that, but I don't think he does it out of a place of evil. It does it out of a place of self-preservation oh, and yeah, absolutely, of company yeah. preservation. I think that's a real skill, is to be able to kind of... He, as they said in the documentary, Vince doesn't forget. Yeah. He, he remembers, but he, he's he got more sensibility than just to write someone off because they, they could be useful. Exactly, <laughs> just like in the cores. You're forgiven, not forgotten. Yeah. And Vince also... Great little uh, side note here. Show Joe stand back. Oh, yeah. How do you think of Vince as a mover and a shaker, huh? Oh, he's very gifted. Listen to the lyrics of that song, and they're actually really ominous and scary. <laughs> Considering like, the time, yeah. Yeah, there's like 84. Along the way, you're gonna see a lot of men drop. Baby, gonna stop. Baby, baby. Blah, blah, blah. It just explodes. just meat and steak everywhere. Uh. The storyline. Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. I created you. You turned your back on me. You testified against me in the trial of my life. I created Hulkamania. I was wondering why you, having done the Hogan episode, having done a bit of Piper as well, what do you think of this kind of as a setup for the storyline of Vince wanting to fight Hogan because Hogan's like an ungrateful son of a bitch who betrayed him? I think it's great. I think it's really entertaining. I think it's a great example of um, using reality as a kayfabe storyline. Mm. But again, 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 it's just another example, isn't it, of blurring those lines and deliberately keeping people slightly misinformed as to like how much of it is real, how much of it is not real. Mm. I always thought the weakness of this angle was the fact that Hogan didn't go full on yeah. against him. Because Vince is there saying, like, you, know, you, you tried to put me out of business, like, you broke my heart, I thought you and I were going to rule this wrestling world together and then Hogan's like what you gonna do brother 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 I don't think Hulk Hogan understands wrestling the way Vince does I would have loved Hogan to be like yeah I left your company because you're a piece of you're shit, a piece of shit or I whatever. hate the way your company works just like literally go fucking full hog <laughs> there's so many things about this little wrinkles to this match that I just love the fact that Vince McMahon 10 years his senior is bigger than Hulk Hogan here yeah. you know he's gotta Which, love that Which, by the way fucked me up so much because I thought Hulk Hogan was like 10 years older than Vince oh no Vince is older than Hogan that's really fucked up isn't it Vince has offense in this match which could best be described as being uh, inflexible. It's a very hard-hitting opening to this contest with Vince just basically doing lots of homoerotic meat men bashing against each other against their big chests and stuff. He doesn't potato Hogan quite like he does his own son, though. His heart's not in it. Mm, No, probably because Hulk Hogan could 
potato him quite hard for real, I guess, too. Um, thing I noticed on the matchup card mm. at the beginning of this, you've got Vince full on flexing in a tank top. You can see like his muscular shoulders, his massive veins popping, arms. his delts, his traps, his gronks, his gloops, his bumps. Hulk Hogan, though, is covered almost entirely by his boa. Is it a muscular boa? You can't really see any muscles. That's what, oh my God. I literally just realized why Hogan had the boa in his later years. To hide all the muscles. Oh my motherfucking God. You, you, you're good you are, huh? Mm. (laughs) I liked as well, uh, just to to go back to the setup for this. This match was very special because of the contract. It was signed in blood. Oh yeah, I saw that, of course. With a fountain pen. Is Hulk Hogan your most hated wrestler? Um, what do you mean in terms of like wrestling ability, performing, human a co- being? A combination of all, because I know Hogan is somebody who you chastised when you covered him for his lack of, you know, performance in the ring at times in terms of, you know, athleticism and stuff he did or how hard he seems to work. But also, yeah, personal, you know, his business, his outlook on the rest of the world, let's just say. He's certainly the only wrestler we've covered where I came out of it with I don't think anything good to say about him wow I hate him as a wrestler I don't think he can wrestle I hate him as a performer I think he is not that charismatic well Mm. charismatic some I guess not that charismatic definitely not athletic not not appealing to you as a new fan not graceful no not appealing to me as a new fan also actual scumbag (laughs) and he stopped wrestlers from forming a union so i'll always hate him for that and he's a racist i forgot about the course the the main thing he's a fucking racist you're building you can't read he's a racist and also as well (laughs) match he had what was it like seeing vince mcmahon stab hulk hogan over and over again with a fountain pen and sign a contract in his own blood yeah i mean it was yeah like, it cathartic like, anyway. Not really because I don't really like Vince either not the first time Vince has signed a contract in blood as well, well that doesn't surprise signed me signed one in Austin's blood in 99 as well yeah he should have learned it's really bad it just makes the paper pucker and stain and you can't really read who's written it I'm guessing the contract that he signed with Satan when he sold his soul to him was probably also signed in blood too I'm assuming I might be wrong. So, I'm assuming so I looked at the commentators were trying very very hard to put over both men as being very like their egos were very much kept in check by the commentators Michael Cole look at it Taz the two greatest men in the history the business are selling it all in the ring tonight the two greatest men in the history of the business yep i mean let's just talk about hogan for a second here okay gonna say right now gonna throw up these uh, warning flags joe and i are gonna make an anime analogy here right now if you're not on board with it skip forward five minutes joe hulk hogan has been from territory to territory destroying each one along the way. He was in the AWA. He took all of their juice, all the goodness. He left it away, destroyed it. He went to WWF for a bit. Similar thing. Destroyed the company after he left. It was gone. It was a big star. Went to WCW, did a very much a similar thing and came back to WWE and tried to do a similar thing. All of these souls, all these wrestling souls going towards to power Hulk Hogan. You had a very good point to make about this. I have a theory, which is that because we mentioned it in the Hulk Hogan episode that what on earth is hulking up? And you said it was him being powered by all the Hulkamaniacs. Yeah, he feeds it's off... Like an energy. He feeds off the energy of the Hulkamaniacs. Yeah. Now, I have a theory that, like, because you can't just feed off an abstract energy of enthusiasm. No, it has to be tactile in some way, right? So my theory is, is that when he was traveling all the territories and destroying them, yeah. he was actually 
creating an alchemist circle with which to make a philosopher's stone. (laughs) I see! Out of all the Hulkamaniacs. Now, if you look on that old map of all the territories from back in the day and you line them up, it is a pretty convincing transmutation circle that they've Mm. got going on there as well. And yeah, Hulk Hogan, he's not necessarily father, but he is brother. So I think we could definitely say that all the souls have went in there. Hogan is feeding off of them. Is he a Hulk homunculus? Well, yeah, exactly. He's got to be. And the NWO is all his various homunculus that he's created using other philosopher's stones. So Kevin Nash is sloth. Skahal is probably lust, greed, and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Hogan fucking kills Vince in this match. He absolutely wallops Vince with a chair. Like, Vince, you can see he's almost headbutting the chairs when he's getting hit. Mm. Now, there's a couple of things Vince does in this match which are pretty... Incredible for a man who's like 57 or thereabouts. Firstly, doing a diving leg drop off the top of a ladder. That's through a table. Yeah. Didn't expect Vince to be doing that now. No, I didn't. But there we go. That's Vince for you. What about the iconic shot in this match where Vince McMahon, covered in blood, stoops out from underneath the ring apron with the, the pipe? I love that. Vince does definitely have the best faces in wrestling. Oh, yeah. All right. Ones I love, the big gulp of fear. Mm. The one where he looks like that dog, Doge. Doge. Where he's like, does the big kind of far back eyes. Mm. Where he pulls on his ear as well. Yeah, that's he's Vince. I think you and I could probably try and emulate some Vince poses for our Instagram. <laughs> Check us out on Instagram.com slash how to wrestling, folks. Vince faces coming at you. Roddy Piper appears. And I love this because this is just, again, another perfect example of like, you see how Vince runs through all these other wrestlers' lives. Like, Hogan, Piper, what holds them together? It's Vince McMahon, you know? And yeah, Piper bops Vince in the face with a pipe, runs off. Vince brings out a crooked referee thereafter. And something that Vince has done a lot of, we mentioned the Montreal Screwjob, he constantly rehashes that with storylines of like, oh, like the year after the Montreal Screwjob, they did the exact same finish with The Rock and Mankind where they pretended to screw Mankind by ringing the bell on his behalf, you know, and... Vince has done the Montreal screw job as a storyline like 90 times. Wow. So we had the Montreal referee coming out here to help make the count. I should mention as well, and this is something that always gets overlooked, I should have mentioned it earlier, the Montreal screw job wasn't the first time he did that to someone. Wendy Richter, women's champion, amazing pioneer women's wrestling in the 80s. <laughs> Friends with Cindy Lauper. Yeah, we um, actually had a great article by Sarah Parkin on women who deserved a diva's revolution, mm. and she did a great one on Wendy Richter. Yeah, and that's over on our website, howtowrestling.com. But uh, yeah, if you read that, you'll probably know that Wendy Richter, she also had a title taken from her, uh, to, from the fabulous Moolah, in similar scenario, where the referee called for the bell, even though a finish didn't happen, and Wendy was not told about the finish there. So... Screwing is not just a storyline thing for Vince McMahon, folks. Fucking hell. Hogan manages to draw upon all the mortal souls trapped in his Philosopher's Stone and hulks up, hits three leg drops, and beats Vince in a bloody war. Shane McMahon comes out at the end to check on his father to make sure that he's okay and kind of the closest thing these two can have to a sweet moment. What do you think of this match? Watching two figures, quite hateful figures in some way, wrestling, neither with a lot of wrestling ability... But what did you think of the match? I think I could have gotten behind this match more if I liked Hulk Hogan. Mm. Like, if I saw Hulk Hogan as the face that he's supposed to be seen as... It's spoiled now almost, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just... It's not the same watching Vince get beaten up to a bloody pulp by a racist. (laughs) I can't cheer for that and be like, Yay! The racist won! Yay! Yay, the scumbag! 
tag who <laughs> ruined so many wrestling careers, abandoning the hopes of having a union. I'm always going to go back to that because I feel very strongly about having a union in wrestling. It works against the fact that Vince McMahon is so much more sympathetic in this match. Mm. In the fact that he's the underdog, he's not a wrestler. And also he's like, in the trial of my life, you testified against me. You tried to put my family out of business. What you gonna do, brother? Mm. I don't know, complain about those very egregious things that you did to me, quite frankly. Yeah, Hulk Hogan was not really into, I think, this angle as much as he could have been. He doesn't mm. really give a shit. And the wrestling in this is trash. <laughs> it's great. If you want to see Vince McMahon covered in blood, well, then fine. You, I guess you could watch this, but you could also watch like anything else with Vince McMahon in. I gave it two stars. Okay, two stars. Not More not- than Shane and Vince. So we're, we're slowly creeping our way up here a little bit in the star ratings. Hmm. So far, it seems that Vince, as a performer in the matches, less of a fan than when we watch Shane's matches, do you think? Is that because he's less spectacular or more because of the storylines, do you oh, think? Oh, it's because of the storylines. I hate... I'm so, I can't enjoy a match out of the context of a storyline. In my opinion, wrestling without an angle mm. is almost pointless. Mm. That's just my personal opinion. I realise, yeah. for me, it needs to make sense. And these storylines weren't favourable for oh, you, no, I guess. the storyline was fine. I just didn't like the match. <laughs> oh, the match is crap. There's no good wrestling. I'm sorry. Hulk looked... Hogan is shit. I'm sorry. I just looked down at my notes and saw what was left. I tried to stall for time. Then I realised that this is a podcast, not a... Like, <laughs> I have to keep going. Our next match from No Mercy in 2003. Vince McMahon versus Stephanie McMahon in an I Quit match. Couldn't tell. It was literally like when I was typing up, you know, the, the outline for this match, when we first started researching, I was like, yeah, definitely. There's no way we're not doing this match. Because if we don't do this match, and then you find out afterwards that Vince had a match with his daughter, rightfully, I think you'd be a bit disappointed. And rightfully, yeah. the fans would be like, you could not, mm. surely. And I know there's a lot of stuff which we're not going to hit on with Vince and all of his storylines, but in terms of one that's Vince-centric and what we've talked about previously, and honestly, we watched the Shane stuff first and... You know, seeing your reaction to it when we were watching it, I was really I bet. dreading this. Yeah, you were like probably trembling with I was fear. Like, oh, maybe we should do. All right, this match was so bad, I actually changed the match after that we watched to kind of try and give this a bit of a happy ending because I was really worried about <laughs> yeah. how this would go across. Because the match with Shane is the one that gave me a migraine. That's mm. the fucking angle that was like so awful to comprehend. I was like, my head was like, no, I'd rather give you pain. <laughs> to distract yourself from this. So, what were your thoughts when I told you that? Because I know I gave you the match list. You tweeted it out. Mm. When you saw this match, what were the thoughts that went through you? This is before we watched your documentary and did a lot of research. Just seeing that sentence, Vince versus Stephanie. I was horrified. I had this idea in my head, because as well, I knew it was an I quit match. Mm. And... Having only seen a few I Quit matches, one of which being John Cena versus The Miz in our John Cena episode, <laughs> which is fucking awful and upsetting. Like, hard match to do. Like, one of the mm. hardest, because you don't have one, two, oh, I kicked out yeah. crowd into it. Don't have any of that. You have a microphone in the ring. Clumsy. You have also, as well, so many constraints with moves that you can do, and it just comes, like, it's a match designed to get the fans out of it and to be accused of going too far or worse still like in the Cena and Miz one just like boring Mm. you know so yeah that's obviously a big consideration the match type yeah so I had an idea going into this I kind of thought it would be you mentioned as well that Vince wins yes and I was wondering who you thought would be the face and who you thought would be the heel in this I thought Stephanie would be the heel and I had this kind of mental image of the match finishing with like Vince like 
choking Stephanie, both of them covered in blood, and her like like screaming, I quit, basically like and he's like basically still going and she's that's like, like Ah Daddy, I quit, I quit That's like like honestly, because I remember I only watched this match when I was a kid. And I remember like this is during the era where like I was in boarding school, so it'd be me, like a couple of people would sneak down to watch wrestling. And this is like you know, season three after when it's long established that wrestling is no longer cool and none of the cool kids are watching it. So like, literally me and my friend, like we're like fourteen years old, it's like two in the morning, hoping that a teacher doesn't come in and see us, and we're watching a man beat his daughter half to death. And in my mind, I, I had registered this and filed it away under the painful, awkward, terrible memories, and that this is like this is gonna be horrifying to watch. I was so fucking worried because all I remembered is that Vince won and Vince almost always loses mm. in his matches because it's always the blow off and the blow off is Vince gets his ass kicked so I was convinced this is going to be really horrible and you're going to hate it and particularly when I turned on the pay-per-view and the first thing is daddy no come back bling, bling, bling. it's so <laughs> fucked up you've literally got a montage of pictures of stephanie and vince from when she was like a really little girl like yep. four or five years old and on daddy's lap i've always loved you stephanie but now i have to destroy you and you've got clips of this little girl going daddy i love you daddy why are you hurting me Oh, the best one is like, you've you've become what I've always feared you become. You've become one of these horrible, rich bitches. Daddy, you're silly. Daddy, you're so silly. <laughs> Daddy, why? Uh, what he said as well was that at the match, he, you know they like this because they replayed this clip like five times throughout the fucking promo package, which is, he would strike down in the face of defiance. Which is rich elitism talk for I'm gonna beat my daughter. Mm. Uh, this was a week before Stephanie's wedding. I forgot yeah. that. So they cover this in the documentary, surprisingly, <laughs> um, and they play a clip of Stephanie sobbing for, for in in kayfabe. So this is this yeah. isn't Stephanie like doing a shoot where she's like, oh, "Dad made me do all this." Stephanie seems kind of fine with it. Yeah, she's she's like, "Oh, it's you know, it's, it's a match. It's an angle. Yeah, it's what we do." She understood it was part of her dad's wacky ideas. We're but performers. In character, Stephanie, you've got full-on sobbing saying I never thought my father would put his hands on me that's fucking fucked up it's so like like you gotta know there's people watching that who've experienced untold things oh my god and like their handling of it it's like they think because it's being shocking that and they're treating it therefore it's been treated seriously and you got the announcers going this is disgusting this is disgusting look what he's doing it's disgusting can you imagine doing that it's disgusting let's take a second though this this has happened to Vince yeah like for real this is what he I hadn't even considered that this is what he actually suffered through probably on an almost daily basis from his parents so and there you go Vince is like well your background is no excuse because I went through something like this this and I did it this is just a show this is just a character on television so I can't fuck you up because the real thing didn't even fuck me up Jesus particularly as well sorry it's so funny the way my my brain just didn't connect those two dots even though I've known these two pieces of information like the match centres around the use of a steel pipe yeah and you know Leo Lupton used his tools and wrenches and stuff that's so fucking strange man and then we've got a quote from Vince you want me to take daddy's little girl and crush her in my hand and throw it on the mat and leave it in a bloody pulp it by the way that's the part that almost makes me feel most uncomfortable with that whole sentence is the fact that he's gone from taking his his daughter yeah 
turning into a thing. Turning it into a mulch, and now it's an it. And I don't know why they find that so, like, that's, like, horror on a level that's, like, almost impossible to comprehend. And then you've got the uh, the announcers saying, this man is brutalizing his daughter. Yeah. I don't like the fact that the first thing we hear is, stop this absurdity! Ding, ding, ding! And the match is on. <laughs> and you've got Linda as well. Lady, Linda's in Stephanie's corner. Linda's in Stephanie's corner. You've got, like, the announcers saying, Linda's watching her husband brutalize their daughter. And... Vince has got in his corner his mistress du jour, which is Sable. Yeah. Now, I think one of the biggest things about Vince is his serious problem with diminishing returns. I mentioned before, Rock and Austin, you know, him and, and, and Austin, big business. So they did him and every other, like him and Triple H, him and Shawn Michaels, him and every other fucking top name. And it's always diminishing returns. Likewise, the most shocking and the most business they ever got from a storyline is Vince and Trish. That yeah. was the big fucking headline one. And then it was like, Vince and Stacy, just because. And then it's Vince and Sable. Like, literally, like, one of the reasons I think I may even was so drawn to defend the thing with Trish is that because, you know, Trish went on to become a performer and she got a storyline. Unlike. Like, Stacy, the storyline with her was that she was, like, trying to use Vince to further her career. And then Vince kissed her and she's like, ooh, this is gross. And she just left the show. And then, like, Sable was using Vince, so she wanted to become the general manager because she was Stephanie's assistant. And then Stephanie, you know, is kicked out and Sable is, like, told, actually, no, you're not going to be the general manager. And she just stops being with Vince. Mm. Like, the thing with him and Candace, literally, it was just so he could grow up and kiss her on TV. There was no storyline. It was, mm. here's Candace. Vince, I've worn a sexy outfit for you. Come here, baby. Blah, blah. Which and that's is, 10 minutes of TV. Yeah, which is gross. But it's not quite the same as what Trish was made to go through. No, but like at least fucking... I guess my problem with it is that he was at least using that woman in that case for a storyline, as bad as it was. The other case is he's literally just using a whim, women just just so he could use them on TV. Mm. Like there is like a 10 minute clip of him groping Candace Michelle making out that they aired that serves no storyline. Well, people like, will jack off to it though, won't they? That, how is that fucking... I don't want to see Vince McMahon. He's going to jack off to that other than Vince McMahon. Oh, wait, no. He probably jacks off to explosions and buildings collapsing and dinosaurs screaming in agony. Fucking hell. I just... It's so blatant. When Sable is here solely to be a hot babe that Vince McMahon is with. Sable as well, who sued the company in 1999 for sexual harassment and came back in 2003 and her angle was that she was Vince's mistress doing sexy things for him. Wow. You mentioned earlier the fact that this is only six days before Stephanie's wedding. Oh my God! Uh, which... Uh... Weddings are stressful. Have you ever seen Don't Tell the Bride, folks? Like in the episode of Don't Tell the Bride where they want to have a fucking I quit match with the bride. On the documentary, Stephanie says, when my dad wanted to wrestle me six days before my wedding, I wasn't too happy. Very casual, Stephanie, about the whole fucking thing. She is so much more cooler about it than either Shane or Linda. And Triple H as well, who's like, mm. I don't want to see how she... Like, they were worried that she'd have... Because you know, Vince is so yeah. clumsy in the ring that you could knock a tooth out, have her a black eye on her fucking yeah. wedding day. Triple H is... <laughs> it's a... I don't know. It's a weird place that Triple H, his criticism comes from. Because it's like almost the one time he stands up to Vince about something as weird as this. You're going to ruin the family photo, Vince. Yeah, like that's what he cares about. <laughs> Linda is like... She almost says no at the beginning. Mm. She's like, you fucking better not lay a finger on her. And Shane, similarly, is like, are you serious? This you, is messed up. Do you think that's why Linda was like just added oh, into this match? Absolutely, 100% <laughs> sure. That's why she's in Stephanie's corner, is to keep an eye on Vince and make sure he doesn't hurt her. 
So the actual mechanics of the match then, I mean, I actually was surprised by your reaction to the match. And I was actually surprised at myself at like how the match played out with like Stephanie outpacing Vince at the start, you know, like kind of getting one up and the crowd. This is the thing I, I it was in my head was that the crowd weren't into it and it was awkward. Oh, they were into it. This is like all the justification Vince needs is because he's like, look. I'm a piece look at this angle I'm a piece of shit the crowd mm. want to see me get my butt whipped and Stephanie is such an underdog because mm. she's my daughter and the crowd are nuclear mm. it's like Hogan versus The Rock and I don't say that lightly because I wrote down here preemptively the crowd gets increasingly confused and quiet they don't they love it they fucking love it Vince knows what people want mm-hmm. and it's fucked up what they want I must admit I don't have a problem with a daughter beating up her dad Dad, I hope you're not listening. But if you are, that doesn't mean I want to beat you up, okay? I don't want to beat up my dad. But when your dad is Vince McMahon, mm. I think beating him up is pretty... It's, a, it's like a quite a good angle, especially for someone like Stephanie who can play such a great face. And the pacing in this match is interesting because obviously neither of them could wrestle. They can do like a move. Yeah. Which they do very clunkily. With Vince, he has a kind of, he grabs her by the hair and he kind of rolls her onto Throws the mat, kind of. Yeah, it's yeah. like safe play throws. She's done her falls. Yeah. But Vince's, their facials is what yes. really makes it like, because at the end of the day, it's literally Vince is like, and Pratt fall, and Pratt, yeah. like, they're just kind of doing silly falls, but Vince is like, Bleh, and he's mm-hmm. got blood in his face, and Stephanie's like, ah! it's, yeah. Stephanie is so, so good in this. Is this the first time you've seen a wrestle? Yes, it's the first time wow. ever. I was really not expecting much because in the documentary they show clips and even then I was like, oh, this is fucking cringe. Mm. But actually, it starts off and she's just on the full offensive against Vince. Like, she is beating the shit out of him. Mm. It's awesome. She looks like a like a star as well. Like, yeah. She may not move with much grace, but like her facial expressions, her selling is so good. I love how she like kind of she zips in between his legs yes. and like, stuff like that. Unexpectedly quite fast. Yeah. Which was really cool. <laughs> the submission moves where Vince is like wrenching on her and stuff like that though and she's screaming yeah. I find those uncomfortable no I, I yeah, thought they were a bit weird mm. <laughs> there's also a really awkward moment where Stephanie rolls him up and oh no she wants for like a small package like a quick what, yeah. three counts and her hand literally covers his dick full on grope dick move like, uh, yeah. oh, straight man. away I was like no 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 it's just the inside leg Joe don't be and she literally so I had to rewind yeah. not only does she touch his dick she grabs onto it for leverage as a fulcrum to pull Fitz down yep. and use her arm as a lever it's fucking horrible poor poor Stephanie the pipe coming into play then you know Vince using the trying to use a pipe on Steph he does hit her with the pipe yeah that's fucked up now when she's hitting him with the pipe it's like it's fucking wild yeah she hits him really well with it by the way Bludgeon Brothers take note because at one point she like does an upper hand swing yeah she backhands it like that's fucking cool I want to see Stephanie beat Vince with a metal rod that's cool though and I don't like all the weird I just don't think it's ever tasteful to have parents hit their kids mm. I just think that's better left untouched the match ends as, actually as tastefully as it could well with, first of all can we just quickly talk about the rules of this oh, of course yeah 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 because the rules of the match it wasn't like quit match it's like they they said it was an I quit match and then remember on TV they walked it back because they realised that these two couldn't do an I quit match because you can't do an I quit match with the microphone and all that when neither of you can fucking wrestle you know so it was yeah it, it wasn't working in that sense so Stephanie could pin or submit Vince mm, but Vince couldn't do the same yeah Vince had to make Stephanie say I quit which is a bit weird in terms of like 
how that's gonna go then yeah because Vince never had a microphone I think they were doing it like you know like the Bret and Austin submission match that was an I quit match and there wasn't a microphone but it was like you had to say I quit in the submission holes I just think by having it like that where where Stephanie can pin Vince but Vince doesn't have to like he can't pin Stephanie mm. in terms of like agency for her that means she's never you're definitely not gonna get a shot of Stephanie pinning Vince and being like making him say I quit which mm. is quite a powerful yeah. dynamic but you almost will definitely get it the other way around mm, where right, Vince yeah. has like got her and making his daughter say I quit which is instantly weird and we thankfully don't get her saying I quit no. this whole storyline is that he wants her to quit as general manager because he feels she's being soft and not being ruthless enough and she's like I don't want to be like you and it's also the, the other layer to the storyline is she knows that Vince knows that if she quits she'll never probably work for him again so she has to fight because that's what he actually wants and yeah, the end of the match comes where Vince is choking her with the pipe and Linda throws in the towel which is I think as tasteful an end as you can have which is a mother wanting their this all to end and mm. Stephanie is you know she's a, she won't quit and Linda does it to kind of save the family kind of mm. at the end of the match I found myself going like that wasn't as bad as I thought like I thought this was kind of like you know like maybe I won't renew the website this year <laughs> <laughs> I really was worried this would be a match that would taint wrestling for you forever, kind of. I mean, I don't think a man choking his daughter with a metal rod for the public entertainment of millions is necessarily the coolest thing. No. But Stephanie does a really good job in this match. I want to give her a lot of credit. She she really, considering I can only imagine it was very hard for her, even though she makes out like she's so cool, she didn't yeah, care. Yeah. Of course she cared. It's very stressful. Six days before her wedding, she's fighting Vince McMahon, who's yeah. notorious. He gave Shane a black eye within <laughs> seconds, seconds of their match yeah. by mistake. So yeah, I, I think she did a really good job. So would you give it a star rating? I gave it two and a half stars. Oh, so five. better than the last one. Yeah. Can I ask you some questions? Maybe just a question or two. Mm-hmm. Because I know you've said in the past that intergender wrestling is something that you're interested in seeing more of. Yeah. Am I right in saying that you and there's a lot of people out there, I mean, I don't want to say myself because I, like, it's something I want to see, but I know how it can be presented. And I'm not sure about the presentation of it sometimes. And I'm not sure... If we can pair away the father-daughter... I think we can agree that what makes this weird is the father-daughter aspect of it. Yeah. Speaking of that, though, I was just thinking... Because I was saying, like, oh, I think it's okay to have kids, like, kind of beating up their parents. But actually, I was just thinking of a way that this could very much be, again, uncomfortable. Mm. And I can totally imagine this happening in WWE, which is 10 years from now, Vince is a bit older, you know, perhaps rumours going around that he's maybe senile or whatever you know he's getting on he's weak a bit more shriveled mm. and you've got like Vince or Stephanie like beating him to shit oh right which is immediately again a weird power dynamic so yeah I think Vince is I think at the point he is now Vince being what 73 74 he's officially I think like you can use him in angles but the angle has to be how could you do this to this old man yeah, like poor old Kevin man. Owens but even then I think it's <laughs> look at him because <laughs> i i've got i've got a question coming from the camp of well-meaning male wrestling fan who wants to to know about how intergender wrestling can come off because i love the idea and the concept of you know you opening up and men and women fighting each other i think that's an awesome idea i, lo- yeah. I love that the worry i have about the way it often is presented because I've watched like Antonio Cesaro Claudio fight his wife Sarah Del Rey yeah. <laughs> I've watched you know Eddie Kingston fight women in you know Chikara I've seen a lot of intergender wrestling in Chikara and a lot of times the way that the matches play out is 
the big strong man is there with the big like pushing her down big submission moves out muscling her and I just wondered is that always telling a kind of a bias type of story in that the female athlete in these matches is always the underdog who has to kind of quickly outpace and then flash the guy and it's like the big strong man will if he gets them will win and will squash him kind of thing and that's kind of how I always worry a lot of these this is what a lot of it was here with Vince Vince when he had Stephanie he was in control he was dominant he was the bigger stronger guy Stephanie managed to think him outpace him hit him a few times getting some good licks and nearly win is that telling a biased story that the only way women athletes can beat male athletes in this hypothetical inch wrestling is by being smarter and quicker I think yes if, if that's the only way mm. Or is that like even if it's the predominant way? I mean, obviously you could have like say a Beth Phoenix or a Nia Jax kind of physically dom. I mean, I guess the way China used to physically dominate men of her size or smaller size. I was just wondering, do you have enough faith in wrestling no. to to portray it in any other way? I have faith in wrestling to portray it in a positive way, and there are loads of promotions that do. British wrestling at the moment mm. has quite a lot of intergender wrestling. Oh, really? Yeah. I know Pete Dunne recently has been fighting female opponents, and yeah. I would fucking love to see that. And that's Pete Dunne. Mm. He's terrifying, okay? <laughs> he is the scariest wrestler I can think of. He's way scarier than Vince McMahon. Mm. And yet, I would be absolutely fine watching him wrestle a woman. Because I'd watched a few, and I just kind of... I was just worried that that would be the only story that will get told. I think... I think if WWE did intergender wrestling, that is exactly how it would go down. And Mm. I do not trust them to handle intergender wrestling properly because they can't even handle their own female characters properly. (laughs) Right now, Nia Jax is involved in a storyline. Like early 2018, just before WrestleMania at the moment, yeah. Yeah. And right now her storyline is about her being bullied in school because she was bigger than the other girls. Mm. And she's crying, like on a weekly basis. You know, the way Braun Strowman cries when he gets upset. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a stupid, hypocritical double standards for for the way women often get treated. Mm. I don't trust WWE to handle it correctly whatsoever. I definitely think there's a risk of lazy story writing, especially Mm. seeing as it's a mostly male-dominated industry. It's men writing most of the stories. I think you're going to get boring, repeatedly overused. You're just a little girl. You can't beat me, the big strong man. And there's a few problems with that. One, it's uninventive. Come on use your imagination guys there's lots of different reasons someone small might overpower someone bigger size has nothing to do with strength come on this is wrestling Mm. you know that yeah yeah absolutely it's not like there's not countless examples of smaller guys guys overpowering bigger guys yeah exactly absolutely secondly if that is happening that is indicative of a wider problem which is a lack of diversity in women's wrestling Mm, if they're all tiny little ladies yeah why are they all tiny little ladies that's bullshit it's funny actually when you're watching some of this attitude eclipse you were like look at these tall ass women there And similarly with the men, there needs to be a di- mm. a, an obvious diversity problem with male stars. There needs to be different body shapes, sizes, mm. heights. That's the problem. If you have this binary formula yeah. and you've got a very narrow selection of voices telling this boring story, mm. you're going to get a mishandled, inappropriate power dynamic. And it's going to be boring and it's probably going to be tasteless. Well, thank you very much for clearing that up for me. I really love something a bit on my mind. And yeah, father fighting his daughter is a great time to talk about this type of thing. <laughs> originally, I wanted to show... I mean, I did show Joe it, but originally we were going to end talking about Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon versus Shawn Michaels and God. And I was worried because of the because of the father-daughter thing that I'd be like, and then Vince beat his daughter and then fucked over God. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so I wanted to... I showed Joe Vince and Shane versus Shawn and God... Thoughts on the God angle quickly before we get into our final match. When you told me that 
So I just got a notification from my watch to congratulate me for doing all this exercise. So you can see how hyped up I'm oh, that's, that's the best, yeah. You know you're doing a good podcast when your tech is telling you a good job on the workout. Like. <laughs> when you first told me about this match, mm-hmm. I thought you were joking. I really thought you were joking. You've told me so many times that you love when wrestling is just crazy, fucking wacky, mm. hella weird. And I couldn't think of a weirder angle yeah. that everyone except for Shawn Michaels seems to appreciate how fucking weird it is. In theory, I would have loved this. Mm. I, full disclaimer, I would say I'm agnostic. I am don't believe in any religion. Yeah, but um, you're not like a militant atheist I am, taking down other... Yeah, about as yeah. far away from a militant atheist as you can get. I believe everyone has the right to practice their own religion. I'd say I'm the, sa- I'm the same. I, I, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I never was... I would never consider myself fully a Catholic. I was never fully practicing devout Catholic ever. I ever seen this in 2006 and go, it's a good job I watch this shit now because, like, legitimately, my parents walked into me watching Godfather and Val Venus and all this other chair stuff and they didn't bat an eyelid. They came in and saw Vince McMahon in church going, God, I hate you. They would be like, uh-uh, you're not watching this show anymore. At least not when this orange, pale-haired man is on screen. What, Donald Trump? <laughs> no, Vince McMahon <laughs> in the fucking church. Vince and Shane going to church is pure wrestling cheese and fun. I love it. I love it, but I just feel, again, it's handled badly. Because, like, yeah, like I said, in theory, I would love this. I I find making fun of aspects of Christianity, because it's a dominant religion in the mm. UK, to be quite funny, right? Mm. But I, even I am kind of like, be respectful of people's religions, okay, guys? It's I like- guess, yeah, and the idea going in here was that Here's Vince, who's never been to church in his life mm. because he's a, you know, the character is this, you know, self-centered, ego-driven billionaire. He doesn't think God, you know, yeah. if God exists, it's not for him because he's fine on his own. And that's so funny. But the thing I don't like about it is that it's against a born-again Christian, Shawn Michaels. He's poor Shawn, yeah, Jesus. You know, made, he's a born-again Christian because of massive drug addiction, yeah. horrible upbringing. He's gone through some fucking shit. Has yeah, Michaels. yeah, he has. There's a good reason he felt the need to become a Christian yeah. and God to him is very very important yep and knowing all the dynamics as well with like backstage and like Vince and how he treats some of his stars it seems Shawn like Michaels it- ain't someone who'd be made do something he didn't want to do no no I would say he's on a short 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 list from that time that would not have even included John like Michaels would have more stroke and clout than John Cena would have at the right. time or Batista or Randy Orton maybe Triple H is the only person I'd say with more kind of but and that's you know, given his relationship but Sean very much I always think that he viewed stuff like this as like you know it's my job it's in good taste I'm gonna have a chat with God if God's okay with it then it's okay and apparently he was okay with it mm. he did a lot worse around this time storyline wise through gritted teeth oh dear but I think Sean he's okay with it well that's good I know I know not everyone is. I've, I've no. had some people say that they haven't been able to watch this match or the whole angle because they found it too offensive. Wasn't there some tweets we got who said they found this whole thing more offensive than... Yeah, the Linda Trish stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, but you know, people have got different sensibilities. What is uncomfortable for different people is going to be very, very different. I, for one, find it very funny when Vince McMahon couldn't understand that they didn't take card here at the church and Shane's like, yeah, it's cash only. Cash only. What kind of operation is this? Like, the best bit is him drinking the holy water. Hey, Shane, look at this. Look at this. 
Oh, how the, does he do that? <laughs> did the Triple H thing. I love as well that not only did Vince McMahon do something as sacrilegious as drinking holy water mm. and spitting it out, he slurped the holy... Yeah. Don't slurp holy water, Vince. Come on. <laughs> Gross. That stuff is dirty. So the actual match where he faced Sean and God, God only really appeared at the start where Vince gave him an entrance. I asked Kevin at the beginning of this match if God had an entrance and I was joking. And Kevin was like... Oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> does he have an entrance? Of course he does. Which Vince stops halfway through as the spotlight is coming down the ramp. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. Play something jazzy. Let's get funky. It's like, somebody call my mama. Somebody call my mama. Yeah, you've basically got a spotlight as in, in the place of, of God. And we're, I guess, supposed to suspend our disbelief in its wrestling. Yeah. Um, that this is God. Yeah for some reason, represented by a spotlight. And he kind of makes his way down the ramp. He walks, walks, floats. It's like the Mysterions in Captain Scarlet, Joe. They're light-based forms, yeah? He makes his way around the ring and then enters the ring as a light form spotlight. <laughs> Vince is like to the referee, check him. I said check him. Check him. <laughs> you know what? No, it's fine because this is a no DQs match. Bring it, guys. Can I just say as well, Vince at this time this is just after he's ripped his his two quads this is when he came back post muscle fitness mm. Vince is like literally made out of orange boulders he looks like the thing from Fantastic Four I think he looks like the human equivalent of an unsolicited dick pic <laughs> <laughs> like <just laughs> unnecessarily veiny oh I don't want to see that Ugh. guys look yo real talk here from your old pal Kevin you're on Tinder okay you're swiping right you're swiping left you're swiping up you're swiping down don't be that guy. He's like, hey, babe. And you got a picture of Vince McMahon going, <laughs> they don't want to see it, man. They want to know you first. They want to get to know your personality. There'll come a time then you can send them Vince McMahon pics in the middle of the day and they'll be totally cool with it. Just not a work though, okay? Because it's really gross. They see that pop up, Ugh. the notification screen. Mm-hmm. That's wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. It's wrong. Glad we didn't cover it fully because it just evolved into a handicap match. The highlight of which where when Vince wins, Jim Ross goes, that's bullshit. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said that. Don't mean to swear. Bad yeah, you words. Did. A little yeah, penny did. into the jar there. You've got Dolph Ziggler as a cheerleader as well. Yeah, the male cheerleaders, the spirit squad. I wouldn't have thought of them. I'm really disappointed they're not sexy. You were hoping for... Because... I was like, well, that is a male cheerleader. As far as I know, that's that's the kind of outfit they wear. That's the spirit real sad. squad. Real sad. Should have thought outside the box. Why are male cheerleaders have to be so unsexualized? Because like Dolph Ziggler looks really good in a crop top. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler is sexy. So, I think he would own that. Surprisingly underrepresented the sexy cheerleader trope in male and female on a, in wrestling, they but were, male generally. Yeah, they were seriously like covering as much skin as is humanly possible, like a pair of gloves and you wouldn't be able to see them anymore. The best thing about them though, Joe, is that there's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit squad. Yeah, that is clever. The that's, blessed trinity. That's the cleverest piece of writing that has ever happened <laughs> in WWE, ever. <laughs> Well done, whoever's idea that was. Just on a note about the the whole God thing, because yeah. there's a couple of ways you could read this match. Mm, yes, there's layers, there's depth to this. Yeah. So one is, you could take it at face value, which is that God actually was in this match, and he really did abandon Shawn Michaels midway through. And that's true, because they did do a thing on the Raw previous where Vince was like, I'm going to run out to the ring, and then like fireworks went off. He's like, what's going on? And the lights started going weird, and the pyro went off in the ring, and the, implying that God had come after Mr. McMahon. But yeah, so that is there's evidence to suggest that God legit mm. appeared and then God legit no-showed. And then Vince McMahon fired God afterwards because you don't play hardball with Vince McMahon. I don't negotiate. But 
it wouldn't be wrestling if I didn't at least handle this subject with an ounce of wrestling brain. Okay. And that is, what if you take this from the perspective of Mr. McMahon is just trying to fuck with his alcoholic, born-again Christian employee mm. by making him believe that he is with God. and Because Vince is the CEO. He owns all the lights. Yeah, it's true. The spotlight is just a spotlight. It's just Vince, isn't it? Saying, ah, you're going to troll him now. You're going to make him think that God's in the ring. And then you're going to think that God's abandoned him. That's what I think wreck him. is brilliant, right? Is I can't think what's more of a Vince thing because I agree that's how I always viewed that angle and that's really? what it was yeah that Vince was actually doing all the lights and stuff but I wonder what's the more Vince thing Vince uh, <laughs> Vince you know actually trying to masquerade this whole thing that God is here and now he's abandoning you or Vince actually thinking that Shawn Michaels would fall for it the correct answer to that is neither <laughs> it's the question itself that's that's the Vince that's, yeah, that's wrestling that's wrestling absolutely so we decided let's not end things on the total Empire Strikes Back end here, folks, where it's got Vince McMahon and a bunch of cheerleaders praising themselves over the defeated bloody corpse of Shawn Michaels as Jim Ross apologizes for swearing. Not necessarily the high we wanted to go out on and not necessarily true to the Vince McMahon's spirit and character. Instead, we rewound back to WrestleMania 22, one of the all-time great final boss fights between Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon one-on-one, where we got to recap a lot of Vince's insanity. There's one or two things which maybe missed along the way what Vince likes to do. Publicly firing someone, that's a huge thing for Vince. That catchphrase, you're fired! Which, I mean, that came before The Apprentice, didn't it? Vince did it before Trump did it, yes. Because Vince did it in 98, where he'd be like, read my lips, pal, you're fired. But it didn't become a two-word catchphrase until after Trump started doing okay. it. So he kind of did it first, but then he tried to really tried to make it like, no, I totally did Like He definitely overcompensated. As soon as The Apprentice started mm. picking up steam, that's when it was the catchphrase of Vince saying you're fired as opposed to Vince just is firing someone. Okay. The other thing which Vince has, if you get fired, you may be lucky enough to join a very special club. Oh, for God's sake. The Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. Joe, what do you think of the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club? Um, Can you describe well, for a new fan? What does it mean? You got to go like when really Regal was the first inductee. He's like, and I expect I have to go and get your bags and coffee and things now. Is it? No, I mean, like literally, kiss my ass. Oh, <laughs> they didn't really explain this that well. Okay. So as far as I can tell, the Kiss My Ass Club is a club of people that Vince likes a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's made to kiss his ass. <laughs> Because you're my best friend, you're going to kiss my ass. Well, it's like all his close guys that work with him. <laughs> They're the only people who'd fucking do it and like still work for him. Like, it's like his right-hand man, William Regal's doing it. Okay, like, it, how it started was the night after they did the WCW invasion when that angle like ended and Vince wanted like, all oh, people want to come back and get your jobs back now because you know, William Regal had left the company to join the evil invasion group. And it's like, if you want to join my club, you can get your job back. It's like, oh, what's the club? you got to kiss my ass. And William Regal, like, put like, a little chapstick and do a little peck. Of course, William Regal, the facial expressions, he literally sold it like he was kissing his grandmother's ashes. It was like, they're sour. You know, <laughs> it's horrid. And then it was like, I've got to fire you, JR, unless you kiss my ass. And then it's like, uh, Marty Janetti, if you want a job, you're going to kiss my ass. And then it became less about like a circumstance of, you have to kiss my ass to get this to... 
we'll beat someone up and then make them kiss my ass when they're knocked out. Like Shawn Michaels got you know, beat up and Shane put his face on Vince's ass. This is all very weird. And his ass can even do tricks. He can do a little boop de boop on his ass. So. What? What do you think of it, darling? As a concept, to kiss my ass. Club. It's awful. I mean, it's funny. That's all I have to say. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny making William Regal kiss things, but like it got weird. Yeah, it always gets weird with Vince. They did do a cool thing where they meant to like disband. Like they got rid of it for like three years at the club, and the way they disbanded it was. Vince McMahon was like he was going to be made to kiss someone else's ass and they were like they teased like oh is he going to have to kiss JR's ass he's going to have to kiss Trish's ass it's like no he had to kiss Rikishi's ass and The Rock like shoved Vince's head right up Rikishi's ass and it was like ah, take that you mean old man so that was one of the few cases where he did kind of properly get his own back I guess because Rikishi has a big butt but <laughs> what does that have to do with anything an revenge. ass is an ass is an ass yeah. It doesn't make a difference how big it is. I much would have rather kiss Vince McMahon's ass pre all this fucking weird fake tan shit because all the ass kissings that happened around this 2006 period, you're going to have like orangey brown lips afterwards. That shit comes off like... <sighs> Vince looks ridiculous. Well, that's nothing new. No, but like even by Vince's standards, he looks like a fucking parade float. He's so puffed up and big and ridiculous. He can barely walk. The veins in his arms are so big that if he tries to bend his arms, he'll give himself a fucking aneurysm. Yeah, he's looking very alien. Did you like his muscle and fitness pose cover? Blurring again the lines between reality and kayfabe. Have you seen any of the pictures of him from the photo shoot? Yes, I have. I posted some to Twitter. Ah, nice. There's a great Photoshop someone did back in the day. Whoever you are, reach out. You've literally, you made my life with this. It's Vince biting the bar of, you know, there's one who's like, he's biting the bar of the uh, the big uh, dumbbell. Someone has changed that so it's a really long Greg sausage roll. He's like, <laughs> I empathize with that. That's the most I've ever felt related to Vince McMahon ever, wow. really, you know? I just love this match because Vince McMahon gets beat up so much, so hard for so long to impassioned commentary by Jim Ross who says things along the lines of a big elbow to the black heart of Vince I mean he has no heart but if he had one I swear it'd be black <laughs> did you like the kiss my ass club segment in this match so Shane comes out to try and interfere and help uh, you know Vince win the match and Vince is like yeah make him kiss my ass and Vince is all like work he's seriously sexually worked up here yeah and then Sean makes Shane kiss his father's ass I We'll never get used to the sight of Vince unbuckling his belt. Drop and trow. Mm. Not good, is it? And this one is especially weird because... So it's supposed to be that Shawn Michaels kisses Vince's ass. And yeah. like, Shane's got them all lined up. Like, yeah. hey, 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 and Vince is all excited. And yeah. excited for that touch of those sweet lips against his ass. <laughs> but then last second, Shawn swipes out of the way and like puts Shane's head yeah. in Vince's ass instead. Shane, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to go through this. It's really not fair for poor Shane. His fucking family has gone through too much. Literally the year after this is when Shane went on his little exodus. I wonder if it's like, yeah, that's too far, man. I'm gone. This was not a peck on the cheek. This was his head in his father's anus. (laughs) Like it messed up Shane's hair. Yeah, his nose definitely made (sighs) contact with a sphincter. God. Can you imagine your nose making no, contact stop. with your father's face? Stop sphincter? making me think about my dad! Right, now imagine you have to watch that on television for years to come. I would literally go to China. That's literally where I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to China. I, I see why you did it, Shane. I see why you did it. I totally accept that now. It's too much. Oh my God. 
So Sean is like keeps teasing that he's going to kill Vince. Basically, it's like, how is he going to do it? You know, he knocks out all the cheerleaders. He beats them over the head with their special cheerleader. Uh, I don't know, like their kind of special cheerleading horn. He gets out a ladder, climbs up the ladder, and it's like everyone starts booing as he gets down. Gets out an even bigger ladder. A ladder so big, it would cease to be used at that point. It's so tall, like you would no longer use a ladder for that. It's like you know when. Uh, <laughs> When a car gets so big, it effectively becomes a bus. It's no longer mm. a car, you know? The big elbow off the top where Sean dives off the super big ladder, does loads of suck it chance so he can't get to watch TV at his mom's house, and then does the elbow through Vince. Vince has been put in a bin yeah. and then exploded through a table. That's one of the most cathartic fucking things ever. And he takes off the bin and he's like, I'm going to kick your teeth down your goddamn throat and Sean literally goes ha like he's building up a kamehameha like and he kicks Vince so hard Vince falls like a fucking tree that's been chopped down amazing I love I love that move say what you will about Vince McMahon but there's no shortage of footage where you can be like fuck yeah there he goes What do you think of this match? It's one like probably my top ten matches of all time. This one, I fucking adore it. Really? I just love how like everyone's beating up Vince, but no one ever did that. Like I've beaten them up, and now I'm gonna beat them up some more. And actually, no, give me a second. I'm gonna do something even more fucking crazy to beat them up. I do feel this is the only thing I've seen where Vince really gets a decent comeuppance. Yes. Because, like, the, the ringside doctors are literally, like, the head doctor is there. It is, like, his fucking bow tie. They're, they have the gurney waiting, and Sean's like, I'm not fucking finished. You can take him to the morgue in a second. Just give me a second here, all right? And they're like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. Like, Vince is, like, pretty much put into ICU straight away. I gave this three out of five stars. I Yay! Thought was, I thought it was good. Definitely the best of, of all of them. We had a slow kind of climb up through the sludge. Through yeah, we had a, a one, a two, a 2.5, and a three. So that, for me, I think is one of Vince's best performances in terms of his willingness to do stuff. After watching these matches, i got to ask, are you inclined to watch more Vince matches? Would you want to check out some of his other ones? Um, Definitely... Not the kind of guy I would be like, yes, I definitely am going to watch Vince matches again. Mm. To me, it very much depends on the storyline. Yeah. And who he's against. Mm. I wouldn't want to see him wrestle someone else like Shane or Hulk Hogan who can't. Yeah. You know, I yeah. say can't wrestle, but like, they're not. You need him to go against someone like like Shawn Michaels mm. who can carry a match, wrestle around, fast, him, like. wrestle around him, yeah, put on yeah. a big spectacle. That's so interesting because like with Vince, you were so right when you said it's all about that storyline. And even with all the context and as, as much of the clips as we watch in the background of these matches that we watched, even still, I feel like if you're not watching every single bit week to week and at mm. the time, you kind of feel like you, you miss a bit of what goes into those matches. So I would find it strange if I was like, hey, let's just watch the Vince match. But I would say if we were to do an episode on like the Austin McMahon rivalry or the Triple H and Vince rivalry or something like that, that we'd go back and watch some more of those matches because they're always like focal points for the storyline, those Vince matches. Yeah. Did he surprise you as a performer at all? He surprised me in terms of just how much physical punishment he is willing to go through mm. but again that doesn't really surprise me yeah. knowing what I know about Vince McMahon Vince McMahon matches in the PG world seem to be like you know I was thinking of all these matches to watch it's a funny point we stopped here in 2006 because I'm thinking after that I'm like there's a few good matches and moments here and there but without the blood and without the fucking sick chair shots and all that stuff those Vince matches aren't as special unfortunately mm. 
No. We've talked about Vince McMahon, the person, Mr. McMahon, the performer, and whoever the fuck is in between. The spectrum of McMahon. Let's get into your very amazing, and thank you for these, because this has been so fucking great in helping us put together this episode. It's time to check out your tweets. Fair Monday, you're probably the same type of people who wait in line like sheep, all lined up, waiting your turn. And then you'll see someone like myself very aggressively cut in front of the line, and you'll say, Wait a minute, that's not fair. And what about the parking lot? We've all been there. There you are, patiently waiting for your little parking space, and it suddenly appears, and you start driving your car. Oops, someone zips in cuts you off, parks their car, and you say, wait a minute, that's my parking space. That's not fair. And what about the money, huh? What about the money? Uh Uh-huh, you scrimp and you save and you work yourselves half to death, and still, you can't afford what you really want. That's not fair. It's not fair that some people are rich and you're not. That's not fair. And you know, You have to face the facts that the vast majority of you are just born with inferior DNA. And you say, it's not fair I'm born with inferior DNA. But you feel sorry for yourselves, you wallow in your self-pity, and then you have to face the facts that life is not fair. And some of you, a select few, you might as well go ahead and admit it. You might as well own up to the philosophy, and that is that, life sucks, and then you die. So first of all, I want to thank each and every one of our listeners. I realise now that asking anyone to summarise Vince... Even in 280 characters. Even in 280 characters is challenging, to say the least. I've got to say, the tweets we've had and the Facebook comments have been among the most nuanced, the most insightful, the most... I can't think of anyone... People have had a lot of time to think about these things. Everyone's got an opinion about Vince, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. I really thought we'd get a lot more of he's either the best thing in wrestling or he's the absolute worst thing in wrestling. And I've got to say, we got very little of that. We had very divisive ones for Hogan, didn't we? <laughs> well, pretty much everyone hated Hogan. <laughs> there were yeah, a handful of people who like loved him and thought mm. there was like, nothing wrong with him whatsoever. But yeah, just in terms of like, he is a polarising man, is Vince McMahon. And yeah, I have been so surprised by the very... I think, well-handled tweets and, and Facebook comments that we've had from everyone. They're, they're so... Well, they're very descriptive in a, in a very great way. It's, there's none kind of like, oh, he's just this thing or just that thing. I'm proud of our fan base. I am really... I was amazed by them as well because I think what was difficult about Vince, unlike a lot of other wrestlers we've done, where it's like, some people like him, some people hate him. But everyone seems to like have that divide but for their own opinion it's yeah like, sometimes i love vince but a lot of times i hate vince some things about vince are like so important that he's done some things about vince are so fucking troubling and upsetting that he's done everyone seems to have that divide and no it's not a mr and vince mcmahon type of thing it's just he has done so much and is responsible for so many things how could you not have that like kind of opinion of him like you have to be serious like blinders on you to be like Vince is the best and he's never done anything wrong or also as well to be like 
I mean, I'm sure there are were there people out there who are like, fuck Vince, 100%, he's the biggest piece of shit in the world, and the end. I mean, I'm sure, yeah. surely we got a yeah, few yeah, of those. Yeah, 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 of course yeah. we got a few, yeah. Mm. And, and that's perfectly valid. Yeah, he's a absolutely. piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but we got less than I thought. I just, it's just really interesting seeing what everyone's kind of thought of him. And I realise that, you know, sometimes saying these things online isn't the easiest. No. And Vince McMahon is not... Not the easiest of subjects. You know, the timing of this is, is very interesting for me because I think if we did did this episode so, so long ago, you know, when Vince is on TV, I think it always colours people's opinions of him or when there's certain angles playing out. I think Vince has been, like, off TV for so long, it's kind of, you know, he's not a main character anymore. His name doesn't come up as much. It's, it always seems to be about Stephanie and Triple H people mm. are talking about. So kind of feels like this is a good time to do this episode because people had a lot of time to, to think about that period of time where he was an on-screen character and what came before that. So I'm going to start off with a nice story. Oh, I like nice stories. Because <laughs> I don't think we've talked much about the uh, positive elements of Vince. What are you talking about? We talk about him pushing people into a pool and loving snow cones. What else is there? I'm sure he's got problems with his kids, like, for sure. Mm. But I think he loves them very much. And there's a really cute story from Playboy magazine that... Uh, <laughs> See, now you're finding yourself quite... Oh, no, no, no. I will say this <laughs> right off the bat. All of the best interviews Vince has done have been Playboy. It's that one interview. It's the Is only it the one? one? It's the only one he's done, as because far as I know. Because that's the same one. If you've read that one, you've read this story I'm about to read to you, which you said you hadn't heard. Uh, hands up admission, I may have skipped to the juicy details about <laughs> abuse and his relationship with his mother. So, what about the yeah. bit with him putting crushed leaves inside a little girl? That I saw as well. Yeah. So this is a nice one, not a nasty one. And this was sent in by our good friend Todd Gomez Q. Hey, Todd. Hi, Todd. So... It's basically the only nice thing I'm positive Vince has ever done. He used to make up bedtime stories for Shane and Stephanie, and at least one of these apparently involved Dracula. (laughs) One night, little baby Shane gets really scared that Dracula is in the closet, which is very cute. So Vincent Kennedy McMahon goes into the closet and all Shane can hear is his dad, like, struggling. There's, like, clothes hangers flying around. Vince himself said that he, fl- he threw furniture. So it must be a big old closet they've got. Like, chaos is going on inside this, this cupboard. And then silence for, like, a couple of minutes. And then Vince emerges from the closet and says, Son, you'll never have to worry about Dracula again. Dracula's dead. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fucking awesome! Imagine Vincent Kennedy McMahon beating up Dracula like as a little kid, like, ah, something in the closet, don't worry. I, I, I imagine Vince in the closet, like, you know, blading himself, getting, <laughs> getting colour coming out, like, oh, God. Ah, Throwing himself out, like. Bench chair, like, you know, coming out. Oh, it was a tough one, but uh, I managed to kill Dracula. Where's that wolfman, goddammit? <laughs> So I thought that was really nice. The documentary as well, then they talk about him and his grandkids, how like they listen in, they hear like he's you know, I mean, come on, playing with Vince McMahon when you're a fucking kid like him, the, the, oh, the yeah. stories, he's like, Oh yeah, there's like fucking wizards and all these crazy adventures happening when he's playing with them. Like imagine him like getting in a cardboard box like in SpongeBob and using his imagination, <laughs> pal. Yeah, for like all his faults and all his weirdness with his direct family, he seems to be like reborn with his grandkids mm. like he loves them so goddamn much he, probably because like, he didn't like have a chance to be around yeah. Shane Steffi when they were young young like, no exactly little kids like that so it's really nice I think to see like that's a, a human side of Vince it's like yeah. he genuinely loves them so much and he loves spending time with them that's there like, are glimmers nice. of humanity in there from time to time <laughs> 
This one's from Activate Podcast. Dictionary definition of a complicated individual. Yes. Some forget that all the good things, as well as the bad in modern day WWE, still go through Vince. Despite all his flaws, I can't imagine the state of the wrestling business if he had never existed. Also, he's a knob. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's like... That's really, really, really important Like to, to view that. I think there comes a point with fan anger about the content of the product. It's like the people who get like so pissed off about, like say, George R. R. Martin. Like, you know, people like, get so fucking pissy about elements in his books or his book not coming out. It's like, mate, it's his book. He's made it. The only reason you're having this conversation is because of him. And I find that a lot of the time with Vince. It's like, people are like, oh, I don't like this little part of the show. It's like, yeah, but you wouldn't even be complaining about a show or the show be there to complain if it wasn't for him i'm not saying be thankful and be grateful but just do take a time to recognize hey for every roman reigns push you're pissed off about there's braun Strowman being pushed as well and you know what go back and listen to our old patron reviews when braun Strowman is brought out and you and i are like scoffing go i'm like oh yeah joe you see what happens is vince gets it in his head to these guys that will be stars these big muscly idiots <laughs> and it's totally not going to work and here we are braun Strowman, my favorite wrestler in 2018 so yeah tweet from dave j probert he changed the face of wrestling through a series of politicking and tactics worthy of Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Placed himself in harm's way like no other CEO would if they didn't have to. Responsible for his company's greatest highs and follies, mad as a box of frogs. Yeah, I find myself in great agreement with that. I mean, we could do episodes upon episodes about them territory days, but like the fact that he stood, like that's the, I think the most risky thing he did. I know he put up his, his house and his mortgage and all that for WrestleMania, but in terms of risk, like he pretty much ruined his father's legacy and his name like he did that mm -hmm. and if wrestling hadn't been a success that would have been Vince's legacy is that he destroyed a successful territory and ruined his father's legacy some will still say that Vince did ruin his father's legacy but the fact that he went up against that system that very you know, I don't cushy isn't necessarily the word, but it worked for a lot of people, that territory system. And people think you know, it should still be around today in some format. Maybe it is with indies, but Vince pretty much saw that system. And even with all its benefits it offered and could have offered him, he trashed it. And that's a fucking risk. That's ballsy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, but the Baber says, Vince McMahon is a greedy, racist, sexual abusing, megalomaniac capitalist who doesn't care if his employees suffer so long as he can make a dime, created a cult of personality so that wrestling fans will treat him like a god mm. and let him get away with anything. I'm not sorry. <laughs> well, is that Vince McMahon or Mr. McMahon they're talking about, guys? Oh, where does the line end? You know? <laughs> we just don't know, except literally, according to Vince McMahon, they're the same person, so. Yeah. I wonder how many of those names or charges that Vince McMahon would would argue against. I don't know that. Oh, I don't know. Ca capitalist is probably the greatest compliment he could be paid. Greedy, for. I'd say he would agree with. I think Vince would say greed is good. Yeah, I think he would. You that's know? the thing because like a lot of what you can say about Vince that I consider that. to be a flaw, he would be like, oh, that's a that's a boon. I mean, his greed has no doubt benefited him greatly. Greed yeah, for power, the, greed for money. The racism and sexual abusing, maybe not so much. No, but I mean, that's the thing as well. I don't want anyone to think, oh God, you know, here, here are how to wrestling nearly five hours deep into this recording and they've not called Vince out and all like his many, many racist storylines. As, as we've said, he has his hand at the stamp on everything. Everything we will talk about in WWE has Vince in it. And yes, there are countless cases of storylines that were straight up racist a history of institutionalized racism like that's part of the the writing and the corporate culture in there for many many years and yeah it's very right that we we make sure we don't ignore that absolutely vince has never really gotten his head around that i don't think he's no. never really moved past that tweet from brian zane 
Marketing wizard, huckster, creative genius, smut peddler, business leader, carnival barker, innovator, ruthless, underappreciated. But enough about Brian Zane. Oh, hey! he's available for bookings, guys. Do contact. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, those are. It's amazing that you can get so many different adjectives and, <laughs> and describers. There's so many aspects to him like that. That's fucking yeah. Uh, the, the carny part of Vince. That is something which I think. Vince has always wanted to move away from the carny roots yet, that whole time. And yeah, he's the reason that they can't move away. It's literally down to him. The the last link, I think, between that old dirty closed door kind of style of promoting and writing and booking and the very kind of shady, seedy parts of wrestling. Yeah, that is that's Vince. That's the only, who who's left other than Vince. Who who is that? Well, and as well, once well, I say there's people who come along with that. Like there's Jerry Lawler, there's yeah. JBL, there's the old the old guard. People have that old guard mentality. But they're probably all gonna fall away once Vince goes. And I don't think that's ironic. Seeing as Vince at the time was like, here's this young fucking kid from New York, and he's you know he doesn't get us. He's not from our fucking background. That's why Harley Race showed up to his show with a gun, trying to kill him one day. But anyway, oh, you geez, know. Yeah. <laughs> This one's from Danny Benny 85 Always controversial and often questionable decisions, but no one can deny he's the man who put wrestling on the map. Time to step forward away now, though, and pass the torch to a younger, more forward-thinking generation. There's little elements of that where you think there now about, you know, I, I love what I see with what Triple H does in NXT. He's taken over 205 Live at this point where we are in 2018. One would view that going forward... As Stephanie's more involved with the corporate side of things, she used to be involved with creative, now she's kind of pivoted to be more with the, the corporate and the PR and whatnot. Feels like Triple H is the man who is, you know, going to be shepherding the creative direction of the, the wrestling content, at least. And so far, you know, I'm not going to call out everything until it all transpires, but so far Triple H is definitely trying to put more of a focus on women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's something which Vince hasn't done in the past. Focus on things you see in NXT. Will that get transferred onto the main roster? More focus on tag wrestling and people having characters and storylines. It's quite interesting seeing right now, as we are in March 2018, the focus on 205 recently mm. and how much it's improved yeah. since Vince has kind of let go of it. And yet still, though, like what's funny about that is I still think there's people out there who are like, oh, Vince, he's, he's old, he's past, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get anywhere. He can't make characters and stars. And then I'm like, you know what? I love 205 Live at the moment, but Vince, when he saw 205 Live, he saw 12 guys who could all do flippy moves and none of them had characters. He's like, let's give them all personalities and storylines. And that's why we had, you know, Noam Dar, the ladies' man. And that's why we had, you know, Drew Gulag doing PowerPoint presentations, which... For me, it was like my favourite thing of 2017. And now Triple H is kind of his focus is everyone's a serious competitor. Drew Gulag is not doing PowerPoint. He's serious now. So I think the storylines have come on nicely. Oh no, they have, but the storylines are now more focused on athleticism and in-ring stuff. And it is great, but there is part of me that wonders, is that you know, Triple H don't think it's ever gonna be like, you know what, this guy Drew Gulag, this submission specialist. I want to see him do a PowerPoint presentation and it just goes on. And, and you I, think that's Vince? That, oh, that is Vince. Really? That is Vince. And I like, stuff like that, I always worry that there is a little value that Vince has with that kind of silliness that I worry that as Triple H is a serious wrestler who primarily his career, Triple H wasn't a goofy character. He was a serious character. Vince McMahon's character was oftentimes, more often than not, a goofy one. I... I do worry sometimes we'll miss some of that goofiness in the years to come. Oh, I really hope not, because I, I love the goofiness. Got me into wrestling. Chant PowerPoint at wrestling shows, guys. PowerPoint. PowerPoint. 
KG Blood says, a survivor of childhood abuse, yet an unrepentant bully. An innovator of the industry, yet a producer of its most regressive content. A giver of second chances, yet a holder of bitter grudges. Entertaining, yet deplorable. The best and worst of wrestling. I'm really sorry, KG Blood, but Vincent Man would hate that because it's far too much like poetry. <laughs> Goddamn iambic pentameter, get out of here. What's wrong with regular sentences, huh? <laughs> but it's totally true. His entire existence is an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, but it works. Somehow. You know, somehow it works. Kind of. At times. <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> that guy weighed two. I don't believe Vince is as evil or as greedy as people might suggest. I do believe the man is caring of his employees and his business. It's just more misguided. From what you know now, can you blame him for thinking like he does? I don't blame him. Not to say blame is a weird one. Like, I don't... I'm not surprised that he acts the way that he does. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm not surprised. Blame is a, is a different one for me. I don't know if I could blame or not blame him. I, don't I know. couldn't ever begin to understand what kind of person you can sometimes be made from living through abuse like that. I honestly, I'm trying to look back now at all the episodes we've done, and can you think of anyone, with the exception of Roddy Piper, who is as enigmatic as Vince is? Because he said it so many times in that documentary, where it's, and other people said it, which is. No one really knows what goes on in there. Only he does. And there was a quote they said which was, there'll never be a book, the true story of Vince McMahon. It literally can't exist. Yeah, I remember hearing that. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I I can't even tell you why, the nuances of why it couldn't exist, but I just know it couldn't. Mm. Vince will never really be truly known and understand in the same way that I think Roddy Piper, when people, by their nature, a core cornerstone of them is a protective defense. Yeah. That's why I think him and Roddy have in common is the fact that they're both survivors and fighters and that makes you put a guard goes up, add power into that mix and you've got a wall around you. No one knows what Vince McMahon really thinks at the end of the day other than him. He literally grew up in an industry which is built on not knowing the truth. And hiding it. Yeah. And exaggerating it. But who, how much? (laughs) Good cover. Yeah. (laughs) Stephen Shepard says, Caught out this gem while working through 2003, Steph calls him out for using her as a team to help him close business deals. Always eager to drag out a bad idea, this span more than one week, for fuck's sake. Uh, And accompanying it is a quote from Vince. Almost as if I, even though I didn't, it's almost as if I personally deflowered you. Why would you say that? That's one thing I always couldn't understand about Vince how could someone who is so good at knowing like particularly in an in a match environment and knowing when and how to do things that will make fans react how fucking tone deaf he can be at times when it comes to like look no one needs to hear this it makes no sense it makes no there's no benefit to this there's a one where he goes on for hours where he's screaming in the ring at Stephanie back in 2000 and he's like uh, yo, your mother, you know, I, I'll tell you what happened with your mother in the back of a 1962 Chevy. Your son Shane, was, my, your brother Shane was conceived. And if I didn't marry your mother, I didn't want to marry that bitch. He would have been a bastard. It's like, mate, he's not even here. Yeah. And no one needs to know this. It wasn't building to a match. No. It wasn't building to it. And the crowd, this is like Adam Chidera, beer chugging frat boy crowd. are like, that's a bit much, man. <laughs> He does it for himself, I think. I think so. And a misguided belief that people will enjoy it. If he likes it, other people will like it because he has to be right in that sense. He knows what's entertaining. Pittman tweets says, I still get tripped up by the fact that the president follows less than 50 people on Twitter, his preferred method of communication, 
And amongst all the Fox News people is the owner of a professional wrestling company. I know a lot of people haven't listened to our Trump episode and I completely yeah. understand I would say check it out just to find out about the relationship between the two and how close it actually is. Yeah, I, I realise it's it's really hard to consume something like that if you're living in America. Particularly, like, I think our timing of the episode probably made it even more difficult to consume. I would say one of the episodes of any podcast I've ever done that I'm most proud of. Yeah, I... Yeah. <laughs> I don't say that lightly, you know. I know I understand that it's a touchy subject. We've done many a touchy subject. But it was hard. It was hard. But I think it's kind of important to face the facts that Donald Trump got to where he is partly through wrestling. He, it's one of the part of that vehicle of using the media, but. 40% wrestling and like 60% The Apprentice. Yeah. I mean, you just look at look at the relationship between those two, yeah. how they work together. And, you know, WBF, by the way, the World Bodybuilding Federation, that ran out of uh, Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. Oh, really? Yeah, along with, you know, the WrestleManias and all that. It's just, I have this horrible, gross vision that someday in 2020, Donald Trump and Vince Man are going to sit down and share a brand. Oh, wait, no, they're going to share a brand. They'll share a fucking burnt steak wrap. And Vince is owning his fucking shitty XFL and Trump is running for a second term. And like, yeah, we fucking did it. Vince, I think, views Trump like he's the American dream come to life. Like he, him and Trump, he, I think Vince thinks are the two parts of the American dream. Here's a man who came from nothing, Vince. Here's a man who came from something, Trump. And they both became global brands. Yeah. And he, he respects Trump. And I think he loves Trump in a way that we'll never know. Yeah. I will say though about Vince... He recognises the divisiveness of his politics and he's very good at keeping that out of the company yeah, 90% of the time. he's not an idiot. He's actually, he is quite clever as Vince McMahon and he knows that taking a firm political stance like that would mean that people would stop watching. He's so smart. I mean, like, but he, he says he doesn't like talking about politics. He doesn't want politics to be, politics suck, man, you know. Yeah, except when they're benefiting you and you're getting that big tax break and mm-hmm. your wife gets to be a small business administrator. But... Yeah, giving, you know, 10 million pounds to the president. Yeah, it's not yeah. political at all. Oh, it's dollars now, Joe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the same way that, like, you know, 2004, height of George Bush being hated around the world. And even though Vince was very much proactive in trying to entertain the troops over there and stuff like that. You know, his main heel on SmackDown at the time was a parody of George Bush, essentially. Vince knows when to poke at his own politics. And I think he's smart enough not to point out the dissociation between Trump and wrestling. I think everyone was like, oh, they're going to be talking about, oh, the president's part of our Hall of Fame. They haven't mentioned Trump's name once since he's been inaugurated because they know better than that. Al Vim says, Vince McMahon sold the souls of a thousand jobbers to achieve his great success. He cannot be killed by conventional weapons and can bench press 48 out of the 50 American states all at once. What would it be like? It's a weird thing. What will actually kill Vince McMahon? I think he'll die of something really boring. He'll sneeze like, what the fuck? That'll be it. That'll be it. Like, I told you I hate sneezing. That'll say it's a tombstone. (laughs) Maybe he'll die from exhaustion. That would be ironic. Wouldn't surprise me. Although he see he's looking well. He's looking better now than he did when he was on camera. Like for a man in his seventy, I think he's changed up the diet and he's not like a big weightlifting dude as much anymore. He's looking lean, he's looking well. Mm. I think Vince is very much in live forever mode at the moment. Yeah. Speaking of, Morseratus says Vince McMahon made a dark pact with the devil, trading his sanity and any morals and soul he had left for a mortal success at running wrestling. Which I think is probably absolutely one hundred percent true. Yeah, if, if the devil does exist, he's pretty much in league with Vince McMahon. Absolutely. Come on, as if yeah, come yeah, yeah. 
Then the devil's like, what you should say is, when you grab your competition by the throat, you got to squeeze the life out of your competition. Yeah, you should say that, but it's okay, Satan. Talk about deflowering your daughter, Vince. That's a really good idea. Kieran316 says, For all that he has done, he should be absolutely despised. However, for whatever reason, the genetic jackhammer's various and many transgressions seem to have only had an adverse effect on his wife's career ambitions. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. It definitely stopped Linda. I mean, there's so many arguments for that. I don't think you can pull the two apart, you see, because Linda, I mean... It's not like Vince has won this wacky company and Linda's like, oh, I want to run for, for Congress. That's fucking Linda McMahon's company as well, folks. Don't forget, Titan Sports, those two founded it together. And I think she is as culpable and responsible for a lot of that content as Vince is, even though she wasn't on screen acting it out. Really? Well, it's her she company. She was involved with, like, creative? Linda was never involved with creative, no. Well, that's the creative stuff that's mostly I know. the... Still, she's she's the one who's waving the banner of that company and that brand, you know? she always And she, she put herself out there in the public eye running for Congress. She wasn't forced to do that. She wanted to do that. And she was the person who used the fact that she ran the WWE as being, like, a big... That was one of the main cornerstones of her campaign was that, look, we employ... 4,000 people were a global brand. We've done all this great stuff for Connecticut. And everyone said, no, thanks. Twice. Eek, <laughs> awkward. 10 million goddamn dollars. Goddamn. I like James T says, I don't know about you, Kevin, but the way Vince handles the company nowadays leads me to believe that if Vince himself had started the WWWF and that he didn't get his father's company, he wouldn't have made it. Thoughts? Oh, also, I love the way you addressed it to me, because like, now we can have boy talk. Get Joe out of here, you know, like, who, who cares what the new fan, what their unique insight might think? Let's hear what, what me, the, the bearded glasses, white male, straight wrestling fan has to say. My voice hasn't really been heard on this so much. Uh, well, first of all, I don't like the way Roman Reigns has been handled. <laughs> I want to draw another Trump analogy here. Donald Trump was given a small loan of, you know, X million dollars from his father. Trump was very distant from his father in the same way Vince was. And I think if Vince completely ground up with nothing, started, he wouldn't have been able to be successful. No. But then again, I say this, who could have been at that time in the territory system? It was run like a fucking tight-ass ship. Vince had a bit of infrastructure in that he had a hookup with Madison Square Garden. He had some big stars. He had some production. He had his father's kind of consiglieries, etc., so, yeah, all of those things made Vince be successful. But, you know, Vince wasn't in it to run a, you know, a promotion out in New York. He was there to take over the fucking world. And, yeah, with or without his father, he probably would have found a way to do it, I think, at the end of the day. I'm more confident in Vince's ability to do what he did without his father's help than it would have been about Donald Trump had he not been given... Oh, yeah. ...been bailed out multiple times from his father. I think if he had had enough support he mm. could have made it. I don't think he needed everything that he had. I, yeah, he had I, an advantage. He definitely had an advantage. But I, I do think Vince McMahon genuinely understands a certain element of the wrestling industry. But again, that's that's part of, again, his, his privilege of having those connections. Yeah. He understands how to treat certain wrestlers. He understands the relationship with promoters. He definitely had a great understanding of marketing and building a brand. I think the fact that he was able to put wrestling and advertising and yeah. wrestling and being paid to be on TV and not paying to be on TV, those are two 
unique and strong enough concepts that that would have helped him massively in any company he started, I think. And also the the very first WrestleMania, the fact that he understood of getting like celebrities yes, involved. MTV. Like, he really does have a, a marketing brain. Despite the fact he has no knowledge of what's actually hip and cool at the moment. No. <laughs> I love the young people. Aluchi Girl says, It'll never cease to fascinate me how Vince McMahon has built an empire of something he seems to both love and loathe in professional wrestling. Mm. WWE always seems to be a wrestling company that's ashamed of being a wrestling company. Well, if you asked Vince McMahon at certain points in time, he would have said, we are not a wrestling company. We're not a wrestling company. We're in the entertainment business. That was the famous quote when Ted Turner wanted to buy up Vince's business, essentially. Vince said, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm not in your business. I'm in the entertainment business. If you want to be in the wrestling business, you know, you go elsewhere. Essentially, so the fact that they call the sports entertainment, people always felt that like that they were ashamed of it being wrestling. I think what it was was it's in misguided in a sense that Vince wanted so much to distance his brand of wrestling away from the word on its own wrestling, which was." Those dingy halls and arenas and the smoky, fucking lowly lit, dirty, bloodstained canvas, you know, with the, the, the seedy clientele. That was the word wrestling. Sports entertainment, though, was shiny new Hulk Hogan toys and cartoons. It got to a point, though, in your recent years where they say wrestling again. They're, they're allowed to say it. Yeah. You know, there was a long time where they couldn't even say sports entertainment and they had to just say entertainment. But I beg you to try to find something more cringy than Vince McMahon on Beyond the Mat, the documentary, going, no, 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 no. That's not what we're about. We don't do wrestling. We make movies. <laughs> but you make movies now. You made The Chaperone. It's fucking shit. But... <laughs> now, what about Marine 5? Come on. Hey, now, that's the Miz's vehicle. Don't give Vince credit for that. <laughs> Strangelove7777 says, He vexes me. On paper, I damn right despise him for some of the shit he's done and has allowed and stands for, but I also admire him for all his successes. There are few as driven and as entertaining. He'd be the perfect wrestler if he knew how to actually wrestle. <laughs> well, it's always funny. The Million Dollar Man Teddy DiBiase character has always been alleged that that was what Vince wanted to be. That was his character. The whole lifestyle, everything about it. We've, you know, we cover Ted DiBiase later, you'll see so much of Vince really? vicariously through that character. And Ric Flair as well, Vince wanted to be Ric Flair. Wow. The bleach, but Vince dyed his hair bleach blonde actually back in the 70s apparently at one point, trying to be like uh, Dr. Jerry Graham, one of the famous Aww. old-timey wrestlers. You'd like, you know, light cigars with a $100 bill. Like, no, Vince, we need that. That's our only money. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Bradshaw says, In an industry that revolves around colourful, crazy and unorthodox characters, it is ironic that the biggest character of them all is the business's most successful promoter, Vince McMahon. I think you need to have a little bit of that crazy up on top, a little bit of that weirdness. WCW in its dying days was run and overseen by a variety of like office staff, like accountants and lawyers and things like that. People who are good business people, but not wrestling people. I think Vince does have that benefit. I think he's passed on enough knowledge that I think he can survive without him. But the fact that he gets the business, but he also gets the wrestling side of it. Some people would disagree with that, though. I think he doesn't get the the, business, the wrestling side of it at all. I don't know. Beardy Face Guru says, Vince literally mocked God live on pay-per-view while wrestling a boarding end Christian. He mocked God. He he's mocks the God. He's the best kind of arsehole. My first memories of seeing him involved him beating a one-legged man to a bloody pulp on, pe- on pay-per-view. Later, he would wrestle his own daughter in the most uncomfortable I quit match of all time. What a time to come into wrestling. You joined the Billy Keeble Hall of Fame of worst times to get into wrestling. I can't believe we forgot to mention as 
as well because we did actually watch some clips about this about the um, the one-legged wrestler Zach Gowan Zach yeah. Gowan yeah which I'm, I know we mentioned on a very early episode when I asked are there any disabled, disabled wrestlers, wrestlers? Yeah. and he's the one yeah he had a match against Vince McMahon uh, Vince McMahon like yeah thought it was a great way to get over this this kid who had this uh, you know harsh upbringing I mean Zach Gowan was like, Literally, you ever see the guy wrestle? It's it's incredible, just the fact that he oh yeah he can he can wrestle like it's it's and he's good like yeah. really good. And he he even Vince had a fucking hell of a match. Like it's actually one we may check out another time for some kind of extended viewing. I never want to speak on behalf of disabled people and whether or not you know because I know there's been some characters before where they've kind of alluded to disabilities and stuff. And I, I would look at it and be like, well, I find that a bit in poor taste. But you know, you hear of people who have those afflictions and whatnot being you know actually. I found that quite empowering or whatever. I'm not sure how well it worked having Vince McMahon have a one-legged man arrested and take away his cane and be like, look, he's got a weapon. I need athletes in here, not some freaks. I think you'll always be able to find people that will both find it offensive and people who will say, actually, I found it empowering Mm. because that's just the nature. I'm sure there are people who would have watched the Trish segment and whereas I found it horrifying, would have found it empowering. Personally, <laughs> I found the angle a little bit weird with uh, him and, and Zach. Considering there's like no representation of disabled people in wrestling, and like that's, that's it. That's it, like, pretty much, like, yeah. Within the context of, of, of more diversity, I can see how it might fit in. But for me, it seemed a bit like, uh, I don't know. Joe, here we are, six hours into recording. How many pee breaks have you had? Four? Two over here. Four. I've had two cups of coffee, uh, two glasses of water. I'm on three pints of water. Two stretch breaks. Yeah, we actually had to stretch and limber up beforehand. Thanks again to DDP for that. Thank you again to everyone for all your incredible tweets. That was... Exhausting. Exhausting. I need a a holiday. I do. That was was exhausting. I'm so fucking glad that we've done it, though. I'm so glad. (laughs) Final thoughts, Joe, on Vince McMahon. Was it the discussion you thought it would be? Was he the man you suspected he was? Yeah. What did you learn? This is... I mean, I I come out of this pretty much, I feel, as I went in. I knew he was a complex individual that I and others had mixed opinions on. Mm. I I come out of that exactly the same. He's a slightly more complex person with even more mixed opinions. Yes, I think that's it with Vince. Like, the more you come to understand him, the less you understand him. Mm. The more you, you learn, the less... You know. It's like doing a Rubik's Cube, colorblind, kind of. You just kind of keep trying and trying and trying to figure it out, but you know it's kind of fruitless. Yeah, I just feel like we're wandering through a maze that doesn't have an end. (laughs) God, what a complicated man he is indeed. Next episode is going to be a little bit of brevity, thank God. Our next episode, Joe, you want to get hardcore, you want to get extreme, you want to do it on how to XMV. Fuck! I never miss a fucking promo. How to XM dot fuck? Do you want to get hardcore? You want to get extreme? You want to do it on the attitude? Fuck! God damn, man! I never miss a fucking promo. Joe and I are going to be learning about the hardcore icon, the man who popularized beer, cigarettes, and Singapore canes, ladies and gentlemen. Our next episode. It's barely going to be about wrestling. It's Vince McMahon's illegitimate son. (laughs) If only. It's how to Sandman. This man has been called an entrance and nothing more. He's been called an icon of ECW and hardcore wrestling. It's one which I am so excited to show Joe about because I'll tell you right now, probably can wrestle less than Vince McMahon can. Oh, great. 
And yet, no one had more of a cult following and more of a rabid fan base and was more synonymous with a brand and oozed everything about ECW and counterculture wrestling in the 90s than the Sandman. It's going to be an examination, much like in the Goldberg episode, of how far can you go in wrestling with no wrestling? (laughs) Wow. It's going to be an examination of Paul Heyman's ability to promote and to preserve and looking at how one man through a series of his own personal decisions and demons, managed to forge a career using the types of things that would usually stop a career or happen after that career has ended. We want... Matches? (laughs) (laughs) Inverted commas? All right, I'm going to show her some cool entrances. You're going to have Enter Sandman in your head by Metallica at the end of this. But I'm looking for at least one match. There has to be at least one match. I know there's a match where you wrestled on acid, and I know you're going to be excited to see that. Oh, can we take acid while <laughs> watching the match on acid? Watching that, that's like too many outer body experiences at once. You'll break the matrix. <laughs> there's segments where, much like when fucking when Goldberg came out and he would just brrr, destroy everyone, it's like, yeah, please, throughout the Pantheon, all the ECW shows are on the network. We need to find the moments, the matches that Simon came out during and ruined by killing everyone. I want to see some of the great storylines that he was involved with. I know that Sandman did some of the most high-concept, high-end storylines. Almost would remind you of the progress and Jimmy Havoc stuff we were talking about recently in terms of you doing a lot with very little and particularly with little budget. Sandman being blinded. Sandman's child being abducted. There's a lot of stuff to get into here. I want to know all about hardcore hack Jim Fullington himself. The man who invested his money very wisely in property as well from what I heard and the man who once turned to a kid beside me at a live show and said you 18 and they went yes and he poured beer on top of them gotta learn all about the sandman folks i want all them tweets use the hashtag how to sandman i'm fucking exhausted yeah i'm totally wrecked i need like alcohol sleep a bath i need one of them 5 p.m lunches you know what i think we should do is book a freaking like deep tissue massage Because I'm sore now. Just in case, folks, as always, thank you for listening to this episode of How To Wrestling. As always, make sure you're giving us a follow on the Twitter at How To Wrestling, Facebook.com slash How To Wrestling. That's where there will be posts and information for you to give us all your info about the Sandman. And as well, HowToWrestling.com has got some amazing new articles up there. And Joe, you say you're on the lookout for contributors all the time? Yeah, that's correct. If you've got an idea that you think needs to be about wrestling... Uh, there's an opinion that you have like about Eurovision being like wrestling no don't do that one I did I did that one already no one else can have an opinion about Eurovision and wrestling oh no okay, if you've got a new take to have then, then by all means I'm happy for the house wrestling to become ex- only about Eurovision and wrestling <laughs> don't feel that you have to have previous writing experience we are happy to get all thoughts on paper we want to spread all your opinions this is what the show is about and you're home for all how to wrestling news episodes and updates howtowrestling.com where you can find a bevy of new and amazing articles from all of our friends in the how-to universe and as well folks joe recently has been appearing and doing interviews with some other podcasts joe's a full-time podcaster now as Yay! am i and i thought at the end of this episode we'd extend the uh, all olive branch out there if anyone would like to have joe or myself on as a guest or a feature or anything like that how to wrestling at gmail.com for any and all inquiries until next time when we have a much more straightforward and probably a lot shorter episode than sandman it's a goodbye from me kevin and a goodbye from me 
Oh, I'm dying. It's okay. We'll be all right, huh? It's been ten hours. You've, you've, you've survived this. You can survive literally anything this podcast can throw at you. <laughs> See ya.